Cinema Oddies, late night movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddies where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off-kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally these projects gel, most times they crash, hard, into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach. And I create life! And I destroy it. <laughs> I, I have to. I have to give my alternate because I didn't think anything could beat the line I was gonna say at the start until Eddie Redmayne gave that delivery because it was so good. But my my other one that I was gonna go for was, and I don't care what you wanted, you don't treat your cousin like chicken. <laughs> this movie is a doozy, and it's a doozy for our two. 100th episode. We made it. A 200th main episode, I guess. Because we don't count the bonus episodes. Just these Monday releases. So, right off the bat, 200th episode, I was thinking back, of course, we might remember, or you might remember as the audience, 100th episode was Mortal Engines, and I even want to throw in, just to get three data points, our first episode was Batman v Superman. Mm. So clearly, Zach, our centennial episodes are exactly what you wanted this podcast to be. Oh, 100%. Goofy, gonzo, blockbusters that flopped? I think they all oh, fall yeah. into that category. Uh, I don't know well, if Batman v Superman flopped. It didn't make as much money as they expected. It yes, they didn't, it didn't make $7 billion. Yes. It only made, you know, like 750000 or something, probably even more. I don't know. But I was thinking about that, and I'm like, okay, this makes some sense. Because I remember when we did Mortal Engines, we, we mentioned something, and even leading up to Mortal Engines, I... You were the one who was like, what are we going to do for our 100th episode? And I was kind of like, I don't think I really care about the 100th or the, the 100 anniversaries. I like the yearly the anniversaries. So I like that I get the yearly anniversaries with the extravaganzas, and you get the centennial episodes yes. with, with these crazy movies. My anniversaries come, like, every two years. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I have to say... After Batman v Superman, after Mortal Engines, I'm so glad that we're getting to one of these crazy blockbusters that I thoroughly enjoyed. And I guess I want to say it right off the bat, Jupiter Ascending, I fucking loved this movie. I was so into this. This is the kind of thing, convoluted mess of a film that I need to watch six more times to get a handle on what's happening through most of it. This is like the Wachowski Southland Tales. And I think it's not only in the sense that it's convoluted, I think we'll get into how little agency our main character has, because just like The Rock in Southland Tales, Jupiter, uh, Jupiter, Jupiter, I guess we should yes, call Jupiter. her, Jupiter, <laughs> Mila Kunis in this movie has real, really, she doesn't know what's going on, she's just going through the motions, and by the end of the film, she's just running around aimlessly, and Eddie Redmayne just happens to find her. <laughs> but I loved Jupiter Ascending. So, Zach, of course... We are. We have already discussed the Matrix movies. I guess. I guess I'm just going to say it. We are recording this on September 8th of 2021, <laughs> a full 110 days before it comes out. And this is really because Zach wanted to watch this movie with me. Is that accurate? Or is there more? No. There's no more context. Okay, that's that. it. Yes. I it's... figured for any. Because okay, we have to go back to like again. I'll, I won't get too far with context. But, like, this, it, considering Rob's and I's affinity for the Wachowskis, yes. and just their kind of, like, bananas nonsense that they've been known for, <laughs> oh, God, since, like, the mid-2000s. Yep, yep. This, this feels like something that, if Rob, considering that Rob's never seen this, and that there is, like, a nice amount of context here for when I, the trailer was released for this, this is something that Rob had to, we had to see in person, together. Yes, yes. And I'm so glad we watched it. It's the... It was the last movie from the Wachowskis that I hadn't seen. I watched Bound a few days ago in preparation for this. And when 
Um, when we finally got to this, I'm so glad. Not only to finish the Wachowskis filmography, but that it went out on a high note like this. And Bound, I'm sure I mentioned it earlier in this series, or, or will mention it, because we are so far from recording the Matrix trilogy, that Bound was great as well. And I was mentioning to Zach before we started recording, I love every Wachowskis movie. Not just like, I think I love every Wachowskis movie. And that is a great, great thing. Would you fall into the same category that you love all the Wachowskis movies? Of oh, the ones you've seen, because I think you still have not seen Bound. I've not seen Bound. Um, yeah, I wouldn't know if i say love. I'm trying to think my favorite Wachowskis movie. Oh, God. I guess it would be a toss-up between, like, The Matrix Revolutions and Speed Racer. Okay. It would be a toss-up. <laughs> I really, really love The Matrix Revolutions. Um, We're going to have some hot Wachowski takes throughout this entire episode, I feel. Yeah, like I said, like, to me, I, to this day, like, I still think the first Matrix film is the, it's, just, it's so dry. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know it's cinematic importance. It's just such a dry film to the uninitiated. Sure. Um, you really have to kind of understand what they're getting at. Um, but no, overall, like I said, I, Wachowskis, like, it's going to be very hard to discuss them because they just like – they like, again, I don't know. Yes. I just like, – they are on a different plane of existence than the rest of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah, tune in or check out our episode from three weeks ago where Zach discusses more of his thoughts on The Matrix. <laughs> I look forward to that series, folks, that you're now hearing uh, after we've just completed the, talking the final about the episode of – yes, yes. And uh, maybe The Matrix 4 has come out at this point. This is the truly the turnstileiest yeah, episode yeah. of Cinemodities. Rob and I have like, a little mask over our face. We're trying to like, <laughs> breathe the reverse oxygen. Yes, exactly. Uh, hopefully the recording, you know, our hot takes of the Wachowskis don't become ice takes or something 110 days down the line since we're in Tenet World so much. But yes, I'm so glad we got to finish this up, and I will even, even though we did not discuss all of the Wachowski films, and there's more we are going to discuss in the future, I will definitely give my rankings at the end of the episode. And it's going to be tough, because I love all those movies. Just like it was for Henry Selleck. It's tough to rank movies that you love every single one of. So, Zach, where do you want to start? Where do you want to start with Jupiter Descending? I see you ferociously digging through the history of our Facebook messages. I'm guessing to find... There's like a picture. Like, okay, I'm going from December 2010. There's like a pregnant <laughs> Dora the Explorer. I have so many questions right There's now. a lot of stuff I don't remember from our Facebook messages throughout the years. Our main form of communication. I don't know what the hell happened, but like at some point in the Facebook Messenger, it goes from March 2011 to February 2015. Ooh, interesting. Much like Neil Kunis, we have some missing time going on right here. Yes, absolutely. Maybe the, um, yep, don't know what those aliens are called in the movie. Maybe they wiped our memory. Maybe they neuralized us or something. Yeah, it's like. not, like, legit, like, there is, okay, this, okay, this is the context. I was hoping I could pull it up. Like, we go from, like, a thing of, like, for some reason, pregnant Dora the Explorer, Rob. I love know the context besides <laughs> this. Um, did I send it or did you send it? You sent it, Rob. Okay, that's, that sounds about right. <laughs> um, yeah, and then, like, it goes from March 2011 to February 2015. Okay, okay. And it's something Eraserhead related. Okay, of course. I, I would probably guess that a solid 15, 20% of our Facebook messages yes. are about Eraserhead. <laughs> but, yeah, so what happened was, like, because, okay, the context of Jupiter Ascending was, this is one of those films that, I, oh, God, they were, I could sworn they were released like a trailer mm-hmm. like sometime in the comic con i don't know again the timestamp is now gone but i want to say god 2012 or 2013 they released yeah. like a, it was like the first look at this i remember saying it to rob and i was like looks like typical ya garbage i remember not liking the trailer because i think they were they were pushing up the the space opera stuff and the romance between mila kunis and channing tatum 
which is definitely, like, that romance is my least favorite part of the movie, but it's not as egregious as I thought it was going to be from what I remembered of the trailer, which I haven't seen, you know, in nine years. Yeah, it's been a while. And that was kind of it. Like, this was always on my radar. Um, but when this came out eventually in February of 2015... It was, it was in a weird period for me where, like, I, you know, I had, like, oh, God, the movie vouchers things hadn't started yet. Okay. So, like, I was kind of, like, living off the fumes of my gift cards, probably from, like, prior birthdays. Sure. Yeah, the U.S. release date is, oh, my God. Just give me the goddamn U.S. release date. <laughs> Okay, it, for some reason it can't just give me the regular release Zach date. Zach has found a page, it seems, where it has a release date for literally every city on every planet except in the known the, universe. Except for the U.S. <laughs> um, no, February 6, 2015. Okay. So it wasn't Valentine's okay, Day. Okay, so or a little earlier. Okay, okay. Yeah. And, like, I didn't see this in theaters even though it looked, like, right up my alley. At this point, God, we were even before Batman v Superman. Yep. This, this, was, yep. this is God. This is, like, in a weird period for, like, film culture. You know, before, like, Jurassic World and The Force Awakens kind of, like, did this weird... Thing of like, 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 bring the past back. Like, yes. Like, um, yeah. This, this was. I wanted to see this in theaters. I didn't. I'm pretty sure I obviously got it from the library at some point. Okay. And that's when I experienced this, and I'm just like, what is going on? <laughs> and I always found it endearing, but like, I never found it endearing enough to like want to drop twenty bucks on buying it. Sure. Until, until. November 2018. <laughs> yes, Zach is I, looking at his I, receipt. I'm for looking it. at my receipt where I walked into my local big lots. And Jupiter Ascending was sitting there for a whopping three dollars. Oh God, three dollars! <laughs> I could not slam my three Mr. Washingtons down. If I saw that for three dollars, I think now I would buy it as well. <laughs> this, is this the cheapest movie I've ever had for cinema? Because wasn't the prior one like Sicario, where I got for four dollars at a sale at Target? Mm, I think so. I think so. I think this is the cheapest cinema I've yeah, ever had. Yeah, that was a while ago. Okay, yeah. And I and I when I the Blu-rays I've bought, I've gotten for like all six two. to eight. You know, all, all, all two of them. <laughs> yeah, Southland Tales yeah, and South. Uh, South. That's Southland Tales. Was a little more expensive because it just came out. I think that was that a was boutique. Like that was an error. That was error. Yeah. That was like a boutique. Label uh, I think too. searching was like six bucks, and I know Anomalisa was eight bucks. Um, so, so yeah, three dollars for Jupiter. Ch- truly, the cheapest in the mod. I feel like there's some people in the audience, you know, who have maybe seen this movie and maybe don't feel uh, as as much, you know, enthralled with it as we are. Going three dollars is too much for Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> but if I saw that, I would totally. Be happy to have Jupiter Ascending on my uh, my Blu-ray shelf or little you know collection of Blu-rays next to all the old PS2 Guitar Hero games. <laughs> so I'm I'm glad you got it. And how many times have you seen this movie? That's something that I wanted to ask you because, like I mentioned, as I was watching it after finishing it, I'm like I dug it. It was convoluted. I can explain maybe 40% of what's going on. I would need to watch this so many more times to understand it. Not just what's going on in the movie, but even just to begin to get the the jargon of the world down. Like Zach said before we started recording, we need like a dictionary or something or a manual to understand this movie. So how many times have you seen it and do you feel that you you are starting to crack through what this movie is? That's the thing about this movie is that like it's the John Carter thing Mm -hmm. where I know Rob still hasn't seen that. But it's the idea of like we're just going to throw so much nonsense at you. Um, A lot of big words, a lot of goofy words. (laughs) Yes, Um, yes. I've seen this at least, I'd say, four times, if not okay. like a half a dozen. Like, okay. I've seen this a couple of times. It's Wachowski's nonsense. It's, it's fun. Yeah. It's a romp. And that's the thing. I, I, when you boil it to its essence, it's not It's not that bad. It's not mm-hmm. hard to grasp. Like, I feel weirdly now it would be harder to explain, like, contemporary Star Wars than it would be to explain this. 
Uh, that's a good point. That's I feel like point. Cont- yeah. even Marvel. I think cont- like, like 2021 Marvel would be harder to explain to somebody mm-hmm. than this. Sure. It just sure. uses a lot of goofy names and language and just stuff. And it's like, oh, we have the House of Braxis. And then it's, it's the Dune thing. Yes, like, like, I yes. can, this is the thing where I think it's kind of fascinating about the Wachowskis. And the problem now is that they are like, we're ne- never going to know their thought process. They're maybe even more guarded than David Lynch is in that regard. Mm-hmm. And that, like, it feels like they watched, they read Dune. Yes. And they were like, not watched anything, dude. Just read Dune. Like, we're going to do this better. Sure. And they fell into the same pitfalls as every other, like, adaptation of, like, one of these older properties, whether it be John Carter of Mars, Dune. Yeah. And and it's like, we're going to do this, but make it original. But actually, I had a pretty interesting thought, and considering that, like, Denis Villanueva's Dune, when recording this, is on the horizon, by the time you're hearing this, it's probably on, like, God... Everything now. We, we every may or may not have talked about it already. We may or may not talk about Denis Villeneuve's Dune. <laughs> this feels like, considering that this is a Warner Brothers title, mm-hmm. and that Warner Brothers has been the one trying to get Dune off the ground now for like 20 years, yes. this feels like they wanted to do Dune, and the studio said no. Ooh, that's or some, an interesting or, take, yeah. Or the opposite happened. The studio wanted them to do Dune, and, and they, they said, said no. And they said, I swear to God, it's not the people's or batteries anymore. It's that they're the fuel for the fountain of youth. Yes. And, and they were like, yeah, but Dune has the spice. And the Wachowskis were like, nope, people as fuel. That's what we write about. But that's the thing. <laughs> numerous times through this, they keep talking about, like, Eddie Redmayne has, like, the blue crystal goo. Yes. And I'm like, oh, this is the spice melange. That's what yeah, this is. Yeah, it, This is Dune. This is Dune. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what it is. Like From it, the story, even to the visuals, you know, in the beginning when we're getting these grand, you know, shots of spaceships and stuff, and, and there's this, oh, it was an awesome shot near the beginning where, like, some spaceship, like, comes up through the rings of a planet, and I'm like, this is great. This is so Dune, though. This is like the space travel that, you know, Dino De Laurentiis wish it could have looked like back in the 80s type. And I'm, I'm sure what we're going to get in Denis Villeneuve's Dune. Some great visuals and stuff like that. But you're absolutely right. And I'm, I'm glad you bring that up also because I found in my research that apparently Lana Wachowski's favorite book and the inspiration for this story is The Odyssey. Yeah. And if you look at any of the, the grand famous sci-fi epics, you know, of the... The, the era, you know, not just the Dune era, but before that, like with Heinlein and Stranger in a Strange Land and stuff like that, they're all just the Odyssey, basically. You know, it's the rehashing of the very famous tale of Odysseus. I also did like that I read that <laughs> it also in conjunction with the Odyssey, the Wachowskis really liked The Wizard of Oz. And, yeah, and they basically that said That's on brand for that, that Channing Tatum's character is the analog of Toto in this movie. And I'm like, I don't think Dorothy falls in love with Toto. I don't think that happens in The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> That's the thing where the Wachowskis are fun, though. Yes. I, I, yeah, they would look yeah. at that and be like, we're going to do this, but wouldn't it be great if Toto was a human character? Yep, yep. That's the sort of stuff like, you really wish that, like... Like, like, you got to give Warner Brothers an insane amount of credit for... After, again, you think about it, they have Cloud Atlas, another, mm-hmm. like, $100 million-plus budget, oh, bombs. Yeah. Speed Racer. God, I, was, I think I was... I forget what that was. 100, 100, in the ballpark of yes, $100 million. It was, very it, it was a nine-figure budget. Bombs. And then, like, we're talking a solid decade off of a lackluster performance of The Matrix Revolutions. Mm-hmm. And there's like, here's another $200 million. Like, we trust you. And finally, after three strikeouts, did Warner Brothers tell them, like, no, we are not cutting you. You have yeah. to go back to the well mm-hmm. of nostalgia. Then we'll cons- – you have to kind of, like, like lick your wounds. Yes. And like I told Rob, as soon as this ended, I'm like, this is the film that broke the Wachowskis. That finally, <laughs> they're blank. Again, and to talk about something that we um, 
Okay, I think at this point, I think the audience knows what we probably just recorded when you talked about Jordan Peele. Yes. It's the idea of like, I think this is what's going to eventually happen to Jordan Peele. Uh, it's the idea of like, you had your Matrix. You had your huge cultural zeitgeist moment. Yep. You're gonna, and like, again, yeah, Matrix Reloaded is very similar to us, US, as Rob likes to call it. Definitely. And then we're going to slowly, he's going to trickle into this like, he'll still, they'll still write, yeah, they'll keep writing him checks. But it, they're going to bounce eventually. And he'll be yep. forced to go back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's inevitable. It's it's. What would be the sequel to Get Out? Get Out again? Still getting out? It, it, still getting out? Got out? Gotta get out? Got out's a good one. Get outer? <laughs> get out to hyper out? <laughs> oh, get out to get out boogaloo? <laughs> get out. <a> musical? <laughs> get out to confessions of a teacup. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Jeez. <laughs> no, that that's a good comparison. And, I mean, you know, once again, we're talking uh, a little without knowing really anything about the new Matrix movie. All we know is that, like, it's supposed to... Like, can't, the rumors... Are, I know Rob and I have talked about it a few times yeah. now on the podcast. is like, it's supposed to take place with, like... The the actors are in the movie like it's a it's very self aware yeah. which sounds like something the Wachowski well Lana at this point because apparently I, I don't know I can't say I, I know their born name I don't know Lily their, I believe. Lily is it yes. Lily okay this would be so easy Lana at least made it easy for us <laughs> um, it's the idea that like you only have one of them now and it's I think that we say. can we can be yeah not to not to cut you off but we can be a little loose on this episode because we know in technically the Andy Andy directed this with Lana yes, so we could so yes. it's, it's a weird teetering act where like we're just being respectful to history exactly we're being respectful to history and Zach and I are you know if we're we, bigots we're confirmed if we come bigots across as bigots we, we're still not going to be as bad as what I expect in the previous three episodes that Ben is going to be. I feel like we're going to have to explain to Ben every single Matrix movie that they transitioned at certain point. <laughs> hey kids, when Rob and Zach decided that we were going to do this month on the Matrix movies and the Wachowskis, we asked Ben what his thoughts were on the Matrix franchise, and he said something along the lines of not really remembering them and or disliking them. So when we told him that Zach and I had been thinking about these movies for a probably, you know, 15, 20 years, he said, oh yeah, I have no problem not being a part of that. Hence why he was not around for the month of December. No, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, we know nothing about it. You mentioned it. That's what I heard, too. I, at this point, like, I don't feel comfortable talking about it because I feel like it's too spot on. It, it, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, as of a recording, it's like, just yesterday, they like released like the very bare-bones teaser poster. Yeah, the there's red and blue pill. There's some yeah. still like stills out there now. Mm -hmm. Like It's just Keanu Reeves looking like John Wick. Sure, like, like it's sure. the exact like I said, and I think that's part of it too. That's gonna play into this. I think the idea of John Wick is gonna weirdly bleed into this movie. Um, yeah, think about there's an entire generation of moviegoers now that Keanu Reeves is not Neo. He's exactly. John Wick. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is a hundred percent going to bleed into this. Yes, yes. Unfortunately, I think to the detriment of whatever Lana's gonna do with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, Keanu Reeves is such an has such an interesting career with how people know him, and just because by accident of birth you know him as a different character, it's wild. Um, but we can't wait to see it. We're gonna see it. It's it's gonna. We be might have seen it by the time you're listening to this. Exactly. Yes. Tell uh, us how it was in the comments down below. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's gonna be a very dated episode. But but yeah, the Wachowskis they're so interesting, and I think you know. Not having rewatched prior to this recording all of the Wachowski movies, I think that'll happen as we get to the Matrix movies and stuff. I. Uh, this is one of the, like, best examples of what they're going for with their, their shtick, you know? And, and I know we're going to talk, we have talked about it a lot with the Matrix movies. I think Cloud Atlas is, a, is like, the other contender for them really getting everything they want to go for and putting it into one movie. But, you know, I think we've mentioned it before, whenever we discussed Speed Racer, every single one of their movies is about finding your true self. 
in whether it's, you know, through being reborn, like in Cloud Atlas, through it be genetic recurrence, I think they call it in Jupiter Ascending, whether it be, you know, uh, breaking free of the Matrix, and even in Bound, whether it be, uh, you know, actually just realizing who you are and having agency as a woman and things like that. This movie really gets at that idea fantastically, because I think Cloud Atlas, it gets a little muddled with the the, the source material that it's on. Of course, you have the, you know, reincarnation and stuff like that and parallel storytelling. But this movie, the genetic recurrence just screamed to me. It's like, this is what the Wachowskis are going for. They have this idea that, you know, the spirit carries on throughout all of human history and the universe even. And, and I felt that it captured it wonderfully. And I think that's why I love this movie so much. That I'm like, this is great. You know, this is what the Wachowskis always want to write about and they're really capturing it here. I've heard that's what Sense8 is kind of about. Except it's Rob, like, Rob knows more about that from reading like the Wikipedia yeah, article. It's something like eight people are born at the exact same moment in time and they become linked. And so it's more like the connection of humans rather than the, the recurrence of, you know, a, a, a soul, for lack of a better term. But I thought this movie captured it perfectly. I, the Matrix Revolutions, maybe Reloaded gets it in maybe the second best. Speed Racer's more of the corporatized version well, of it. that's not to lose yourself. Like, you, you've gone through the ringer and keeping true to yourself. Yes. And corp the yeah. Corporate, oh God, the, the corporate entity tries to des destroy your soul. Yes, yes. But I, I love that idea, and I love that it came through in Jupiter Ascending. Of course, this movie being after both of the Wachowski's it's weird how, like, they transition. Went, it's weird how you look at the Wachowski's filmography, and you have The Matrix, which is very dense, but for some reason, everybody kind of glommed. Like, I don't think people understood The Matrix. I no, think it was cool. No. And I'm sure we talked about that uh, three weeks ago, that, you know, The Matrix is one of the most... Original Matrix is one of the most important movies ever that everybody took the wrong message yes. from. <laughs> like because leather. it wasn't leather. Yeah, exactly. It was. It was. Oh man, isn't it cool to shoot these people that aren't real? You yeah. know that they're simulations and something, so we can kill them all willy nilly. And it's like that's not really what the Matrix is about. <laughs> then you have Reloaded Revolutions, which Reload was one of the most hyped movies of all time. Yes. And then, like, everybody kind of just walked out. Like, well, the action was there, though, but, like, we don't get any of this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then people got frustrated by the two-parter, which at that point, the Wachowskis were also ahead of, too, the idea of doing a two-parter. Cliffhangers aren't new, but the idea of, like, okay, we're doing a two-parter and the next installment's coming up in a couple months. Yes, yes. It was not the typical, like, you have to wait a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And then, like, Revolutions comes out, and it's one of the most, like, devastating box officers where it literally made half as much money as the, first, as the oh, second yeah. film. Oh, yeah. Where it just shows, like, that is just audience erosion. People just said, nope. And they yes, walked away. Yes, I'm sure we talked about it two weeks ago in the Matrix Reloaded episode. Um, we're going to rehash so much stuff because of the, the turnstiles, but I wish I could have been in the theater for Matrix Reloaded. You didn't see that in theaters? No, I did not. I saw, I saw I, that and Revolution. I had to catch that on HBO after it came out. I, I, I don't think I... I didn't see any of the Matrix movies in theaters. I um, was not... Privy yeah. to the Matrix. My parents really? were not... Really? Yeah, oh, God. yeah. Okay. I wish I could have been in the theater... For the end of The Matrix Reloaded, when they show that dude, I, I just imagine everybody in the theater would, like, collectively went, what the fuck are we seeing? Like, that's the end of the movie? I, it, it, it's such a wild thing. And I'm, I know I'm going to try and get it. I, I did for the last three weeks, like, blend in stuff about the Animatrix because, you know, I, I love the shared media idea that Wachowskis go for. But I wish I could have been there in the theaters just to see... Just to hear or feel the tension in the room when the Matrix Reloaded ends with that shot of Neo lying on the table and it pans over to Bane is his name or yeah, something like yeah. that. I wish everybody would have went. I would have been there for everybody to go, oh. what? That's what happened. <laughs> yeah, That's what yeah. everybody does. Somebody who was there in 2003, and that was with my nephew, my mother, and I. For the record, because well, Rob was talking. 
the show that I was there, I saw The Matrix I think for the first time like in 2001, maybe two. Okay. And I remember I want, again, obviously the toy magnet that I am, wanted a Matrix toy. And I did not know that this wasn't key. This was Tank. <laughs> yes, it says it on the box. And I didn't know. I just figured this was Neo because it vaguely looked like it. And on the cardboard backing, you have a picture of yeah. Neo. Yes. yes. But this is, I've had this, God, at least, God, at least 20 years. Jeez. And that was a thing. It was like, I was like, I was always fascinated by this movie. As a kid, like, I think I talked about numerous times in 2001, hence the fourth year, mm -hmm. is when I really got indoctrinated into movies. And The Matrix was really the most contemporary movie on any of these lists. So that is why, like, it was, it, God, The Matrix has always been around. I remember I think my mother and I saw it on TV. We were, okay. we were visiting okay. my grandmother in New York, and that's how I watched it. I can't imagine what a watered-down, like, broadcast television version <laughs> of The Matrix looks like. <laughs> yeah, But yeah. we both enjoyed it. Like, as much as, God, how old was I? Nine. Mm -hmm. um, as much as anybody at that age could. And it was. And that's, like, when The Matrix Reload was coming out. And I remember I got the DVD. I still have the, um, God, I have, like, three copies of The Matrix. Now. Okay. I have The Matrix DVD with the weird, like, plastic snap thing they used to do. Remember, it was, like, a piece oh, of cardboard. yeah. I have that somewhere. I have the Blu-ray. And even Rob, and we probably definitely talked about it a couple of weeks ago now, I have the 4K-like trilogy set. Yes, yes. Which now is going to be out of date because they're going to release a four-disc version at some point with all four films on it. But no, it's one of those things where like The Matrix has always kind of been there, or the Wachowskis. They've been there kind of since the get-go for me. Yeah, oh yeah. Once I, once I learned about the Wachowskis, I just always latched onto it. It's one of the things that I'm actually surprised it took me this long to get through all their movies. Yeah, that, that's, why, that's why this was so important to talk yes. about this in person. It's almost like was, scary tales. Yes, exactly. It's almost like I was doing something subconsciously, like you said with David Lynch, where you, you want to meter them out as yeah. long as possible because you know how hard they're going to You don't want to blow through it all at once. I just, I just want to, I'm sure Zach will have brought this up when we uh, go back to recording distance, but I, I, I just want to say that on the back of this unopened box of tank who kind of does look like Neo if you're a kid you don't know what it is you're looking at yeah that it, look, it could, could be Neo yeah it's a tank with the big gun and, and from stuff the end like when that. he shoots uh, oh god what, oh god who's the guy you know who he is the actor Joe Pantoliano yes. yeah when he stops him from unplugging Trinity. yeah yeah but it says on the back of the box uh, look for assortment three I'm guessing this is assortment two because in this is that garbage truck Got some, got oil some, truck. Oh, oil truck. We got the great, uh, when we, whenever we record in person, we get the great background noise. But this assortment seems to be assortment two because you have like well, I remember, Trinity two. I remember like at the mall in Florida walking by EB Games and they had the Sentinel. And I'm not kidding you, the Sentinel is like in a box as big as like Rob's laptop. Oh, geez. It was, okay. it was a, like a hunk of plastic. Man. Okay. It's still out there. Like, I, I've, yeah, I've been yeah. to toy shows and I've seen it before. And it's not even that expensive. It's just one of those. Because again, the Matrix is, is one of those weird franchises that, like, it's kind of like it needs like tr like repairing. Gotcha. Like Matrix okay. collectibles aren't really because a no one's ever gotten the license really to do like modern incarnations of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and plus, it's really we're we're still in the point where the culture where everybody thinks two thirds of the franchise is a disaster. Yes, absolutely. And that's the problem. Like, yeah, that's kind of the weird thing. That's that the marketing department for Resurrections maybe in the last in the next three months they'll have done that. Yeah, <laughs> the weird he's direct like tense there a couple times. Is the idea that they never they still Warner Brothers has nothing to rehabilitate those sequels. Exactly. And I exactly. think that's going to work against them when this fourth film comes out. Yeah, I could definitely Because see people that. still, you still have, it's weirdly, like, as much as we laugh about Blank Check, but when they did the Wachowskis, David goes into a huge thing just kind of explaining that, like, 
You're stupid for not liking these. Okay. Don't get mad at them because you can't understand what they're telling you. That's a yeah, great point. And I'm sure I talked about that with Reloaded because I think Reloaded is grossly misunderstood yes. with what it's going for. And even what things are in the movie, you know? Like, um, I'm sure we spent at least 40 minutes on the orgasm cake scene. Because when are we going to cancel? I, hope, I hope two weeks ago that we canceled them. Because that is misogynistic. <laughs> to give a woman sex cake. Sex cake. So, Hashtag I, sex cake. I'm finding more on the back of this box that I find thrilling. Um, <laughs> it says, one, it, all these, it says, you know, check out all the figures, all of the figures from The Matrix, and then in, parent, in quotations, The Film. So it's from well, the Matrix, came, the Well, film. think about it. Like, when this came out, like, the idea of doing action figures off an R-rated film was kind of a dead... Like, they didn't do that as much. Okay, This is okay. 10 years after, like, RoboCop, Yeah, that's some weird, like, 80s and 90s yeah. stuff. Probably, the, probably yeah. the last, like, major R-rated film that got action figures was probably, like, Starship Troopers. Okay, Anything yeah, after yeah. that was kind of like like we were doing yesterday, well, yesterday, uh, five months ago, <laughs> yeah. with Candyman, when Rob was laughing at me for looking up toys of Candyman, yep. where, like, it was more like an amalgamation collection of previous, yes. like, adult, like, movies that would get toys. Yeah, yeah. This was well before we live in a world That's now where just everything that has even, like, just to say, this, this is for this reference. Mm -hmm. In the same box downstairs that I found a tank, there's also a Valerian Katron figure. Katron. Okay. I still have not seen Valerian. Yes. I Val saw the opening sequence and it angered me so much yeah. when they played David Bowie. Yes. <laughs> and for those off. of you who know both Jupiter Ascending and Valerian, the City of a Thousand Worlds, <laughs> the only difference is one is Channing Tatum and the other one is like Dane DeHaan. Dane DeHaan, yes. And, and yes. instead of Mila Kunis, it's Cara Delevingne. Oh, okay. 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 You know what's really, just real quick, not to get into toy stuff, but like talking about stuff, for Valerian, they only released three figures, Katron, Dane DeHaan, and Cara Delevingne, okay. and the Cara Delevingne figure is like insane to find. Ooh, interesting. I'm not sure there's a bunch of nerds that just want a figure of her because she's like like 15 years old and she's super attractive, sure. but like, like that was, like, I remember when this came out, like you could not find, I got this for, I think this was like a, a Toys R Us going out of business okay. sale fine for like $7. Sure, sure. But I remember even when these originally came out, because this is on the, sat on the shelves for a while, and the same thing goes for Tank. That's the reason yeah. why Tank was still available like two years later because nobody wants a Tank. <laughs> R.I.P. Tank. Tank. Tank is the one that doesn't come back in the sequel, He survives right? the film but does not come back. Because isn't it, what is he, Tommy Chong's son, son or something like that? I forget. We, we did this, okay, I might cut this out because we did this three weeks ago. But, but yeah, to be on the toy tangent for a little bit longer, I love that it says on the back of this box... With a picture from the first Matrix film, you know, of Neo and Agent Smith flying towards each other, it says, look for Neo versus Smith 2-pack. Pack yeah, spelled P-A-K, <laughs> which I like. They're trying to be edgy, Rob, as a 2000s. And, and, and there's clearly room for the C as well. They could have fit it. It's not like they, they were losing space. But then it says, look for Assortment 3. And in Assortment 3, we are apparently going to get Martial Arts, Neo, and Morpheus. One of my favorite scenes from the original Matrix. I love the, I know Kung Fu. Show me. That's a great moment. Real world Neo and Trinity. So you're going to get, you know, Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss and Rags, I bet. Dozer and e Epoch? Epoch? Uh, Epoch. Um, those guys. And then this is the one that really stood out to me. Mouse with the lady in red. <laughs> I like that they make the, the lady in red as a figure. And I also like they pair it with Mouse. Because if I remember correctly, there's a scene in the first Matrix where Mouse is like, yeah, you like the lady in red? I made her. You want to fuck her? You want to fuck her in the Matrix? You know, it's very skeezy. And I like that they're making an action figure about that. So. It should be known that based on, again, this is not comprehensive, but there's a toy history website I go to. Mm -hmm. The same company. It's N2 it's N N2 N2 Toys. Toys. Yes. Yep. They made Agent Smith. 
Cypher, Ooh. Morpheus, Neo with the trench coat, mm -hmm. Switch, Ooh, everybody's, okay. everybody's yeah. favorite character from the Matrix. Not Switch. like this, yes. <laughs> Trinity, Mr. Anderson, where he has his mouth, uh, like, oh god, closed Okay, over. yeah, that's on the back of this one in Series 2. Okay, we're in Series 2 now. Yes. And then you have Neo, I'm sorry, you have, okay, <laughs> this is really funny. They have the tank action figure, they have it listed as Neo. <laughs> so you are not alone. I wasn't wrong. Even yeah. the adults think that this is Neo. It kind of does look like Keanu Reeves. I mean, yeah, I he's got that like drugged out face. You see yeah. that? You know? <laughs> to, to the kid, who would you know? Neo versus Agent Smith, the Sentinel, mm -hmm. and then Trinity like in the famous like in air pose. Oh, okay, okay. I told you, man, that Sentinel, that is just, that is a great figure. Sentinels that's are cool. That's just I'm a sure freaking, you, you know, this, is, this kind of made me angry last night when I looked at, after everybody okay. left last night, I looked at Matrix 4 stuff, and I, we'll promise, we'll get back to Jupiter Ascending, I want yes. to talk about the Spice Melange. <laughs> yes. And Eddie Redmayne giving me a performance of a lifetime. Oscar, <laughs> Oscar winner, Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> yes. This is his Norbit. Like, he was, like I said, mm. this is his Norbit. Yes. Like, it genuinely is. Oh, Yeah. Um, oh yeah, we'll get we'll get to that. We will get back to okay. But, so Zach was angry at a toy last night. Okay. Not, no, no, not no. a toy. Not no, a toy. and okay. it's still for the Matrix Resurrection. Okay. okay, which I haven't there's, seen any there's, of yet. Well, there's only a couple. I I, mean, I don't want anything about this movie. I want to go into it as blind as possible. That's a good. Like, part of me doesn't even want to look at the trailers, except for the fact the internet will ruin it for me. Yeah, sure. Um, there's a Sentinel. And I'm like, no. I'm like, we've done this. Like, they, like the war with the yeah. machines is over. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, the set. We, we've saw. That's the whole point of the film is that the war is over for the time yes. being. Yes, yes. That, that like until, the last scene with the architect and the oracle, yes. where it's like you figured out how to beat it. You know, like it's you like broke it's, the cycle. It's like, well, how long is this peace going to last? As long as it can. Mm -hmm. Which is which is the answer to any conflict in life. How long is it going to last? As long as it can. Yes, exactly. And that's where those movies are so brilliant. Yeah. And then, like, this is where I hope Lana is clever enough to realize you gotta play into this. Mm -hmm. You gotta play into the, like, especially for people that made Speed Racer yeah. and Clad Atlas. Oh, yeah. That you bring that element is, like, nothing. Like, again, I, oh, God, I have a feeling that, like, if they nail this, it's gonna be the last Jedi syndrome again. Ooh. Where stupid people can't recognize how clever it is. Okay, okay. I, it's the I, idea yeah. of killing Snoke halfway through and the idiots on the internet being mad because, well, what's his backstory? They're too stupid <laughs> to figure out his backstory. Like it's like, that no, matters. that's the point. Yes. Snoke did not matter because he's just a literal car carbon copy of what you've seen before. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I hope this film is clever enough to delve into that, that like, yes. oh, this film yes. like, revolutionized Hollywood and we're being forced to go back to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope I, I hope that. we get that, but at the same time, though, I really hope that they're clever enough to mask it in a way. Sugarcoat the red pill. Yeah. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, yeah. That's yeah. That's a good point. Okay. I, I think I'm with you. I want to go in as blind as possible. But the internet will ruin it. Of course. The internet it, will. It's ruin inevitable. It. Yeah. It's inevitable that someone's gonna you know be on the hate train for this. They're on the hate train now. I'm sure there's some people mm -hmm. out there that are on it. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't even been looking, trying to see anything about it, that type of thing. Even when we did Candyman, what was it? You were like, Yahya Abdul-Mateen, isn't he going to be young Morpheus? And I was like, uh, <laughs> maybe? So, so yeah. So, anything else about the Wachowskis in general, 200th episode? Do we need to cover anything else at the beginning before we get into Jupiter Ascending? Which, of course, will get us to more of the... Uh, the Wachowskis. But any other toys we need to discuss? Oh my god. This, 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 I didn't see the original Sentinel from the Matrix line. This okay. one was from the Reloaded uh, Merchandise launch. This thing is like a beast. Wow. It's like a giant just box of plastic. Yeah, that's as big you as those um, dinosaur things we were yeah. seeing in Target. Well, this was dense, but this is also dense plastic. It's not like hollow plastic. This is like yeah. you could like beat a small child to death with this. <laughs> 
Like it's literally just a hunk of plastic. Or, or maybe in terms of the cinema audience understand, if you had this hanging above your bed and it fell on you, you, you would, would die. You would, you would die in your sleep, type of thing. Maybe you wake up and you you know you you get the the few moments of feeling the blood rushing from your skull, but then you're done for. <laughs> Interesting that the original The Matrix one only goes for about like thirty dollars. Yet the Matrix Reloaded one goes for like two hundred dollars. Oh wow! Okay. I'm almost certain that like it's pretty much it's maybe slightly bigger, but it's the okay. same thing at the end. Of the yes. Day. We're going to take the Patreon money and spend it on a... Uh, don't tell Ben. We already did this. We did this now. And we're just going to tell, tell Ben last week that we spent it on $200 Sentinel figure. Yes, yes. We, we, need, we need Patreon money. So everybody go and support the podcast because we need a giant paperclip. We need a giant Sentinel action figure. And I'll use the remaining like 20 bucks or 15 bucks to get my Coraline action figure. And Ben will have nothing from this. <laughs> I don't think Ben wants any action figures. No, he, we'll he's going to get toy. the... We'll get him a Spider-Man toy from Spider-Man No Way Home. We'll, we'll go find like, one, like, one of like, the really small ones for like $7 and we'll get that to him. Oh my god, I didn't even realize that this is... Not only is this 110 days away, this is multiple series away. Monstober <laughs> technically hasn't even begun yet. Yeah! Oh jeez, okay, this is crazy. Rob's just like the turn... Like, imagine the, the Tenet turnstile sequence, but imagine... <laughs> There's a point where the where John David Washington is watching Kenneth Branagh with Elizabeth Debicki. And then imagine you have another version of Kenneth Branagh show up, confusing that Kenneth Branagh, which is even more further yes. perplexing John David Washington. Yes. We hope everybody can follow us. Maybe, actually, this might be perfect for the Wachowskis and for Jupiter's ending. Maybe people need to listen to this episode of ours multiple times to really understand oh, what God. we're talking about and where it lies in the timeline. <laughs> so... I guess the place I want to start with Jupiter's Jupiter ascending. Sorry, we have I got to get Jupiter because that's a great way to say it. The flop aspect, oh God. the money aspect. From what I found, this costs somewhere between 175 and 200 million dollars, and that's as always as we say, just production budget. If this movie had marketing, you know, maybe as early as 2012, whether it just be a Comic Con appearance yeah. or something like that, that's that's a lot of money they dumped into this. And it makes about 180 million at the box office. Worldwide. Worldwide, 180 million. So this movie probably lost an insane amount of money. It's almost a certainty that it's lost an insane amount of money. So I didn't look up anything like uh, we did uh, for, you know, back in Monstober or something. Do you know, like, the um, the drop off for this? Because the word of mouth, from what I remember, was not good, right? This was was like a toxic word of mouth movie. Like, it was like non existent. Even me not seeing this, I was hearing the uh, the Eddie Redmayne stuff and how his performance is so bad and wild and out there and stuff like that. Channing Tatum's a dog person. Nobody told me that they were elephant and owl people. And nobody, also, nobody told me that Gugu Mbatha Raw plays a deer person. Apparently the woman with the oh, giant man. ears was supposed to be a deer, which I didn't get until looking at the cast, and she's Gugu Mbatha Raw's credited as a deer still the gra- Still the greatest name ever for Oh, absolutely. Gugu Mbatha Raw. I mean, I don't know why it took so long for people to start figuring this out. Maybe we needed, like, a uh, hundred years of movies and cinema to get this to start happening. But, you know, who's called James Dean anymore? Who's who's John Wayne? Give us your Gugu Mabatha Raws. Give us your Yaya Abdul-Mateens. Like, like, these crazy names are what we need. I guess, you know, we the transition period between, you know, old school actors like Rock Hudson and, you oh, know, geez. and now we have maybe Willem Dafoe where he's just like, I don't want to be William, I want to be Willem. <laughs> but I'm glad we're at this this place where we now have these crazy names. Um, even, you know, um, uh, Sparky, uh, uh, his, his real name is Kick Gurry. Kick Gurry. That's a crazy name. <laughs> We've all been there, right? We've all been there. Yes. So I, whenever I break into the acting scene, I can't wait to get to choose what my SAG name is going to be. All right. So what happened was this film opened 
opened with okay, it's not gonna tell him. Okay, eighteen million dollars. Okay, not 18, was that weekend or like yeah, opening day? I was opening weekend. Oh shit! And so then the this, very next, it came in third place. Okay, okay, came in third place in behind February. Geez. Yes, it came in third place behind number one was SpongeBob, a sponge out of water. And you're, you're gonna love this, Rob. American Sniper, which was in its seventh weekend oh, of release. Oh God! Oh God! You, American Sniper might be literally the worst film ever made. I still have not seen it because I have no desire to see no. it. And in its second weekend, it dropped fifty percent. Um, okay, I still I, I know we've probably said this many times, but I always bring it up whenever American Sniper comes up. I remember reading a Facebook post from you. I think it was Facebook where you wrote. Like, this is my review of American Sniper. I liked it better when it was called The Hurt Locker. <laughs> it's still one of my favorite reviews of a movie ever. <laughs> oh, God, American Sniper is such a mess. It's America's feel-good war film. Is that the fake baby yes, movie? Yes. Okay. That's like the worst part of the movie. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that's embarrassing. Like, that movie... A, it goes to show that Clint Eastwood doesn't care. And that's not even the worst part of the movie. The worst part of the movie is, like, I knew the story of Chris Kyle going in before that was okay, the movie. Okay, okay. And, like, the movie ends. Because you know that's coming. It's a fait accompli. Yes. And, like, it's his wife. After everything he's gone through, she's like, he's like, I'm taking my buddy here to the shooting range because he has PTSD. And his <laughs> wife looks at him. The guy's, like, literally sitting there. Like, he's doing, like, a Beavis from Beavis and Butt. He's like, fire, fire, fire. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, my God. Are you kidding me right now? And she's like, I, because obviously, like, she has, like, a southern drawl. Yeah. She's like, I don't know, Chris. Chris, this don't seem like a good idea. We have a litter of children with another on the way. And he's like, honey, it's my right. This is an American to fire a gun. And then, like, next thing you know, we get like, the text over the screen where, like, Chris Kyle was murdered by trying to do the... I'm just like, oh, my God. This is, this is what I, I hate I didn't realize I've been missing all the times that we record on Skype with our cameras off. When Zach, when Zach does voices, he does a great dead face with them as well. I hate him. Sniper. Okay. I remember. I, I, it's funny. That guy, I don't know if that book sold the yard sale. I bought the novel. I just I hate that so much. Okay, gotcha. It's gotcha. like it's like the yeah, most. I never saw it. It's it's, it's such a boring movie. Someone once told me that maybe I know it's a fake baby. I've heard that, but I feel like someone told me once there's a scene where like Bradley Cooper almost drops it and they kept it in the movie, probably or something like that. Because okay. the story yeah. behind it is like that was a big thing that like back in the day film Twitter really got like hot and bothered over was the fake baby. Okay. Um, it was like oh like the story was like oh they had like a real baby didn't work. They had like another scene. They had another fake baby. Didn't work, or a real baby, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, working. He's like, just get a fake one. Please, <laughs> once you're sitting there, like, like, I don't know, like gnawing on, like, I don't know, like a, like a door or something, like, just get another one. <laughs> like, okay, we went through the first, the first two live babies yeah, we have left. Yeah. They're like, I don't know, go to Dollar Tree and get one. The last Clint Eastwood movie I saw was with my Ranch dad Rino? in theaters, was The Mule. Did you? Yeah, because my dad wanted to see it. Well, of course. So we, I was like, yeah, sure. And there's a great scene in the... The meal wasn't terrible. It wasn't great, but it wasn't, like, the worst thing I've ever seen. Bradley Cooper's in that as well. But there's a wonderful part where, like, somebody... Like, Clint Eastwood's granddaughter or something, like, says something about her phone and the internet, and Clint Eastwood grumble. He's like, internet. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> Yeah, um, but Jupiter. Okay, yeah, 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 we got it. Yeah. <laughs> Box office. This was a flop. That was the point of all this. Yes, yes. it was a flop like, in a way that, like, I, I don't know where it ranks in Wachowski stuff. I, I, I would assume it was worse than than Speed Racer. I don't know how it compares. To Cl- yeah, I didn't Cloud look Atlas. into any of that. And Cloud Atlas, I think, lost a lot. But, but also on the release of this, something I didn't know until I did my research was that apparently. I found some corroboration for this from a few outlets, and the the most uh, telling article was from Variety. This movie premiered, in air quotes, 
at what they called a secret screening at the Sundance Film Festival. Yes. Oh, God. I remember yeah. this. I remember. Okay, this, this is wild. This was back when film Twitter. This is before Trump. This is before Twitter. Twitter was always, Twitter's always been a cesspool. Mm-hmm. But before Trump, tw- Twitter was at least entertaining. Okay. It wasn't nauseating. <laughs> and I remember when this happened, film Twitter got so angry. Okay. Because they're like, how dare you try to suck the air out of the room with this? Yes. Yeah. And they got, and that's why I think the critics were especially, especially more the film bloggers. I don't know what like Peter Travers would say, like, you know, like the ones that are like bought and paid for. Um, I remember like the film bloggers were very, very angry about because okay. they were all there and there was like words going around, I think that morning, like on Twitter, like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Like, like really? Jupiter Ascending's going to premiere here after, like, being delayed, like, eight months? Mm-hmm. And then it happened, and they were so... On top of the fact that it wasn't a particularly a movie made for these sort of people, yeah. they went into it hostile. Okay, And okay. it just made them mad. And I think, I guess, remember, that's what you have to realize. It's, it's weird now, like, like it's... Again, film bloggers are always going to film blog, but, like, YouTube now is kind of, like, really perverted a, a mess. Yes, um, yes. But I, it's funny you mentioned, I completely forgot about that until this moment. But the film bloggers were angry about okay. this. They were okay. very, it was like, how dare you? Sure. Sundance sure. is for small films that can't get a platform. And you in Warner Brothers, I think they didn't blame the Wachowskis. They blamed Warner Brothers. Yes, yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I'm glad you knew that about it because I didn't find that. That's more your sphere. But I thought this was wild to read about a secret screening. And, of course, it I wasn't announced. Because I think, I, think, yeah. I think PR knew if they announced this, it would get an even worse thing. Yes. So it was the idea of, like, if they kept it underground and let it kind of trickle out, mm-hmm. it wouldn't do as much. Again, the hostility wouldn't be that exactly. uh, on the surface, but it did. Yes. Like, it was there. Yes. And, and so when I read this, I was like, I'm intrigued. What is a secret screening, you know? Apparently, it was invitation only, yeah. and they tried as hard as they could to make sure no critics got an invitation. And from what I read, allegedly, many seats were empty, and many people walked out of the theater during the screening. Well, that was the thing. It was the idea, again, you think about your Sundance crowd, this, you don't do that. Yeah, yeah, But But they wanted to create hype for it. It was a gamble. It didn't pay off, but Mm -hmm. it was a gamble. Yes. That, that's at least audacious. Um, again, this, go, this is like that's like the Batman v Superman of marketing. They yeah. rolled the dice and yeah. it did not. They tried, but it didn't work. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Just real, just real quick, the show okay. like just kind of, not to bring us back to the collector's market, but because there's very <laughs> few collectibles in regards to Jupiter sending. Unfortunately, no toy, toy line. No rocket boots toys. No, oh. no dragon man wearing a leather jacket. Uh, that, uh, that would be cool. I wish they made toy lines where the rocket boots were interchangeable between the action figures. Because as we'll get into, everybody in the universe should have yeah, rocket, rocket boots. boots. It's like Channing Tatum has the only pair or something. They're collectibles. They're available. <laughs> it's like the Marty McFly, like real, like when Nike made the real, like self, like tying, like like shoes yes in 2015 they yes. made like 15 of them and like i think it's a combination between like like a basketball player a rapper and elon musk bought them all yep yep absolutely. but this is the thing though to get engaged i'll show you how like dismal oh god that there's not even a cult fan base in this mm-hmm. movie the it's jupiter, just us now it seems and pretty much <laughs> jupiter sending an original poster from that movie okay. double-sided the real mccoy i'm showing you all right now this is what it's going for Buy it now, Ooh. not even an auction. You could get an authentic Jupiter Ascending poster. 27 by 40, yeah. And, and Rob, please tell the it audience what's, what's the going rate for a... 449 plus 665 shipping. <laughs> <laughs> so for a crisp, crisp $10 bill, you could owe a piece of Wachowski's history forever. Jeez, I'm tempted. That is, that is called nobody cares. Exactly. Nobody exactly. cares. Pretty much they're giving oh. away a poster. And that's such a bummer after seeing it, you know? 
Yeah, that that's that's to be fair, it's also extremely uninspired marketing. Yeah. This yeah. is like it's literally like you know marketing is bland when like the movie poster is the DVD cover. Mhm. Mhm. And just like you said, you know, earlier I thought it was just some YA nonsense like it was going to be romance based and stuff like that, which it definitely was not overall. So I figured we we were just going to keep on this train. Let's get all the negative stuff out of the way first because because I have so much positive stuff Eddie to say about Redmayne. this movie. So I want Eddie to hold off Red- on it. Eddie no. Redmayne might be our transition. Eddie Redmayne in this movie, like, like, I don't know what his shtick is as an actor. Do we know anything what he's like in his personal life? Because, like, it no, feels I- like in every movie he's doing something specifically unsettling. Yes. Like, yes. whether, because I've only, again, I've only ever seen him really in this. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Harry Potter. Fantastic Grindelwalds and Where to Find Them. Yes. yes. In, in, in what, his shtick in, in that as Autism. Sal- autism. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say Newt Salamander is autistic. That's his, his shtick in that movie. And I hate him in that movie. I've only seen some of where he's, who does, you know, Cumberbatch is Alan Turing. He's Stephen Hawking mm-hmm. in whatever movie that is that I can't remember the name of. I've seen some of that and I didn't like him in it. I really don't like Eddie Redmayne. I've seen the movie where he's in he's in the wheelchair or whatever and he's like, you know... Uh, there's another one, a smaller one from earlier on where he's also in a wheelchair and I, I saw that. I don't remember what it's called though and that one's not too good. Um, I've never really... Girl where he's, he's, he plays like... I've seen some of that. Eddie Redmayne I've never really liked. So I, 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 I kind of want to hold off on Eddie Redmayne because i got things to say. Rob, but he's for the, he plays the voice of some somebody named Ryan and Thomas and friends. So he gets some points in your book. Um, wait, not I guess really. We'd have to hear, have to hear who, how he does. I don't the voice know. I, I, like Rob knows, like animated Thomas, not like Miles that's, Thomas. That's is a true. crime. Yes. Did you see yes. another version of Thomas? I did not see. And it's this. even more. You egregious. need to. T- you are my only outlet for Thomas information. It's, <laughs> somehow they took animated like CG Thomas and they made it worse. It's like imagine if somebody sat. It's like the equivalent of having like the Holocaust, like. Oh God! The concentration camps. Yes. Things, someone starts urinating on them. It's like it's <laughs> oh like oh God! <laughs> yes. It's just not like somehow we're making this even more egregious. So I found a quote that I, I thought you'd enjoy, Zach. Uh, it's from a, a British film. For the critic. way, I'm not oh. equating like the tragedy of the Holocaust with Thomas the Tank Engine. That sounded horrible. I'm not equating the two. I'm just trying to give an analogy of somehow yes. we're just making this like infinitely worse. Is like like art. Like, we're, we're degrading art. Yes. I, and I'm not comparing to one is infinitely worse than the other. Qualifier. I'll see if I cut that out. Or not. <laughs> and Thomas is the one that's worse. Yes. What? <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. I so, so from I believe British film critic Mark Kermode. I I didn't read his whole review, but I read some expert excerpts because he was particularly scathing. And he wrote in his review that this movie contains quote ridiculous dialogue that George Lucas would have thrown in the bin. What do you think about that? I think after seeing this movie, I don't completely agree with that. There's some weird dialogue in this movie, but I don't think it's it really is all Mila Kunis' dialogue that I think is, is the, the stuff that should be thrown There's out. There's a lot of nonsense in this. It's, but so much of it is that jargon that I'm, I'm accepting yeah, because they're trying but, to just the immerse pro- us But here. the problem is, like, it goes back to the, like, the famous like, Mark Hamill thing. Where, like, they actually have the audition tapes. I think it's like, in the four-hour like, Empire Dreams documentary. Mm-hmm. Where he's, like, he's, like, I, he's being interviewed like, in 2003. He's like... I can still remember at the audition giving this line. Rob will insert the clip. I'll say it to him. Okay. He knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. And he's like, oh, their, their defense can't be that much. Blah, blah, blah. He goes on this entire shtick. And then, like, like, they show the footage and it cuts back to Mark Hamill. And he's, he's like, I'm sitting there in 1976. And I'm just like, who the hell talks like this? <laughs> sure. and, there's, and there's the infamous quote, too, by uh, what's his name? Harrison Ford. Where he's like, George. You can type this stuff, but you can't see people to talk this shit. You can't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think 
there's a level of just like you have to have the actor sell it. Yep, absolutely. Is the dialogue maybe inherently bad? Maybe not. It's mm -hmm. the fact that like Sean Bean does not have. Like, but again, he's the, he did Lord of the Rings. And he's able to sell it. Sure. So once again, I think it's the Wachowski's not being able to convey. Like, I think that's what, they're probably closer on the spectrum to Lucas, and like they have the vision. Yep. They just have a very hard time translating to people who don't have it. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And you have to be blessed with actors that get it or don't. Hundred percent. And I think that's why, like, you, again, you have to give a lot of credit to Keanu. Oh yeah. Carrie Ann. Oh yeah. And Lawrence Fishburne. Morpheus has a lot to say in that first movie, absolutely. Which is fascinating, considering that he's not in this movie. Yes, yes. Fa you know the character might be in this. It's the not Lawrence it's Fishburne, yeah. That's that's a, a travesty. As as far as we know now, I think it's a travesty. We'll see how it maybe, maybe he dodges a bullet. Like, this is when Keanu Reeves yeah. is kind of Teflon. Yes. Keanu Reeves has been so much garbage. Exactly. On top the, of being a The internet legend. loves him and will always love him type of but thing. But they didn't love him, though, for a while. For a while, there, Keanu Reeves was doing... Remember, like, right after The Matrix, he did, what, was it a Scanner Darkly, where it was, like, the weird yes. like, anime movie? Yes, like, with Robert Downey Jr. Everyone's yeah. like, the fuck is this shit? <laughs> yeah. They're like, like, that's when Keanu goes through these periods where like he's loved, and then like everybody wants nothing to do with him. Mm -hmm. Remember first, he did the weird Eli Roth movie where like, he like has sex with the two like girls, and like, they threaten to like oh. expose him for rape. Knock, yeah. knock. Which is, which yeah. is on the spreadsheet. I've had them on the spreadsheet yes. since the get-go. Yes. And I rewatched it recently. That is an insane movie. <laughs> okay. It's uh, Anna de Armas. Ooh, I didn't know it's that. It's like early Anna de Armas okay. before she became like this weird like celebrity like yeah. ingenue. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, if anyone can hear, we are getting the wonderful serenade of Zach's neighbor mowing their lawn. <laughs> That's what we get when we record in person. Uh, I'll see if I can we noise filter this part. <laughs> in the in, next door in the lawn, so we just scream <laughs> over the lawnmower. We should be recording while you are mowing your lawn. I'm just great. following you while you're mowing your lawn. So, so yeah, the, the George Lucas dialogue thing, I kind of get where that's coming from, but I don't fully agree with it. We'll get into that more when I talk about what I like about this movie. But, of course, as always, whenever it comes up, we have to mention the good old Razzies, because this movie was nominated at the Razzies for Worst Picture, Worst Actor for Channing Tatum, Worst Actress for Mila Kunis, Worst Supporting Actor for Eddie Redmayne, Worst director and worst screenplay, both for the Wachowskis. It only wins, if you call it that, one of those categories, and it is Eddie Redmayne for worst oh, supporting thank God, actor. Thank God. That, that's at least quasi deserved. Okay. So here's the, here's normally, the thing. Would, you know me. I would normally blame the directors. Sure. But in this case, no. Eddie Redmayne has a shtick and he rides it hard. You're, you're not the wrong there. And also, from what I've read in interviews, Eddie Redmayne has admitted that he gave a bad performance. I don't know whether oh, that's yeah. him just trying to fall into the, the fire he's to he's, he's ride falling, it or something. He's falling on a sword. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but now, after seeing this movie, here's my hot take. I kind of loved Eddie Redmayne in this role. I loved how fucking bonkers it was. I loved how goofy... I, I don't know, it kind of fit with the movie. And I think because the movie doesn't say it explicitly, but I am totally of, of the camp. I don't know if there is a camp. I might be the only camper in the tent. That the implication is that Channing Tatum ripped out Eddie Redmayne's throat at some point. That's what made Channing Tatum lose his wings, and that's why uh, Eddie Redmayne talks like that. So I think it's set up, I think it's established, whether it be, you know, a quasi-established, but man, I was totally engrossed by Eddie Redmayne every single time he was on screen. So Zach, are you saying that you're in the opposite, that you actually think, oh, I... It might not be a good performance, but it's a performance I love. That might be the best way to say it, I think. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to get, like, hate mail or something from this. No, it's... A, no, 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 no. I would not trade that performance for the world. I'm with you. I'm with um, you. No, again, it goes back... Again, this is the thing that's weird about Rob. Rob has these <laughs> moments of clarity. Where I'm like, Rob, 
<laughs> Literally, take out Eddie Redmayne mm-hmm. and replace it with men, women, and children. Uh, see, but Eddie Redmayne is not doing anything offensive. Yes, he to is. Me spe- no, not at all. Not at all. This is my job in life. Go. It's, it's, it's great. It's, it's the hushed whisper until it's not. It's the- <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a really great. But way like to I put said, it. this is where I don't know if it's brilliance or not. Like the mm-hmm. Wachowski's like you and I. There's gonna be like, like probably like cackling, just being like, "Oh, this is great." Yeah. It's a schlock. Like, that's what this is. You know what this is? This is $200 million schlock. Absolutely. And it's delightful. Yes. It's delightful. But we know Eddie Redmayne does a goofy voice in every movie. Like I said, I love The Crimes of Johnny Depp. I love that movie. Yet he is so boring in that movie. He does does that. And that's clearly... He is asking to do that because nobody in the, else in the movie is doing a very specific. What would you even call that? Just like a, oh god, like like effects? Like, yeah, maybe yeah, effects. That's, that's yeah. the best thing, I guess, in the moment. I guess the, the closest thing, from what I remember, the first Fantastic Beast is um, Dan Fogler as the hu- as the Muggle, I guess, where oh, he's yeah. doing the the weird laugh, like the awkward. <laughs> Yeah, the yeah. awkwardness of being in this wizarding world. Yeah. That's the closest thing we have yes. to, to and that's what Eddie one, And that's one doing. moment. And that's one moment. <laughs> yeah. And Eddie Redmayne's just acting like a goofball. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, again, we all know J.K. Rowling is equally insane. Yes, of course. And the internet weirdly has gone from loving her to like, like, like God, definition of like, um, what's that Rick and Morty thing where they sit there like light? Oh, God, they put they put people on the balloons and they cut the balloons and they fly oh, off. Oh, yeah, yeah. They sent them off as like tributes to like the giant heads in the sky. Yes, yes. That's what Twitter has done to J.K. Rowling. Absolutely. Um, but that's, I could see, this goes back to, again, Wachowski's J.K. Rowling. I think Eddie Redmayne is a very probably quirky actor. I have no idea what he's like in real life. Sure, But sure. quirky like acting personality. And he probably just has these ideas as they go with it. Yeah, I could see that. I could see Cause that. Because that's the thing. Nobody else in any of these movies, everybody else is for the most part, like in Jupiter Ascending, Channing Tatum is confused. Sean Bean's confused. Gugu Mabatha Ross, semi-confused. Mila Kunis doesn't know where she is. Not at Somebody all. kidnapped her for like a year and she made a movie. Yes. That's talking about missing. That is real missing time. She's disappeared. <laughs> like, like she, like she had to go use the bathroom one day. She wakes up like a year and a half later and she's like, why am I being interviewed about a planet? Is in that? She's like, why are we talking about a planet? I'm like, oh, oh. Oh, that'd be, that'd be hilarious if she, she doesn't remember making this movie and someone's interviewing about it be like, you know, what? so what was it like working on Jupiter Ascending, doing all those green screen stunts? And she's like, do you mean Mercury Rising? I was not in that movie. <laughs> well, I still like the idea, that, like, what was it? Like, I saw it in IMDb, which we all know is the bastion of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And, like, Channing Tatum was asked, like, during a Reddit AMA, like, what was the point of all this? And he's like, great question. Yes, yes, yes. So I have to say, I... I love the Eddie Redmayne stuff. I love a lot of the, the, the not dinosaur, the dragon man with the leather jackets. I love that the, stuff. One of the best part is, like, this is the thing about the Wachowskis, where I think this is where nobody, I think, once again, they are, like, much of how we talked about, like, the Jordan Peele thing. Yes. They're at a point where they also reach, like, Lucas level of just, like, I do what I want. And no, when the Matrix, When the Matrix came out, they had to refine their ideas. What was it? Joel Silver was like, the one that believed in them. In yeah, days, yeah. And he refined them. Being like, he pushed back and like, no, this is not going to work. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. have to think about it, think about it. I want to be yours, but you have to make something digestible for people. Yes. And he made them refine again. Pressure makes diamonds. Mm-hmm. The problem is that by the time you get to the Matrix Revolutions, and especially like your Speed Racer, all this, they were beyond reproach. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that's what this is. This is the ultimate definition of beyond reproach. Yeah. Like this is Lucas just doing like whatever he wanted. Mm-hmm. Or at least Lucas had the like, oh God, 
the business acumen to be like, I know yeah. as long as I do the right things, the merchandise will sell. That's all that matters. Sure. This is a this is a commercial. This is a two hour commercial that will produce a, a profit. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, it has to make eight year olds want to buy toys. That's all I have to do. This had to make a profit in of itself. Yes. It had nothing else. Again, there were no Jupiter sending bed sheets, unfortunately. I'm just noticing because I'm looking at it the first time. On the back of the Blu-ray, it says. Includes seven earth-shattering extras. <laughs> I like editorializing your extras on the back of the Blu-ray. It doesn't even say what the seven are. It was two of them. <laughs> I was—I thought I was going to get to read what the seven earth-shattering extras were. <laughs> but it just gives titles of two of them, it seems. Well, um, we, apparently Alonzo Duralde, which I kind of remember his name back in film Twitter days. Okay. Exciting and ex enthralling. I would, I would agree with that. I would say exciting and enthralling. I probably wouldn't I would put say that near exciting. the top of the list of I wouldn't things. say that exciting. Enthralling, yes. Exciting, though. Maybe... I was never excited watching this. Enthralling is good. I was good confused with enthralling. Definitely. Confused with like enthralling. A, like, a, like a morbid curiosity, yes. I think. Which I love in movies. I mean, oh, everybody wow. knows how much I love Southland Tales, which is morbid like, curiosity. Like, really, like, <laughs> Rob had a profound statement to open this episode with. This truly is what Cinematis... I, I know Rob and I have very unique ideas as to what Cinematis the yes. podcast is. In this day, it's kind of a war of attrition between us as to who's winning. But, like, this is... This, there's a reason why Batman v Superman. You had a major film studio yep. bet everything on this. Oh, yeah. And it backfired. Yeah. You have Universal Pictures has the Mortal Engines. Let's just give somebody who has no experience $200 million and sees what happens. Mm -hmm. And this is the opposite side of that. Let's get people who have more experience than maybe anybody in... God, filmmaking... $200 million and see After yes. they've had numerous bombs, exactly. see what happens. Yes. Let's roll the dice again. Really, they've had nothing but bombs since the major. Think, okay, okay, think of all the movies they've directed. We're not counting V for Vendetta. Sure, yep. You have, what was that, Bound? Bound is their, their first yes. 1996. Matrix is? Yep. Speed Racer. Yep. Clad Atlas. Yep. Jupiter Ascending. Exactly. So out of those... What, two out of five were genuine successes? Yeah, so what, the original Matrix? Are we and talking reload. financially? And Reloaded, because that had... Was Bound successful? I don't know about I didn't, I actually didn't look that up. Um, after watching Bound, it was one of the things where I'm like, I can't believe nobody talks about this money. movie I think it made money. It made money. Uh, it, it, it was in the black. It was also, wouldn't have cost much. But I think um, it, between rentals and just grosses, the box yeah. of, I think it, was in the, it got into the black very easily. Yes. So Wikipedia says the budget was $6 million, uh, says box office was $7 million, But you're absolutely right. Once rentals. the rentals and once the Matrix hits and people are waiting four years for the next Matrixes, they're going to go, let's see what else the Wachowskis yeah, did. The height of absolutely. Blockbuster, things like that. Yeah. Like I said, it's weird. Again, we hold them in such high regard. Even say what you want about Lucas. Like everybody now, crap. Well, Lucas is in a weird spot where now people yeah. kind of realize the genius that was there. It's like, yep. it's like, which is worse, a madman making movies we don't understand, or a multinational, multi-billion-dollar corporation making yes. films that we don't understand? Yes. People realize, okay, maybe we shouldn't have crapped on a human being for something we didn't like. Exactly. Exactly. You cannot like the art, but you can't hate the artist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's and, and we're in a weird spot. We're like, but again, the Wachowskis, and weirdly enough, have not fallen into that trap. Yeah. They are still held in extremely high regard. Yeah, yeah. Even though they've made film, like, but think about those. Have they ever made films that their their core audience, which is very, I can you can fill a phone booth with it. Yep. <laughs> have ever rejected? Like none of their films by. Oh God! The critics have ever been out and out rejected. Even Jupiter Ascending was, uh, even though people did not like it, it was appreciated for just the audacity. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's that's the base reason I love it. And then digging into it more is just I, I'm in, once again enthralled. It's it's wildly fascinating. Well, this is, speaking of bad things, I just know, okay. this one we're gonna kind of transition. If you had, okay, I, we talked about this earlier on IMDb. 
which again, Bastion, of it's course. the true barometer of yes. popularity for <laughs> cinema. As we know from the top 100, the most, impo- the most popular films of all time are The Shawshank Redemption, mm-hmm. The Godfather Part Two, and The Dark Knight. Sure, Those, sure. That's the peak of cinematic You can't perfection. argue that, yeah. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think somewhere Fight Club's up there. Oh, um, God, yes, of course. This has a 5.3 oh. out of 10. Better than I expected on an, for an IMDb uh, ranking. Okay, this is what I'm going to ask yeah, you about. Yeah, let's see. I, I'm going to go through a list of comparable movies to okay. Jupiter Ascending. Okay. And I want you to tell me if you think it's higher than 5.3 or less than Okay, 5. okay, I like this. Yeah, I think you already know this one. Valeria in the City of a Thousand Planets. High, higher or lower oh, than 5.3? I'm going to guess it's a little higher. 6.5. Okay, okay. Cloud- That's Luke Besson, right? Yeah, Trying Luke Besson. to do Fifth Element again. Yes, okay, yes. Exactly. And you have Rihanna in the dance number. Oh, that's right. I think I've seen that clip. Well, I've not seen that movie. I forgot about that. <laughs> Cloud Atlas. That's got to be higher. 7.4. Ooh, good. Good for Cloud Atlas. Ender's Game. That's got to be higher. 6.6. Okay, okay. Oh, that's even higher than Valerian. Mm-hmm. Okay, that has the, the not novel by much. stuff. Not, not by much, though. Yeah, yeah. John Carter. Disney's John Carter. Mm, this is the one that I'm going to guess is lower. Nope, 6.6. Oh, Jesus, Really? Zach's getting a phone call. <laughs> Do you still have a house phone? It's just cheaper to keep it. Between the cable and the, okay, and the, okay. the phone line. Oh, it only rang once, too. Okay. I have on the DR block thing, so it just automatically. Gotcha. Okay. Plus, I keep that. Like a, yeah. that has, that's good. That's good. I'm always afraid with my mother that something, like, there might be like a password I have to unlock. But I have sure. Like, I have like, Gotcha. I, at this point, it, it would probably cost, I'd probably pay the same amount just for internet service. Yes. So it, it, Just yeah. like this movie, Jupiter Sending, this episode has everything. <laughs> Landlines, lawnmowers. I think it's fascinating. Rob Toys. Might keep, Rob might keep this as a blooper or something. Fascinating. Yes, yes. All right. John Carter, 6.6. Okay, okay. I am number four. Do you remember that? From ten years ago. Vaguely. That's, Glowing that's flashlight hand. Not Chronicle, right? I no, remember thinking those no. were the same movie for a little bit. I'm going to guess higher as well. 6.1. Okay, okay. Green Lantern. Ooh. Ryan Reynolds is Green Lantern. Ooh. Hated film. Yes. Once again, almost destroyed a film franchise. Holy, holy disliked, and even when you know what is it, Deadpool, he goes back and shoots himself, himself for making yeah. for ma- like when he's reading the script. I want to guess. Hated across the board. Hated. Nobody holds that film in high regard. I, I hate to guess it, but I'm, I'm think it's going to be higher. Yes, five point five. Okay, so by, by much, two, but yeah. Still okay, okay. And that's not a good movie. <laughs> Scarlett Johansson's Ghost in the Shell. A movie that nobody liked. Nobody liked, yeah. The whitewashing movie. Um, that's got to be higher. 6.3. Yeah, that has fans that I imagine would rate that positively. Wow. That, that, that literally makes sense. Like, I get every single one of these except for that one. Okay. And after... Okay, we'll just keep going because this is fun. <laughs> Snow White and the Huntsman. Kristen Stewart and Charlize Theron. Oh, God, that exists? <laughs> um, that's got to be higher. 6.1. Okay. Pacific Rim Uprising, the sequel to a Glancy. film that was on that was on that was on shaky ground to begin with. That features none of the original. I'm gonna talent. guess that's another little higher one. Five point six. Okay, okay. Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters with that's Jeremy Renner and Gemma Arterton. <laughs> ah, that that ooh, little higher. Six point one. Whoa, whoa, a lot higher than I expected. I thought that was gonna be a high fives, not a, not a low six. The that Dark Tower high. with Idris Elba and Matthew. Oh, McConaughey. a movie that has literally been forgotten. Definitely. And I think very disliked. I'm still since it's got the Stephen King and the and the the, the franchise fan base. That's got to be higher. Five point six. Okay. Shocking. okay. I would say at least, this is better than at least outside of. I'd say Clad Atlas. This film is better than every single. One I would agree. It's objectively would agree. it's yeah. nonsense, but it's objectively <laughs> better nonsense. 
Like there's no there's no universe where you would put this down and Dark Tower and this would lose. Jeez. Between every single one of these, there's no universe where yeah, this is not the more entertaining film. To me. Like there's nobody on earth that wouldn't want to watch this over I am number four. Yep, I would agree. I would agree. So like what's lower than this on IMDb? Nothing. Like 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 Nothing. things that you know nobody Nothing. knows? Nothing. <laughs> this is the lowest. In com- incomparable movies, this is it. Like what, Sound of Thunder maybe is lower? <laughs> Comparable, to, like, like, can you think about, like, okay, let's see, what's Mortal Engines? Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a good question. Mortal Engines in the City of Bones. People probably love that. 6.1. Jesus, that's way too high for Mortal that Engines. Is. This is a better film than Mortal 100%. Engines. 100%. 200% better than Mortal Engines. Can we both say our favorite name of all time? <laughs> what you do? I want to have an I want to have a yelling contest between Eddie Redmayne's was, character that's and Stephen Lang's dad. <laughs> I really want Eddie Redmayne as Lord Belfon or whatever the hell he is in this movie to say Hester Shaw, you know? I would love How to would see that. How do you say that? that? Would it be Hester, Hester Shaw? Yes. Yeah, we need like a showdown between Stephen Lang's um, Shrike? Is he Shrike in Mortal Engines? And Eddie Redmayne's... Every, uh, I want you to know, every single one of these comparable movies, even looking at Mortal Engines, is, does, has a better IMDb Balum at Abrasics is what Eddie Redmayne's character name is. <laughs> We're done. We're done. <laughs> Speaking of that, while, while I have it up, it's a, I thought they were saying Abraxas in the movie till the end when I started to hear Abrasics from other characters, and that's what it's credited as. Does it matter? In Mandy, doesn't he? Doesn't Linus Roach ask for the horn of Abraxas to summon the Cenobites? Yeah, but we've gone through this. Yeah, okay. That's a Jesse Ventura, yes, like, that's right. shock movie from like the nineties. That's right. And then, like since since we've recorded that, there's the Joe Bob Briggs like commentary that I listened okay, to. Okay. Okay. And Cosmo. Ma- Oh god, what's his name? Panini Cosmonaut. Yes, Panini Cosmonaut <laughs> has said that, that he literally got like high for like a month and just watched horror movies. Nice, nice. <laughs> Panos Cosmatos. Yes, yes. A good old one of our favorite names. Panini Cosmonaut, absolutely. Um, yeah, so so All right, are we gonna transition into like good stuff now? We got it, we should do good. Well, I guess the, to lukewarm stuff? Maybe lukewarm is good too strong of a word. Good for might this be movie. too. I think I wanna say I my biggest problem with this movie. And this is gonna. This is a very personal. Is that it ends thing. eventually? Oh uh, well, that is a, that is a problem. That there's not two more of them. We couldn't do the trilogy today. Zach, Can you, you imagine know? what the sequel notes were for this? Oh, it would. I want to. I want to know what. I want to know what the sister. I want to know what. Kalik Abrasics is doing. You know, Titus. Who Titus Mary doing? Maybe he married Gugu Mbatha-Ra. But my my biggest problem with this movie is Mila Kunis and Channing Tatum. Oh yeah, I. But you know what? You why this film got greenlit? They, they were the Warner, stars of the day, yeah. Lana and Andy went to Warner Brothers with this, gave them a 600... They gave them basically the Jordorowski's Doom, like, like thing you could genuinely kill a the horse text, with. You, yes. can, you can kill an elephant with that book. <laughs> and they gave it to him, they, and the executive was just like, fuck no. <laughs> and they said, we got... Apparently, they got... Chained. One of them said, we want Salvador Dali for a million dollars. Like, but he's dead. We'll make it work. <laughs> yes. Um... You know who obviously was originally cast for Mila Kunis. It had to be Natalie Portman. Mm-hmm. Just, which I would have loved so much more. I, I know LaShawn and I got into this when we did Black Swan way back in the day. I love Black Swan. My biggest problem with Black Swan is Mila Kunis. Even though she's good in that movie, I just kind of... I don't know if I ever talked to Zach about it. I really just dislike Mila Kunis. And I think it's from so the history... Show. The 70s show. Yeah, the she, history of the her being... She's the exactly, She has too much luggage. The dits, her being the punching bag as Meg and Family Guy. I hate characters that just get... Does she put, even do that anymore? Yeah, oh yeah. She's still... Really? I think I think it's still I her. I think it was... 
I paid a voice actor. I, 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 I think it. I, I never looked it up because I don't watch Family Guy anymore. But. Can't. What's his name? Uh, oh God, Tom Kenny just do a Meg at this point. Oh sure, I mean, Tom Kenny would be able to do a Meg. Absolutely. Um, Tom Kenny could do you know any voice actor, uh, any voice performance. Have you ever seen a video where like someone did like it's like a thing like this was years ago? They entered, they went through Tom Kenny's filmography and they're like. We're just gonna go through everything. Can you tell us about these? And they knew they that was the gag. Okay. And like every like I th- I'd say maybe two out of ten. He's like, oh yeah. Everything else, he's like, I have no memory of this. <laughs> he's just like he's like I know this is embarrassing. Like like I love everything I do, but just I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. Just, I'm sorry. That's a tangent, but yes, yes I always love it. I gotta check that out. It reminds me of when they interviewed Carrie Elwes when like Saw Seven was coming out, and they gave him like trivia. They were like, "We're gonna explain something. Which Saw movie did it come from?" And he got like every single one wrong. And at the end of the interview, he's just laughing and he's like, "Yeah, I don't care about these movies." <laughs> but I get why they're cast. Of course, Mila Kunis. She tried to be like a bigger movie star. You know, I I think what in the was it Apatow forgetting Sarah Marshall? She tries to play both comedy and serious. She's trying well, to branch out Apatow, into that. But she's fine in that though. Like she does yeah, her job. I, I hate that movie so really? much. Oh, I, I, I hate when that. When that movie. came out, I adored that movie. I, I literally have not watched it probably in fifth. God, that was two thousand eight. I probably not watched it since like two thousand nine. Okay, okay. But like it was like I, I guess it, I think it's decent enough. Mm-hmm. It's a thing that like it was back when Apatow still seemed kind of small. Sure. It wasn't when like Seth Rogen became the greatest thing on the f- like Apatow was went from being like a comedy guy to like, oh, he's now an arbiter of the culture. Yes. Yes. And that's the problem. No, I mean, I- <gasps> Hot off the presses Mila Kunis's birthday. August 14th. <laughs> she is one day before Ben Affleck's birthday. That is awesome. I, I did not know that. Okay, good. I just wanted to look at her filmography. But yeah, I think like that's when she starts to... Like, like forgetting Sarah Marshall, I'm thinking, is when she starts to try and get a little more serious. Uh, serious, And then Black Swan is really when I think she's... That was like, stunt casting, though, too. Yeah, that's Because that's, that's true. Aronofsky just being high on himself. Just being well, like, I, 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 I... He does a... Again, like, nobody... Like, we're going to... Like, a peek behind the curtain of Hollywood. Aronofsky, before he, like, goes, like, writing a movie, he does, like, a line of coke. Yes. And he's just like... Yes. He's like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> like, to this day, like, like my eyes... Man, man, I know, God, Rock, can you please tell our audience what movie did I tell you at one point I wanted to do for our 200th anniversary? You told me. I completely forgot about this. Remember when I pitched Jupiter Ascending as our 200th film? You're like, oh, Zach, God. you told me we want you wanted to do... Was Return, it Return to Oz, Oz. Okay, which yeah. I have no memory of ever saying. <laughs> I that. think that was like a year and a half from, so, from, ma- from the moment you're talking about, so probably two years yes. from now. <laughs> so I want to make another prediction for our 300th episode, Okay, which we don't know when will be. Sometime yeah. in 2023, I would yes, guess. Tentatively. <laughs> It had have to be mother exclamation mark. Uh, we have to get to that eventually. But that is another one of those just like Hollywood has its head up its ass. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that in theaters. Oh, with that's my right. mother. That's right. <laughs> I tried to convince her to see the new it and she's like, no. Okay. And then like she sat through this, I'm just cackling the entire time. <laughs> you know, I knew what I was getting involved with. Yeah. That was probably the closest I've ever had prior to this podcast. Well, because that was during the podcast. Mm-hmm. But prior to like what we just did during last month's over, having somebody in your clutches and deliberately blindsiding them. Sure, absolutely. It's magnificent to blind. Like, there's a difference between clutches and then broadsiding somebody. hundred percent. There's very one is much more enjoyable. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh man, I would love to do Aronofsky as a director. Oh, no, 
series. I love We still are, at the time of this recording, we still don't have a release date for uh, The Whale with Brendan Fraser, his next movie. That's a thing? That is 100% a thing. Brendan Fraser is going to play, like, the whale? a 600-pound man because he's eaten himself into, like, a coma. Oh, not a coma, but, like, just staying at home, eating himself. Because earlier in life, he chose to leave his family for his gay lover. But then his gay lover dies, and he has total remorse about what happened, like, all the events. And he just eats himself up to 600 this, pounds. This is an Aronofsky thing. This is, I you know, know it. I'm going to eat it up, man. You know, this, <laughs> this is another you do a bump of coke. Yes, Before. Yes. That's what he did, Rob. He put it on his knuckles and went, mm-hmm. And whatever studio exactly he talked to, he pitched that, too. <laughs> He brought a line for the studio exec as well, you know? I mean, I, oh I am so into Requiem for a Dream, you know sounds The like, Fountain. You know what that sounds oh, like, though? Yeah. You know what that premise sounds like? That sounds like, like that's like on the same level of Kevin Smith's Tusk. It's on that same Yeah, level. I think that's probably why I like it you so know, much, because I really like Tusk. Where, this is what makes me so <laughs> mad about like Hollywood and critics. If Kevin Smith were to announce that, they'd be like, fuck him. Yeah, yeah, you're Aaron right. Aronofsky does it. Everyone's just like... They go, let's... let's. They do the bump of coke. Yep. The movie, the movie is the bump of coke. Yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah, so Mila Kunis, I just don't care for. And in this role of, of Jupiter, I, I don't like it. Would well, Natalie also, Portman have been better? That's no, my question. No, Natalie Portman... Natalie who, Portman is somebody who's somehow duped the culture and thinks she's a good I, I agree. I, I agree as well. Um, she's she's good in Black Swan, another Aronofsky film, you know, which is a, one of, a great Aronofsky film, a great movie. I really do like Black Swan. But I was trying to think, who else would have played... Oh, is that Zach you know, interjection? I, I forgot about this. Okay. God, I forgot about this. This, this, is, this is another cinematic. <laughs> okay. I forgot she was in Oz of the Great and Powerful. Oh. Like the $250 million Sam Raimi yeah. James Franco movie. She's and the she's, Wicked Wish of the West. Look at that. That's insane. I forgot that is about insane. that. I don't think I would like her in that role at all. No, she... she you know what the sad thing is? She tries. I think whether this it, might be why I dislike whether, her. Whether it, whether it lands... She at least tries. There's something you can't say for most actors. But I think that she's trying almost so hard in these serious roles I've seen her in that it comes across as too hard. As not, she doesn't know what movie she's in. She's trying to take it like you know, as she's going for an Oscar every I, time. Anyways, I don't blame her. She's an actress. If they cast her, it's not on them. If she's wrong for the part, I can't blame her. Yeah, she's trying to get work. She's trying to build her Absolutely. career. If they hire her, it's this goes back again. That's why I said it goes back to the director most of the time. Yep. Even on the DVD cover, I'm looking at her face. She looks like a Madame Tussauds clay sculpture. That's not... Okay, this is... That's touched up and stuff, I'm yes. sure, you know, but... No, no, this is the fault of the marketing department. Mm-hmm. This is not her fault. Sure, but still, I'm just saying that I don't think I like Mila Kunis at all. Like, casting all direct- encompassing. Casting directors should not cast her, then. I, I would agree. I would not cast she her She is an ingenue. She... Well, lowercase letters and all that. Yeah. But, like, I can't blame her for trying to advance her career. Yeah, I'm totally with you there. I'm totally with you there. But you know, if when we make our when we get our Cinemodities production company up and running, I think Mila Kunis is going to be a persona non grata, you know, in any of our movies. But so I wanted to to pick your brain on who do you think would have been better? And I have I think I had a I had a weird thought. I don't know why I thought this Zach. Nothing. I've never seen this actress in anything recently. I've only seen her in a few things, a handful of things throughout time. But I. I think the age is wrong, so you know you don't have to. We don't have to harp on that, but I think. And Hathaway. I even weirder. Oh. For some reason, while I was watching Jupiter Ascending, like I said, the age is wrong. I know she has to be younger for the whole royalty thing and genetic recurrence. I was kind of thinking that I would love to see Catherine Heigl in this role. That's a strange that's, that's, thought, right? That's, that's box office poison, though. I know, but that I I, I kind of guess her. She's definitely box office poison after all those rom coms with Gerard Butler that you know might as well have killed the rom com or something like that, like The Ugly Truth or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but I, for some reason, Catherine Heigl popped into my head. It's weird, right? <laughs> I don't know if it'd be better or worse. I'd kind of want to see it, though. I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think of somebody in the same orbit as, like, Natalie Portman. That, yeah. Age that, range, I mean. Exactly. Because the age is a big thing. Because Catherine Heigl's definitely older than Mila Kunis. Yes. Yes. By um, a few years. Um, but I don't know. I don't know why she popped in my head. Hester I, Shaw. I, Hester Shaw. Whoever played Hester Shaw. <laughs> whose name is, I don't is, remember. Is The Mortal Engines the greatest film the Wachowskis didn't direct? It, it, it might be the greatest film the Wachowskis never directed, but if the Wachowskis directed it, it would be their worst film. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Was there anybody you you thought of uh, in all the times you've had this, <clears throat> had this movie in know. the back of your head? I feel like, like Mila Kunis in this, because like, my favorite line of dialogue from this movie is the... But I love dogs. I've always loved dogs. <laughs> yes. Which I knew it's even without seeing so, this movie. It's so clunky. The fact that I have an uncanny ability to fall for men that don't fall for me. It's like my internal compass needle points straight at Mr. Wrong. Maybe it's my genes. Maybe I have defective engineering too. And if that's the case, is there any way to You are royalty now. I'm a splice. You don't understand what that means, but I have more in common with a dog than I have with you. I love dogs. I've always loved dogs. I should go, Your Majesty. Right. Oh, absolutely. It is a clunky line. A hundred percent. And that's where, like, she doesn't do it any favors, but she said it was on the page. And that's what her job is. Yeah, yeah. And I, the directors can't get that line, a good line out of her for that, or good to take. That's on them, not on her. I 100% I don't agree. blame her. Yes, yes. Mila Kunis, like I said, she's like, at best, a comedy actress. At best. Yeah, that's where she found And to put your $200 million dollar, like, sci-fi fantasy film on her shoulders, that's on you, not on her. Yeah, yeah. I think my favorite line in the movie is... Um, when she spouts off uh, legal laws to Titus and then ends with, I also know that if you keep me here against my will, I am legally entitled to file a tax grievance against you. And when we were, Zach and I were watching this movie, that whole interaction ends and it does like, it like cuts to another scene and I go, she can file a tax <laughs> grievance? And Zach's response immediately was, that's what you took from that scene? <laughs> Welcome, your majesty. I am Titus Abrasix, third primary of the House of Abrasix, and it is my profound honor to meet you. You are aware that by detaining me without consent, you are in direct violation of Statute 27B-6. Your Highness is a quick study of the Entitled Code, I see. I also know that I can file a tax grievance against you unless you take me directly where I want to go. I'd be delighted to take you wherever you'd like. I'd like to go home. Very well. But yeah, I was like, what would a tax grievance do? I'm like, what is a tax yeah, but grievance? Again, this goes back to the George Lucas thing of like, how does the prequel trilogy begin? You have pent up demand for 15 years for Star Wars. Yes. It begins with a trade blockade. Yes. And the Jedi Knights are being sent to, to, to find a dispute to the trade. <laughs> There's space taxes. I love it. I love how goofy that is. Can we is. please talk about the moment in this where the movie literally just like in a, in a matter of seconds becomes Brazil. I, oh yeah, we have to get to that. I just googled Jupiter ascending tax grievance. First result, 
Nassau County property tax reduction. <laughs> <laughs> it takes till the second result for a Tumblr page to talk about. Somebody on Tumblr wrote, oh, it's, it's actually called fuckyeahjupiterascending.tumblr.com, and it says, I also bet Titus filed a massive tax grievance against Balaam in kind. <laughs> Somebody else says, we should have this person on the episode. <laughs> okay, yes. Now, what I want to say to start this, Zach, is when the bureaucracy, bureaucracy scene starts happening and they have intergalactic advocate Bob to guide them through the system... Sure. Who disappears. Who disappears, which I was upset that disappears. I, I dug that scene. I love the bureaucracy montage until Terry Gilliam showed up because it grinds the montage to a halt and you're right, it is way too on the nose for the Brazil homage, which I think we said before, Zach and I are both not fans of Brazil. Which I, I really fact, wish I loved Terry, Brazil Fun more. fact, Terry Gilliam has never directed a good film. Uh, I Objectively haven't seen good. Terry Gilliam's films. That's fine. You don't have to. Um, <laughs> Brazil is not good. It's called a movie that... Ner- you know what Brazil is? Brazil is the equivalent of Blade Runner. People have convinced uh, themselves through thinking... Just because they, cause it's been held in such high regard. Yes. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Always absolutely. remember, Terry Gilliam is the guy the rest of the Monty Python people want nothing to do with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm with you, Zach. That I, I, well, I guess I don't know if I'm with, I'm with you on the Terry Gilliam thing. Do you like the bureaucracy montage? The Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. Yes. What about it? Is that, that the, was Doctor That was the Doctor Heath Ledger movie. Yeah, that, that was when after he died, they've had him change bodies like Doctor Who. Do you Who like Fearing Loathing in Las Vegas? You have to love that. Movie. Oh, uh, not as to. much as I did when I watched it while I was tripping in in college. Like when I watch it with a clear head, it's not as good. Um, but it's it's decent. I love Tobey Maguire's part at the beginning in the car when Johnny Depp is freaking him out. Um, I've never seen The Man Who Killed Don Quixote, but I have a copy of it. Um, Cause you tried making that movie like twelve times. Sure, yeah. That's, that's yeah. the definition of you throw enough shit against the wall, it'll eventually stick. <laughs> that's an exercise in like persistence. Absolutely. Else. Yeah, yeah. And that was the thing. When I eventually came, everyone was just like, "Oh, like that wasn't even funny." They made a documentary. Yep. Yep. Um, other than that, I don't know what else, is there anything notable or I would have seen Brothers Grimm. I never saw that. Twelve Monkeys. Oh, I saw, I saw Twelve Monkeys. I did not like Twelve I did not, Monkeys. I did not, yeah, that's very, another one where that's a very mentally frustrating movie. And that's another one that people um, oh, go hard did, for. Okay, I have to tell. Well, it's yeah. What is it? Did he do Life of Brian? No, no. It's Meaning of Life. Did the Meaning of Life. Yes, yes. That's kind of like amazing. I can like. Well, that's the. I think that's the Monty Python stuff. That's every, that's his bread and every, butter. Every, you know. Every sperm is sacred. <laughs> every every sperm kind of is sacred. <laughs> That's kind of brilliant. I like that Zach is whispering like Eddie Redmayne about Terry Gilliam. <laughs> I, I, I do not. I, I'm saying, Rob knows at one point in my life, I was, and that's why I'm to this day, I still can't figure out when we did sketch comedy for it. We did not talk about Monty Python. Look, I keep telling you, Monty Python's going to get its own series. I will not allow if that. If we had a three Monday series, it would be perfect to do the sketch comedy, maybe for two episodes and one of the movies. Or maybe no. we do a double we'll feature. Do, no. That's the way to one do it. Episode, one episode on Flying Circus, and that's it. Um, I do not like Holy Grail. I've never seen that. It's total. I think it's a, it's a very obnoxious okay. film. I don't love Holy Grail, but I, I appreciate it for Life what of it is. Uh, Life of Brian is unique in what it was because they tried doing something different. Yes. And how that movie got made is infinitely more interesting than the movie itself. Sure. The fact that like, they had to go to George Harrison and George Harrison basically wrote them a check, <laughs> yeah. which is hysterical. Because <laughs> uh, he's like, yeah, I'll give you guys some money. Like, he, and they're like, we'll pay you back. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> All right, if you want. Yep. Um, and the meaning of life is just kind of like going right back to their roots. It's kind of like, oh god. Yeah, the galaxy song. I like. I do like meaning of life, and but I, I flying circus is still my favorite of all the Monty Python stuff. Okay, going back to actresses. Yes. I think I found a couple of good. Actresses. Okay, okay. Let's let's. I looked see. at actresses born in the nineteen eighties. Okay, Anne Hathaway is here. Mm-hmm. Anne Hathaway I, would be interesting. Zach knows. Has my Anne Hathaway ever Anne done Hathaway, sci-fi? But, 
Has she done sci-fi? The closest thing would be Serenity, right? If you can call that sci-fi, you know, sure. spoilers for Serenity, if anybody wanted to see that movie. <laughs> okay, here's some other ones. Christina Ricci. Christina Ooh, Ricci would have had a lot of fun And she's it. in the uh, Wachowski stable after uh -huh. Speed Racer. That is a good call. Oh, but the only But the studio is, wouldn't have signed off on that. Yeah, and when was she going to rehab? Because she had battles with anorexia and stuff. I don't remember what Whatever. We're talking about this more. Hypothetically, yes. yeah, yeah. She so would have been is, good. This is the most objective choice, though. Okay. Michelle Williams. Michelle Williams could have uh, pulled this off. She wouldn't have done it, but she... Yeah. It's going to be considered below her. That's a good but point. But she could have pulled this yeah, off. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Okay, okay. But guess what, though? Michelle Williams does not bring people in. People, not at all. People... Mila Kunis brings an audience mm -hmm. in. Bad mm -hmm. moms. Bad moms, too. Yeah, the comedy stuff, though. Like right. we were saying, that's where people know her from, and that's where people see her. And I guess... I, I think LaShawn said this back when we did Black Swan. He's a big fan of Mila Kunis and her looks. I, I'm not the biggest fan of Mila Kunis and her looks. She looks like, like I think I'm confounding it though with um, how I think she plays dumb characters. That's how I knew her growing up. And I hate when characters just are one shtick. Like, I'm so dumb. Like, Meg is always the butt of the joke, that type of thing. And I, I just can't stand it. So, okay, Mila Kunis, I'm with you. As much as I dislike her personally, you're right. It's not her fault with a lot of the stuff that goes on. It's not her fault that she had to say she's going to file a tax grievance against somebody. Titus Abras... I was going to say Abrasax. Abrasax. But now, the other one. The other one. Channing Tatum. I really don't like Channing Tatum as well. As I think I've said on this podcast before, and I know I've said to Zach, it's the reason why the Hateful Eight gets docked points. It, why it falls down on the, link, the ranking of my Tarantino. I, like I hate when he comes out of the floor! That is one of the stupidest things, not only in a Tarantino movie, but in movies. I hate that Channing Tatum comes out of the floor in the third act of... I, I of like no! I like the is this Eight. your version of me liking Eddie Redmayne in this movie? No, <laughs> no, it's no, no. We have the rank... Oh, God. Ranking Tarantino. That's where I... It's like, Rob, the best Tarantino is in Glorious Bastards. Uh, I will shoot you <laughs> over that. You will legit die. That is, God. That, I cannot wait for a moment in the culture. Where we finally realize that Tarantino made his opus. It is 2009's Inglorious Bastards. He literally created the, probably the last memorable villain in cinema. Mm. He literally made yeah, Christoph Waltz. Yeah, yeah. And that Colonel Hans Landa is probably the last genuinely original villain you'll ever get. And he yeah. took it as the most like generic archetype of a villain, a Nazi commander. Yes. Or an SS, whatever his title sure, is. Sure, He's yes. a colonel, yeah, but, like, yeah. but like, it's this, that idea. Colonel Hans Landa. That is, that is, you're never, he's never going to make a better movie than that. Every, you have Brad Pitt against, weirdly against type in that. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Weirdly against and in form. <laughs> yep, yep. Eli Roth, you make Eli Roth tolerable. Yeah, yeah and the greatest feat in and of itself. Absolutely. And the greatest tragedy, the greatest enigmatic tragedy of all the, like, what ifs in Hollywood, to this day, I will mourn this moment in history. I want to go to the universe where this happened. We could have gotten. Adam Sandler is the bear. Yes, dude. yes. And do, we, do you know why he wasn't in that? It was funny timing people, was something. Funny okay, funny people. It was. I was thinking Judge of Judge Apatow because Jamie. He was supposed to be Jamie Foxx's character in Collateral, but something else went over. That's why Jamie Foxx. And that's that's what makes you mad. Adam Sandler is the bear Jew. Can you imagine Adam Sandler? Okay, there needs to be a deep fake of Adam Sandler <laughs> standing in a balcony, literally with a machine gun, just mowing down Nazis. Yep. Yep. Would that have prevented us from getting Uncut Gems, though? I don't care. It's worth it. Okay. I, okay. I love, good I, as good we answer. all know, you know the Uncut Gems discussion is one of those ones, if I could ever do a redux on, because I feel like I didn't give that my full attention at the time. 
I would want Bear Jew, Adam Sandler. Okay. That's that fair. is what Brad Pitt and Adam Sandler in a movie directed by Tarantino. That's the same level of DiCaprio and Brad Pitt in a movie. Yeah, yeah. It's that same level of just like, that, can that you, be be can you believe that orbit just crossing? <laughs> and it's just like, man, goddamn Judd Apatow for a crappy movie about, oh, feel bad for actors. Yep. Actors are very, it's like, like look at it again, it's that goddamn South Park thing of like, oh god, what was it? Where uh, Stan and them have like a band, the Moops, and like all the musicians yeah. come and they're complaining about like that. Like, was it Lars Ulrich? <laughs> and was it, uh, oh god, uh, Master P? Yeah, there's a and bunch And all of, that. Bunch of it's, like, they're like, it's like, that's it's like, feel bad for actors, comedians are people too. And it's like, I don't care. Mm -hmm, I want mm -hmm. Adam Sandler killing Nazis. I agree with you. We're gonna we're gonna get to Tarantino some movies at some point. That point, we ever like this, the thing about it is like what we've only talked. Have we ever done any Tarantino? No, just talking about it, right? I don't think we've covered any Tarantino. We've done Kubrick. We've done all this. We've done more Zack Snyder. We've movies. done more Snyder. We've done Eraserhead on this and Straight Story. So we've done no, more. Eraserhead's a weird one. That was sure. We'll have to sure. do that properly. We'll That's do it. that many times. I think you know. It's like our elves. It's we're gonna revisit it. We talk about elves more than Tarantino <laughs> movies. Whenever we get to Tarantino, I mean, Zach knows I love Inglorious Bastards. I actually forgot that I have it on DVD in my DVD shelf. I borrowed that. Forgot one. I to rip that. it back in high school. Yeah, yeah, but. Allegedly, I did not. Counterpoint, not to talk about it too much. Jackie Brown. I fucking love I you Jackie do. Brown but so it's not, But it's much. not, okay, that's fine. You can subjectively love something. I have no problem with that. Objectively speaking, Inglorious Bastards is the better film. I, that's where, that's it's where It's a tighter film. Right. Yeah. It yeah. does more. Think of goddamn what's his name. Uh, oh, God. I hate the fact that Marvel is painting him for me. I don't want to say the name. What's his name? Frederick Zoller. Oh. Not, I was going to say his Marvel name. Yes. Fred, I only know him as Frederick Zoller as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Diane Kruger gets choked to death by Christoph Waltz. Yeah, yeah. It's a great movie. Brad Pitt carves a swastika. I remember head. seeing Glorious Bastards in theaters with my mother, and after the whole opening farm scene, she turns to me and she was like, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, it's like, yes, that's the that. only that's reaction to have. You literally have the opening of a movie, which has been hyped as Brad, think about it. Everybody forgets the marketing for that movie. That movie was hyped as Brad Pitt killing Nazis. Yep. Hyped is that hype said first 20 minutes of that movie is literally people you've never seen before speaking a foreign language at a table and it's maybe the te most tense moment of the decade for cinema. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I remember in that theater. That is masterful. You're never going to get 100%. that again. Terrence Hill's that's why he, he, everyone's just like they're like, oh god, he's threatening to quit after he makes his tenth film. I'm like, good, please. <laughs> yeah. Every single have movie. a wonderful, wonderfully perfect That's career. That's why yeah. it's funny. Like, he did an interview just recently. We we'll promise we'll get back to Jupiter. Yes. <laughs> he did an interview with before the HBO Max ran out for me. He did an interview this summer for Bill Maher, and he's like, for my final film, I kind of want to redo Reservoir Dogs, Ooh. do a remake of my first film as my last film, and Bill Maher's like. Okay, I'm on board. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Tarantino was like, "Oh no, no, I, I'm not gonna do that. It was just my idea." Yeah, and I'm like, I'd be so on board with that. Him redoing, yeah. like, wouldn't that That's be a so fun? Cool. Wouldn't that be a fun experiment? Hundred percent, hundred percent. It would be so awesome, especially a remake. I don't. Tarantino would probably do some type of you know modern update of it type of thing. I would try. He's one of those people that like anytime he's involved with something. He's clever enough, and he can do. I mean, he didn't talk about the Harvey Weinstein like scandal. Somehow was able to skate around that. Yep, yeah. He's one person that the culture, that goddamn internet culture, was like, yeah, he's a horrible person, <laughs> but we'll leave him alone. He's yeah. worth it. He's yep. like, like, he's kind of like he's earned a shield. 
Yes, yes, absolutely. Like, no, like he he can look at Margot Robbie's feet as much as he wants. He's earned the right to do that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, but yeah. Well, I don't know what we where we'd cover Tarantino or why or if we do a series. It would be what we're going to get to it eventually. I think Zach's pulling out some Tarantino DVDs right now to show or Blu-rays possibly. I want to show to Rob off. while he's here. This is the fun of recording stuff. Look at the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood oh, Blu-ray. Am I going to see feet? No, am just look at this. Feet? Look at how ugly it is. It really is kind of. Ugly. It's I got it on clearance. It's got the uh, the font on it. Looks like the um, the Once Upon a Time in Soho neon lights that yeah. we saw in the trailer. 60s. 60s. The sixties, yeah, or that um, uh, bad times at the El Royale with Rob, cheese. Rob, did that clearly you picked up a pattern. It's called Hollywood, and they think of nineteen sixties. It's a font to them. Yes, nineteen sixties. Look at the back. Look at the back. Look at the back of the case. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, Brandy? DiCaprio, Pitt, and Robbie get the first get. Split thirds of the front of it. I guess split fourths because one fourth is the title. The back is the entirety, entirely devoted to Brad Pitt's dog in the movie. <laughs> the, the actual dog's name. Sayuri is Brandy. <laughs> I gotta rewatch this. I only saw it in theaters and it was That's great. Fine. It was great. Rob, can we please uh, because say our, Rob, what's what's our what's our uh, favorite quote of all time? Oh, oh, you're going in a different direction than I was. I was ready to. I'll, so I'll get to mine afterwards, but. If you want to smoke weed on a dark, abandoned road, next time, fix your fucking muffler. <laughs> it is that, one of my favorite moments in movie history. That's, like, like I said, even the lead up to that, where he's like making margaritas at midnight, he's like, not damn fucking heavy. Damn. Fucking private road. Damn property taxes up the butt. Goddamn. just got lost in a little turned around. Oh, horse shit. Fucking hippies came up here to smoke dope on a dark road, huh? Next time you want to try that, fix your fucking muffler. Look, we're really sorry we disturbed you. Look, Chief, you don't belong here. Now take this mechanical asshole and get it off my fucking street! Fucking hippies. <laughs> and he's out there with the margarita, with the blender, with the margarita in it, and he's drinking it while he's yelling at them. And the guy's like talking back to him, like, sir, I gotta apologize, we're kind of lost. Yep. No, yep. you didn't. You said. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. I thought you were gonna say another great reason I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's only one scene. Sydney Sweeney's one of the uh, Manson oh, girls. That's fine. Look, I, I gotta see I everything Sydney Sweeney's in. I gotta. It's. It's one of the movies I give, I have to say, in, in ranking Sydney Sweeney by how sad and naked she is, this is up top because she's just sad. She's not naked. Most things she's sad and naked. <laughs> and I don't know if any man is yelling at her in this movie. I don't think so. She, 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 I don't think she has any speaking part in this. <laughs> she's either, Sydney Sweeney has three modes. Sad, naked, man yelling at her. Sometimes those overlap. Many times it's they are. It's a Venn diagram. <laughs> yes, it's, it's one of the three things, the three pronged um, uh, 
uh, Sydney Sweeney Venn diagram or three circle. Sydney Sweeney needs to make a movie where she's happy. That's all I want from Sydney Sweeney's act. I really want, want her that? to be. I hope she's oh, happy yeah. in real life. I guess that's I what I should like say. I feel like Sydney's reached like a point in like popularity where we could probably realistically get Sydney Sweeney. <laughs> and we talk about having people on the podcast. I think we could tweet to Sydney Sweeney. It would be like a real thing that could po- that would be possibly be happen. Wonderful because I love Sydney Sweeney. We would laugh at one point. We uh, start laughing. Probably we would embarrass her in ourselves. If all I once. ever met Sydney Sweeney like at a convention or something, or oh, she was God. like I don't oh, know where God. she was signed, I would hug her. And just be like, who hurt you? It's okay, Sydney Sweeney. I'm not gonna yell at you. And she's gonna be like, should I take my clothes off? I'm like, no, Sydney Sweeney. No more of that. <laughs> Let me whisk you away from this, and you will never have to be naked again. <laughs> Love Sydney Sweeney. Okay, that was a great Tarantino tangent. Back to Channing Tatum, which caused the Tarantino tangent. Yes. What do you think of Channing Tatum, Zach? Have you have you liked him in anything you've seen of him? He's fine. He's I don't fine. think he's fine. I think he's boring. As an actor, he's fine. He's, he's, he, he, oh, God, he's a fantastic, like, has comedic timing. I think he has, that's the thing. I didn't love the, I've well, only seen comedic he's, okay, Spoiler alert, Uh-oh. but he's in Free Guy, uncredited, oh, so he's clearly, okay, he's clearly okay. a cameo. I did I'm not like I him that movie for in, you, I did not like him in 21 Jump Street, where I know a lot of people say, like, that's his comedic role type of thing, and I did not care for that. I've never seen Magic Mike or Magic Mike uh, Magic XXL. Magic pretty solid. That's what I've well, heard. I'd love to see it. But that's the thing, though. He started off as, like, a stripper in Tampa. Yes. Yes. And, like, I think he... I, it's like that old adage of, like, a comedic actor will have a much easier time transitioning into dramatic roles mm-hmm. than a dramatic actor being able to hit comedic timing. Sure. Everyone's ever said, like, if you asked... And we've kind of... Again, going back to Adam Sandler. Like, Sandler can transition into dramatic much easier than someone like Daniel Day-Lewis could transition into comedy. Yes. Yes. They have more range. They, they understand the art better than a dram- oh, exclusively yeah. dramatic actor. I guess I did see him in G.I. Joe, uh, The Rise of Cobra. Well, again, he started off as, like, eye candy in Step Up. Yes, yes. And then, like, he he does the second one. And then, like, 2009 is, like, his breakout year where he's Good Joe. And then he does, like, oh, God, what was it? Um, Oh, God, the guy who did The Notebook. Oh, are you talking about Dear John? That yes. movie? Yeah, I don't yeah, remember who, who sure. made that. No, not who made it, but, like, isn't that based oh, off Oh, Nicholas of, Sparks? Yeah, he, okay. does, he yeah, starts doing Nicholas yeah. Sparks, like, esque stuff. Yep, yep. He does that, and, like, he, he tried to become an action star, again, because he does, like, The Eagle and Haywire, which both, God, Haywire was a Soderbergh film that bombed. Mm. Had a great cast, but it just was not very good. Yeah, I never saw that. And then 2012 is the year where he explodes. He literally has three huge movies in the span of, like, three months. Yep, yep. He has The Vow, which is, like, a huge barn burner in, in like, The Winner. He has 21 Jump Street, which is a huge success in the spring, mm-hmm. and Magic Mike is a huge success in the summer. He yes. literally, like, and that's what everybody forgets, like, that just the year before, Ryan Gosling, my boyfriend, sat there, like, they did the exact same thing to Ryan Gosling. They gave him Drive, Crazy Stupid Love, yep. and, um, oh God, what's the last one? Uh, Ides of March with Clooney. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that one. And he fit every single one of those movies bombs. Yes. Yes. Drive can be argued that, like, with rentals and stuff, it probably just eked its way into mm-hmm, the black. Mm-hmm. Crazy Stupid Love was weird, probably did that too, but just, it was not a barn burner. Yep. And that's the thing. Then, like, in 2003, then by, like, that time, it's like, oh, God, they, they filmed already Good Joe Retaliation, and they blamed a lot of the first film on him. Yeah. And they brought him back with reshoots. Yes. Then, like, he's, and remember, he's in This Is the End, where he plays, like, Never Danny saw McBride. that, yeah. He plays Danny McBride's, like, sex slave in a cameo. <laughs> okay. Like, I think that's <laughs> Apparently, he's also, he has, like, a great personality. He's, like, he's a team player. Oh, that, okay. I, Good I, for he, him. Yeah. Like White House Down. I, I saw that. I didn't care for that movie as a whole, and I'm sure I, if I well, watched God, it again, uh, I'd be like, but, I'm bored but, by it. But him. it was underwhelming because, like, just earlier that year, they had the Gerard Butler Morgan Freeman movie come out. Some, 
something, Olympus has fallen yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And then like he transitions to get so then he has that very next year, 2014, he has Foxcatcher. That I saw as well, and I thought he was I thought he was boring in that. I thought that movie was pretty boring as a is whole. Is it boring or is he doing what he's told? Ah, and he's nailing it. Is he doing what he's told and is he sticking the landing when he's and that's what this is. He's doing what he's told and he's sticking the landing. He'll work it forever if he can do that. It no. might be that. It might be that he just he he's knows doing how to, what he's told. Exactly. And he's sticking the landing. Exactly. And that's what it is. You can't blame him for that. And in 2014, you have Magic Mike XXL, which is like a really kind of watered down version of that first film. Hateful Eight, Jupiter Ascending, mm -hmm. and he kind of goes into hiding after that. Like 2016, he just does the Coen Brothers Hail Caesar. Yeah, one of the Coens I haven't seen. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't want any parts of that. He's in um, Kings in the Golden oh, Circle. Oh, and wasn't very even minute he, part. yeah? Isn't there wasn't there something where like he. They started shooting, and then he had a schedule conflict. That's why he's in a coma yeah. for most of the movie yeah. or something like that. Okay. Yeah. And then pretty much after 2016, he kind of goes into hiding. Like, he kind of does bit parts. Like, he's in Kingsman. He's in Logan Lucky momentarily. Yep. He does like a lot. He has a couple voice acting things, small foot. Uh, as I mentioned movie. to Zach back in Monstober, he is the voice of George Washington in America, the motion picture, yes. a truly abhorrent film. Yes, yes, I see that here. <laughs> but no, um, but remember also, the big thing about Channing Tatum history that everybody has to kind of realize, that the reason why he's like, like career, his filmography gets kind of thin after 2015 was, Fox like dragged him around by the nose to be uh, Gambit. Yep, He exactly. wanted that He wanted that so bad, and pretty much kind of kept his schedule open because he wanted that ticket into the Marvel thing, mm -hmm. and that just, God, that just dissipated into thin air. Well, did it, did, I, I'm Kish. glad you bring that up. Taylor Kish. Is it going to be Gambit now? If they no, Gambit, he was or? in uh, uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine. Oh, that? that's right. So, I, I about Gambit, has Gambit fallen apart in, in the modern Marvel era? Because if you look back at canon comic Gambit, he's a douchebag, like, womanizer, misogynist type of thing, from what I know. Do you think that they don't want to touch that, or that they are waiting to find the way to reinv like reinvent that character? Because there's no way they're going to make... With how, with how bad Gambit is as, like, an anti-hero, from what I know in his thinking, X-Men but, stuff... But in the cartoon, the 90s cartoon, he was like oh, one of the main characters. That's, yeah, that's right. And, that's and he what, was just throwing cards, you know? And that's, yeah. what, and that's what he is. He's card-throwing man. Yeah, okay, okay, you're right. I would you're imagine right. somebody now, probably back at Fox, and probably definitely now at Disney, is probably looking at that, figuring out how they're going to smooth that over. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he'll be, like I said, he'll show up whenever the X-Men do. It won't be Channing Tatum. And it's kind of interesting. Like, I, I, I kind of, like, for the same reason why I hate the fact that I couldn't remember what's his name from uh, Frederick Zoller, who's actor, Daniel Bruhl. Oh, fact, yes. I, I almost said Baron Zemo at one point. And I'm like, damn it, <laughs> Frederick Zoller. He's, yep. he's still. I told, I told, he's the hero of the nation. Yeah. <laughs> I told. I told Rob. He's the best part of, of the Marvel thing because, like, yes, he's I a know. character who literally hates superheroes, <laughs> yeah. and all he wants is to kill them all. And I'm just like, we I would relate to him. Yeah. I know he's the best part of uh, Falcon and Silver Arm because, like, he's like, I'll help you because I don't want any more of you to exist. I want to wipe you out, all of you. And I'm like, great. <laughs> I want this character to be in everything. I think at the end of that series. He gets arrested by like the Dora Milaje. He gets arrested because like he, he still is responsible for uh, T'Chaka's okay. death. Um, but like I still want him to exist as a villain. His sole goal is just murder superheroes. Um, but this thing about Chang Tame though, isn't it fascinating that he's such a well liked like personality? Sure, he gets along with everybody. Yep. And yet he, still to this day, he hasn't been absorbed into like the Holly. Like yeah. he doesn't have his own franchise. Like Magic Mike was the mm -hmm. closest he ever got to it, and that petered out after the second one. Yep. But yep. he did, he had he had a couple of low key. He had Step Up, which he he graduated from. Yes. He wanted nothing to do with Gajo after a while. Mm -hmm. He had Jump Street, which after the second one fizzled out. Yeah, because they couldn't cross it over with Men in Black, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and guess what? He was also smart. I would imagine at some point they probably offered him the. Um, 
Chris Hemsworth role, and he probably walked away. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So he clearly, again, he also again he got say what you will about his role in Hateful Eight, but he did blip on Tarantino's radar. I think, but you don't make a call to Tarantino. Tarantino calls you. Yes, yes, absolutely. So clearly, yeah, yeah. So like he he clearly again he's a personality. Mm-hmm. He's well liked. He knows what to do when he's told, and he knows when to kind of step aside from a rack. Yeah. So yeah. like it's weird. He's very he's very interesting in that regard. Yeah. So he can ride kind of the the way to have a continued career, but he's everybody knows who he is. He's also yeah. ubiquitous, and and that that might be the best and thing for his and career. That's not the, break out as a leading and man. That, but guess what? He did have this, which yep. was probably his attempt at trying to have his own franchise. Exactly. And guess what? He probably again. There's two reasons why this is probably greenlit. A the Wachowski's name. The people again. Mate, there's a reason why this is in bold letters. Yep. Okay, you look at this thing, Rob. What can you read from here? The, the names, the title, and the matrix. Yep, exactly. This is all you need to know yes. about this movie. Yes. <laughs> Whoever designed this cover knew what they were doing. They understood it. I, I have to look it up while we're on the topic of Channing Tatum. He did not win Worst Support or Worst Actor. Who won that year? It's kind of surprising because also I want to mention someone else in the same year that did not win. Johnny Depp as Mordecai did not win. The winner is Jamie Dornan as Christian Grey in Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, I think that's just oh, because they have a hate boner, boner for Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I never, I've never seen that movie, so I don't know about that performance. That is, you know what the sad um, thing is that like I can literally give you like a dozen more movies that are more racy than that. Sure, exactly. It's not even a racy movie. It, it's the illusion of uh, provocative. And I haven't seen Johnny Depp in Mordecai. That but, is on the spreadsheet. Oh yes, of course. That's something I feel like we need to cover. But I, I, I always love telling the story that I was on a plane once. And the dude sitting next to me busted open his laptop and watched Mordecai. And I was like, I was tempted to say to him at a certain point, be like, your secret's safe with me. <laughs> it was one of, Mordecai is one of those things where I wanted to be like, are you sure you want to like see, let other people have see you, you ca- watching have Mordecai? Have you seen the cast list for Mordecai? Like, it's bonkers. It's, it's pretty stacked, right? Because what, Gwyneth Pal- Goop is in it, right? Uh, Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. Is, is Stanley Tucci or am I thinking somebody else plays his like it could assistant be, it could be or something a t- like a t- that? A t- all 2G. We gotta see Mordecai eventually. That's Ewan McGregor com- is who I was thinking yeah. of. Olivia Munn, Jeff Goldblum, Paul Bettany. God. Jesus. And this was... Um, 2015 or something? Uh, 2015. Um, and this was like um, like a Johnny Depp passion project. Like he loved the books. Apparently they're from French series of books or which, something. Which, is, which just makes sense for him. Right up his alley. Yeah, you know. He's, he probably orders all the originals to his island that he lives on for... A, quarter of the year and he okay. reads them when he goes and drinks his wine or something like that but yeah I, I just had to say that you know Channing Tatum does not win he loses to uh, Christian Grey Jamie Dornan that's fine Jamie um, Dornan you know what's so funny too about Jamie Dornan like talk about another actor that thought they were like hitched their star to this and just more or less disappeared I can't even picture him. <laughs> he's a guy and you know why they cast him because he's literally the most generic looking man out there yeah he's meant to, it's like the um, Bella Swan thing in Twilight you exactly. cast really the most generic looking actress in the world because you want girls to be able to project themselves onto him. Yes, yes. So, oh, okay, now, I, I don't even know why I had to look this up. I, now I was interested to see who did Mila Kunis lose to. Of course, it's Dakota Johnson yeah. as Anna from Fifty Shades of Grey. That is a, that is a, oh god, it's a combination of nobody, oh god, she can't act, and on top of that, no one probably directed her. Hey, uh, Catherine Heigl was nominated for something called Home Sweet Hell. Never heard of it, where she plays Mona Champagne. <laughs> well, that's it. I know what I'm watching tonight. <laughs> Oh, God, it's Katherine Heigl and Patrick Wilson. Well, Patrick, Patrick Wilson's in so much garbage. Yeah, though. he is. He really is in so much garbage. And it's weird that, once again, everybody likes Patrick Wilson, but he'll literally say any yes to anything. Yeah, exactly. Like, you kind of dangle the check in front of him. He's like, okay, I'm there. Yes, yes. Okay, so Channing Tatum, do we have an idea of who would have been better in this role? 
I think nobody, I think as a, he's, he does his best job. Exactly. I Unless think the you, separation between him and Mila Kunis for me is well. I think Mila, I don't like Mila Kunis, and I don't think she gives a good performance in this movie, which we've discussed may or may not be her fault, or you know, a lot of the blame is going to go more to the Wachowskis. I dislike Channing Tatum, but I don't really have that big of an issue with his performance in this movie. Oh, he's, he's doing exactly. He can he's do told. the action. He can do the green screen where I think Mila Kunis fails a little bit in some of the action scenes where she's doing goofy stuff. My favorite Mila Kunis moment in this movie is her running up a flight of stairs <laughs> at the end. When she's just randomly moving around because we need mo motion. Yes, but yeah, Channing Tatum, I don't have a problem with. He looks weird, but everybody looks weird. At least splices that they say, you know. Did you see the thing? That apparently, again, they put like a thing in his like in his oh, like, jaw, yeah, like, a really hard time. Yeah, would that yeah. really have made that much of a difference? Like, did anybody watch this movie? But you know what? <laughs> Didn't really like it, but that jaw sold me on it. Yes, yes. But so, but then I think the two of them in conjunction now. My least favorite part of Jupiter Ascending is the romance stuff. The scene, Wait, like one of my notes is when when they're doing the um, the the whole. I keep falling for men that, uh, that don't fall that for comes me out and nowhere. stuff. That comes, comes out of nowhere, yeah. And then even later on, when she's now royalty, I think in the second scene where she, he's, he's saying, like, oh, that you're, you said you're your compass me. is wrong, yeah. you're above me, or we should do this. I'm just, my note is literally, can we please skip all of this? I can't stand that stuff. In well, general, you, well, and in this movie. But when movie. you do that, though, it's the same thing as Pacific Rim. Remember that we had Charlie Hunnam in the Asian The woman? forced romance. Well, that, that wasn't even a romance, though. It's just like they, there's no romance there. Yeah. So, like, it's just like it, it's a layer there that, like, if there was no romance, we'd be like, why isn't the romance there? Like, clearly it's ready. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I, and this movie kind of needs it for the if, space if, opera if type anything, thing. If anything, they should have, like, considering that, like, she's considered even, like, in her family, she's kind of a loner. Mm -hmm. They should have made her out to be, like, a. They should have made him a quasi father figure. Oh, okay. For her to latch on to. Sure, something like a Christoph Waltz with Alita. Maybe, yeah. Maybe not, like not as hard as sure. that, but like, maybe who's more. An actor that like was probably, but might have been. Isn't he a kind of guy? Give her credit. She looks like she's in her early twenties and everything yes. she's ever done. Yes. Yes. Um. Now maybe mid twenties. Who's somebody? Who's like a forty mid forties actor? Time you could have cast. So we're thinking father figure, right? Yeah. Okay. Say, but let's just say, okay, she's supposed to be what? Probably early to mid twenties. Yeah. Like early early twenties, I'd say. Yeah. So you have to figure. We got to talk about what's his name? The uh, oh god, the guy was in Clyde Atlas too, who plays her father. Oh, James Clyde. Darcy. James Darcy. Yeah, guy. yeah. Who play, I think he plays Six Smith in Cloud Atlas. Yeah. Um, yeah. So think of an actor that was like, okay. That's probably what. He looks, what, James Darcy looks like, what, probably 25? Mm -hmm. He's supposed to be about 25 at that moment. Yep, and then so when think, she grows up, so, so in the 40s. So about, so about like late, mid to late 40s. So my, my two thoughts, one, I have one a little on the younger side, which, you know, could, could be like a quasi-father figure, and maybe there's some, like, hint of romance, and I have one on the little older side. The one on the younger side that I think could have, could have played it as a father figure slash at least mentor, what do you think about Tom Hardy? Oh, way too young. You think way too young? Oh, yeah. I don't know. He'd be Tom insulted. Hardy. He wouldn't do that because he'd look bad being her father. He wouldn't Okay, okay. Wouldn't then then let me go with on the older side. He's too sexy, too. Like, I, I, I know. That, that's what I'm saying. The, the way I would love to see Tom Hardy in that, in keeping it the same dynamic as lovers. Yeah. He'd be fun as that. Yeah, that's okay. Okay. That'd maybe that's why I'm thinking that. Then maybe as a, as a father figure older, the other person I'm thinking of is David Harbour. At this time, no. He wasn't a name. Yeah, I think that's, that's okay. That's fair. That's fair. He's not a name yet. Think about yeah. early 2010s. Oh God, that sucks. He's not a name till like fucking Stranger Things, which sucks. Yeah, Jesus, okay. he's been around forever. I, I, David Harbour also is very father figure to me, at least in how I, I see. David okay, Harbour. I want everybody to know. I typed in actors born in the 1970s. I get goddamn Christopher Nolan. He's not an actor. <laughs> Christopher Nolan should play a dog person. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, I don't. I mean, because other actors I was thinking are definitely too young and and, and hot. Like you know. Like, um, I'm trying to think of, you know, even... You know who would be good? Okay. Ethan Hawke. 
Ooh, that's an interesting one for sure. But he also looks pretty good for his age. I he couldn't, does, ta I couldn't yeah. take her for his fa for her father. Though. Yeah, yeah. Like one thing, that, this would be a, they would never do this in a million years. Mm -hmm. but it would be a really interesting movie. Okay, Vince Vaughn. Oh, that's good. That's that'd be a good that'd one. be fun. That'd, that'd be really be wild. That, that'd be provocative as hell. Yes, but that would never get made. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Um, that's an interesting, interesting idea. But I, I'm with you in the sense that this should have been more of a mentor slash father figure, re figure rather than the love interest because I don't think she really needs the love interest. And they do that whole thing with the movie is getting at the theme of like you know genetic reoccurrence and, and is it nature versus nurture like what know your place in society like I said all those Wachowski's ideas coming together. I mean we, we even have Sean Bean say at a certain point it's not what you do it's who you are and I'm like yeah this is a Wachowski's movie and I think having having the love interest doesn't, like, I would like it as the father figure type of thing. Like, we get Jupiter's arc of, you know, realizing her royalty and going back to Earth knowing things everybody else does. I like that better than, oh, you know, them, and I also get to spend time with my rocket boot boyfriend type of thing. It's a little, it's a little cheesy for me, but I guess it's also that space opera vibe. You need the love interest. I don't know, maybe the love interest should have been one of the dragon people. Right? You know, like she falls for a dragon person That's when she fine. gets to Eddie Redmayne's ship or whatever and then, you know, saves him or, or, or one, one dragon person survives. <laughs> but yeah, the romance stuff, it never, it very rarely jives for me and it didn't jive for me in this movie at all. But you like would, I say, you know, it needs like, it. You know they would have cast in the early 2010s if they were looking for a father mm -hmm. figure? Kind of, kind of like obvious when you think about it. It been Liam Neeson. Oh, very father figure, absolutely. Yeah. And could do the action with. Yep. Yeah, that's the thing. That would be. Uh, could probably, you imagine Liam Neeson flying around on rocket boots? I would love it. It'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it'd be more CGI than ever. Because apparently, Chang had like all the stunts for this. Like, yep. Yeah, I was reading that. Okay. Okay. So yeah, it's it's one of those. You know, I think for what they, remember they also think they're going for a young market. I like, think about this film probably was in development at the same time like Avengers is blowing up. Yes. Yes. And it's another reason why I think after, with this casting, I saw the trailer and I thought it was some YA nonsense because it plays to that. You know, younger market. Absolutely. Can we please say that this was being made today, like, or maybe not today, maybe about four years ago? 100% Chris Hemsworth. Oh, oh, totally. Chris Hemsworth. Totally. Like, like, he would have been saying, I wouldn't be surprised if he was sent this script and he turned it down. Yep. Just yep. Cause, just like, not because he didn't want to do it because there's Avenger stuff, because like Marvel probably has his entire calendar blocked out for like, nobody mm -hmm. forgets, like, with all these, like, kind of like your Chris Evans, Hemsworth, Scarlett Johansson, like, pretty much from like 2000, like, oh God, nine mm -hmm. to like, now, yeah, until like what 2019, those actors entire pretty much an entire decade of their lives were just like Marvel. If you yeah, can fit, if you can fit something in between there, that's fine. Marvel, yep, oh, yeah, yep. Whatever happened to the wolf guy from Twilight? What was his name? Oh, Watner, yeah, Taylor. Lo Whatever happened to him? Didn't they try and make tried, him an action star a couple times and it didn't he work? Was, he, he was Twilight Man, he was able to, he wasn't. Well, what happened was, I think I'm making the connection just because he plays a werewolf and he this we have a dog man here. You well, know? Okay, Taylor Lautner made the mistake where everyone's got to give Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart credit where they went complete. They did the DiCaprio thing, yeah, like they did the beach, yeah, they both did the beach, yep. and, they, and instead of like where DiCaprio just did the beach, it was like, okay, I went into hiding for a couple years yeah. and I'll come back with catch me if you can in mm -hmm. Gangs of New York. Um, again, DiCaprio's thing was, I'm going to do something gen genuine. Oh, God. That's what's his name. Oh, God. What's his name? Who did that? The Beach? Yeah. Don't remember. I know who did that. I'll look it up right now. It's going to drive me nuts. Uh, Another prolific actor. He was going to make a... Mr. Beach? <laughs> he was going to do a Bond movie. He got. He sat there, got like, he quit. Ooh. Um, okay. Mr. Mr. Beach. <laughs> <laughs> you, would know, you would know the Bond stuff better than I. So excited, um, but yeah, yeah. Taylor Lautner, Danny Boyle, Dan. Okay, okay. Yeah, the, Taylor Lautner tried to jump right into action. Wasn't there that yeah. abduction or, or yeah. something like that? Yeah. I Sports, remember seeing. Yeah, it was Sigourney. 
Yeah, yeah. That's like Robert Pattinson and both because they're both like Kristen Stewart tried to become like blockbuster actress and that like backfired because like people didn't want any parts of her. Yes, yes. Or Pattinson just went into like after he did like what was it the nine eleven movie? Yeah, um, he just went yeah, hard into like I'm just doing weird crap. Mm-hmm. And now like a decade later. He's like, I want to be a blockbuster actor. Yeah, now he's one of my one of the he's actors cool. I see, and I love him in things. Like, I love him in The Lighthouse. I love him in Good Time. Well, guess what? He rehabilitated his image. He did the exactly. key, He was able to pull off, and even like with Kristen Stewart, she's now. But she also wants to have her cake and eat it too, because she tried doing Charlie's Angels, that fizzle. Yeah, oh, that's and right. And now, like, she's gonna be Princess Diana. Yes, that I saw that. Yeah, which ones? She hasn't exactly broken out. Mass audience, at least Robert Pattinson. Mass audience is still having accepted them. Exactly. DiCaprio is really the only example of an actor that was able to go from like. Teenage heartthrob to the point where he's what one of like three genuine actors that can still bring in an audience. Yeah, yeah. Like he, like, like he is like in a class of his own because people just trust him at this point. Absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, Danny Boyle. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Danny Boyle. So yeah, I mean, th- so this whole uh, part of the conversation has been because I don't like Mila Kunis or Channing Tatum. I don't like them together. But like we said with the directors, it's not totally their fault. I think their chemistry's fine. I mean, it's just more personally that I dislike them. I, I just think like if they were. I think them. if they. I think it's the same thing of like they probably were told to read off, read off the paper too much. Sure. Um, I think if they were allowed to relax, I think this would be a different movie. If okay. they were allowed to kind of just get into the zone, I think both of them can do it if they want to. Like you said, Mila Kunis can do it. You just have to really kind of pry it out of her. Yeah. And I think Channing Tatum can do whatever he wants to put his mind to it. Okay. Okay. As you know, he's the most probably one of the most versatile actors right now working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then other than that, I'm kind of, I mean, you know. I think Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne I like in this this role. Eddie Redmayne. What do you want to say about Eddie Redmayne? Like, we love him. We love him in this role. He's the greatest thing to ever exist in this movie. (laughs) It's wonderful. It's. He. Like, this is the thing. Like, we have to start creating, like, a formula or, like, a recipe book for, like, making this type of movie. Yeah. Like, every. Like, if you want to be a true, like, Cinemati's blockbuster mess. Yes. You need. Like, you have to have big budget. Has to be rejected by mass audiences. Hundred percent. And you need that one, just one performance that is so inexplicable. Yes, yes, absolutely. Like stand out. Like Batman v Superman, you have uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Hundred percent. And you know I don't blame him for that because I ugh, maybe I don't know. It's weird. That, that's Hack Snyder nonsense. That's that's its own yes, thing. Yes, yes. But like you have even like Mortal Engines. You sit there have Hester. Yeah. Da! Yeah. Like you have that where it's like, where is this coming from? <laughs> and this. And even Hugo your, Weaving at the end of that after strikes Hugo out of the Weaving picture. Hugo Weaving is do, okay. The biggest mystery in this movie is that Hugo Weaving is an Eddie Redmayne character. Oh. Biggest mystery. That's a good, yeah. Like, in all honesty, yeah. I could see Eddie Redmayne as the Hugo Weaving character in Mortal Engines. Yes. Before I could see him in this. Okay, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, nobody, not, uh, no Hugo Weaving for the Wachowskis is, is strange, definitely. I, I, but again, he's also in a weird part now. Like, he wants nothing to do with, like, the, like yeah. he wants, I even look at the Marvel thing. They're like, think about it, they want him back for Avengers. Red Endgame. Skull, and he's yeah. like, oh, fuck yourself. Yeah, and he's like, no. <laughs> He's like, I was, was the, I was the, the dog in Babe, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> we had the Transformers. He was goddamn Megatron from Michael yeah, Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that's that's wild. I would I, And I love Hugo Weaving. It would have been great to see him. Is there... Oh, who is... Oh, God. Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving has one stick, and he runs with it really hard. Yeah. Talk about, we love him, but he had... Like, think about it. Like, I am comfortable in saying Mila Kunis... Or, I'll take that back. I'm going I'm to be that mean. Channing Tatum has more range than Hugo Weaving does mm. I, from what I've seen of Hugo Weaving in in theatrical films, I agree. Well, yes. Based on... If we, if we don't do stage stuff, then I feel like we think differently. But you. that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking about the, the things that people know There's no... Tell me the difference between his role in... Oh, God. Captain America, 
versus Mortal Engines versus Cloud Atlas. It's the exact same character in every single yeah, one of Yeah, those. you're right it's there. It's literally yes. the exact... Yes. Maybe Lord of the Rings will give him the benefit of the doubt. Mm, so oh, like, I haven't seen that in so long. Yeah, I've never seen any of those movies. And I'm even, I was even thinking the comparison of uh, Agent Smith in the Matrix movies to what he is as V in V for Vendetta... V for Vendetta, he's playing Agent Smith just with more dialogue, basically, you know? And more, more eloquent dialogue. Zeg is losing his mind right now. Apparently, <laughs> Hugo Weaving was in Hacksaw Ridge. Really? I still have not seen that, so I... I... I've seen that twice now, not too long ago, the second time. <laughs> you don't no know? Okay, okay. Like, Sam Worthington's in that, and he's fine in that. Yeah. Vince Vaughn's in that, he's the drill instructor, and maybe gives one of the best drill instructor performances. Nice. Shy of uh, Arlie... Yeah, I uh, I wouldn't know. I'll keep an eye on for him when I eventually see I, that movie. I love the idea that like Hugo Weaving's like fuck you, Marvel, but I'll come back for Hobbit nonsense. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he's in Happy Feet. Oh yeah, he's the um. I think he's the dad in Happy Feet. He's in Legends of the Guardians, The Owls of Gahul. Ooh, okay, okay. He's in, he's in the Hack Snyder universe. Yes, yes. Wolfman. Sure, sure. Yeah, I like Hugo. He's in a movie called. He's the narrator of a short called. And Rob's gonna just eat this up. This is this was prime for Rob on a silver platter. <laughs> the girl who swallowed bees. Oh, okay. Candyman Candy Five. <laughs> the girl who swallowed bees. <laughs> I'll let Rob look at the image on IMDb for the girl who swallowed. The girl who. Oh, this is Candyman Five. <laughs> <laughs> I like that picture. I know that's you neat. do. That's a I, neat. Uh... I know Rob's gonna eat this up on a goddamn silver platter. Yeah, no? that's like uh, the the persistence of man picture by uh, Renee. You know the the dude with the apple in front of his face. That famous painting. That's what that reminds me of. Of course, like I said, prime for Rob. Yeah, prime. yeah. I love when we discuss pictures on this podcast, <laughs> and I don't. Is- and I don't link to them. <laughs> and I never link to them, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, okay. I mean, other than our main leads and Eddie Redmayne, do you have an issue with any of the other performances? Because I'm pretty much fine with everyone. Sean Bean, like you mentioned earlier, he's... Sean Bean. He's playing, he's, he's playing exactly. type. He's playing type. I think, you know, maybe to transition from the performances to the characters in the movie more, okay. something that we were both confused by while watching the film... There's a lot of that. Where the hell did Sean Bean's daughter go? <laughs> She, we she, see her she, once. She went to get groceries. She like fist bombs Mila Kunis, and then she disappears. Yeah, because there's that thing when when the she's in the the scene where all the bees start to follow Mila Kunis, and I'm like, oh, she's Candyman, you know, and Candy Woman, I guess we should say. She introduces herself to Mila Kunis. Then they're in the house, and Sean Bean's like, we're gonna do some genetic tests to make sure you are the the uh, Abraxas royalty or Abraxas royalty. And is that the equivalent also of midichlorians? Definitely. It 100% is. It's just like the actual like gene tracing, I guess. But then, like, there's a, in that scene, the daughter, like, coughs, and Sean Bean expresses some concern, and she's like, don't worry, Dad, I'm going to be okay, and literally walks out of the movie. So, like, what the hell is the, what was the point of her? Why does she have, like, this sickness scene? It makes no sense to me. She's played by... Someone named Charlotte Beaumont, who I do not know. Has she done anything else? Um, apparently she was in Broadchurch, the TV show okay. in Britain, which I've never seen, but I've heard a lot about. Um, for film, she's been in Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll, Six Bullets, Jup- Jupiter Ascending, The Balcony, and The Windmill Massacre. Mm-hmm, she's nobody. I have not heard of she's probably somebody. Of she's probably connected to somebody in the production. Probably executives like niece or... Yeah, yeah. But I... I do you have any... Comprehension as to what her point in the movie was. At some point, Sean Bean needs I, to have well, daughter I, to protect. Well, I think that was potentially for sequel bait. Okay, okay. Remember, he was like what, like the lieutenant of the army at one point yes, or something. Yes, that's that's a, that's a loose thread. Yeah, absolutely. Because I thought she was going to be like 
when when Sean Bean gets like put in, in the brig later in the movie, and we're like, why is Sean Bean in jail? He did something. I thought his motivation later in the movie was going to be, oh, I need to do this because I want, you know my daughter to live, because the daughter is implied that she's sick or something like that. I wanted something like, oh, Sean Bean's here to get some of the immortality fluid to give to his daughter or something like that. Which I guess is a, another thing we have to talk about. Immortality fluid. Which, you, mean, you mean the spice, the spice melange? The spice melange, which in the movie, Titus says like four or five different names for it, and the only ones I caught were Regenex and Nectar. <laughs> the spice melange. It's the spice melange. He probably said spice melange, yeah. And so that's the point of this movie is that, which is where I got so into it. And, you know, maybe to explain more, other than just this being convoluted, and I love convoluted movies, when this really, this movie really sold me is when it, you have that, um, they capture Mila Kunis from Sean Bean's farm. And you realize that the three bounty hunters that were sent by Eddie Redmayne, Two of, two of them are working for the sister, and they capture, and the movie becomes about, oh, these three siblings are, like, warring over the production of uh, nectar, of the spice melange for immortality, and it's literally profit-driven, and it starts to become bureaucratic and, like, bogged down in, like, fan, like sibling rivalry, and I'm, like, fucking sold. I am so into this. It's so confusing. I'm so into it. <laughs> but the weird thing is, that, like, that's goofy enough, and that's 100%, like reminiscent on a visual level to Lynch's Dune. Yes, yes. But then, like, the film goes, and I guess this is where I want to talk about this, it goes hard into Brazil territory. Yeah. Where the movie yeah. gets its, lodges its head up its own ass to the point where it's like, remember, remember Brazil? And he gets louder. Remember Brazil? Mm -hmm. Remember Brazil? <laughs> remember Brazil? Remember Brazil? Yep. And then literally it takes Terry Gilliam and shoves him yep. up your ass. They go to that. his house to film that scene. <laughs> That's what Terry, the way Terry Gilliam looks in this movie is how he wakes up in the morning with the weird eye attachment included. <laughs> But I, see, like I said earlier, I'm fine with the bureaucracy stuff. I like that it gets a little muddled there. But you're right that it, it like, hits you over the head with it. I wish they played it a little more um, subtle. I don't know if subtle no, is Brazil. what the Wachowski even, can do, Even the really. design of those sequences and the who's the helper that guides them. Intergalactic the advocate Bob. Yes. yes. Even he, it's Brazil. Exactly. It's exactly. Brazil. And it's like, like, we get it. You like this. <laughs> you don't need to smack us across. Anybody who's going to get that reference gets it immediately. 100%. If you have to be that for with it, you're not getting that reference across people who don't know what Brazil is. Yeah, yeah. And that, I mean, I mean, the bureaucracy is the stuff that I do like in Brazil. I think it's more the execution and the story that Brazil takes the turn in that I don't like. But you're right. Just keep it as a little homage. Don't make it this in-your-face If you want to have thing. Terry Gilliam, have, have like two scenes and have him be one part of it. Exactly. And it'd be fun cameo. And it's a fun cameo. Like, it's fine. Like, give Terry Gilliam something to do. Yeah, yeah. I, I got no problem with that. So, like, no. But it's just, it's... It's goofy. it's fun bureaucracy it's scene, but it's though. it's too well. Yeah, that's also true that it does become very superfluous. And this would be a great ninety minute ninety minute movie they made here. Absolutely, cut out some of the romance. Maybe make it the father figure, so you lose that. I would take even, out the bureaucracy. I would say it's not even like I, if anything, I would prefer more scenes with Channing Tatum and Kunis doing their thing. Really? And what you do? You do Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese. Oh, Cut. that's another good We take. have a 45-minute-long yeah. action sequence. They're flying around Chicago. Apparently, they, it took them like 85 years to film this and map it out. I'm glad you brought it up. You I did not thoughts. need this. That is literally the most boring part of yeah. the film. Yep, yep. Cut that out. Absolutely. Less is more. And that's the problem. Cut that out and have a moment where they're sitting there doing stuff. Have them on the run, do whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. Condense. 
condensed. That could have Gravity is the soul of wit. Just be have been put into when Channing Tatum saves her from the the egg donation doctors. Just have like that chase scene happen because there's there's yeah. bullshit in between. Just have that chase scene happen. Cut it down. And then when they're on the ship, the the Aegis or whatever it's called, then have it be like, what's going on? And Mila Kunis that's can ask I mean. a million questions. That's the thing you they should have. You have that yeah. moment where she's at the – which you should really talk about the fact that like uh, Sparky is selling her uh, – Her eggs. Her egg cells. And you have that and like he, kid, he, he rescues her from that. And at that moment, like we hear about how Eddie Redmayne's put like a planetary blockade. Yes. Once again, Star Wars. Another Phantom Menace reference, oddly enough. And you have that though, and you have like all this stuff happening. You have to go. Think about it. That's all I do is just rescue her from places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty crazy. Okay, I because I know as I said when we were watching it, we have to look this up. I want to know how much you get paid for donating eggs. Oh my god! I need in two thousand twelve, Rob. In two thousand, okay, or okay. whatever two thousand, like the early two thousand tens. Let's see if I can find that. I think it'll be easier. Go to, find go, go to the, the web archive. You know the exact price, and we'll just adjust for inflation later on. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, Rob's doing that. One yeah. thing I do want to talk about the fact that when this film was like delayed, it oh, yeah. was 2013. It was the summer of 2013. They released a trailer for this at Comic Con. Okay. Twenty thirteen. It was that because okay. this was supposed to be released July 2014. And that's like a Comic Con thing to do. Release something that's a year away yeah, from, from yeah. release. Um, and then I, for, I I vaguely remember this. It was supposed to be released July 18th, and then like five weeks beforehand, they're like, "No, we're going to delay this like another eight months." Okay, okay. And they're claiming, Interesting. And, I, and this is back when the Twitter like rumors, like they're like apparently sure. the official reason for the delay was to finish special effects, which is insane. Five weeks, you know that months in advance, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know that timetable, and they, and this is why I kind of vaguely remember from Twitter rumors, and it's odd that it's on the um, Wikipedia thing. Um, is that like poor test screenings? Okay, and sure. so and that's sure. what makes me think like, but what what the hell did they reshot reshoot? What the hell was in the original cut of this that didn't make sense? Yeah, or they yeah. they thought it didn't make sense. Interesting. Yeah, that, I, I remember you, you telling me that this was delayed and whatnot and, and things of that nature. Um, and, of course, they're going to give that reason for finishing special effects. I feel like that's any movie. You know, every, movie gets del- every movie gets delayed because they're finishing exactly. special effects. I'm never going to tell you um, because it, it was... It really had to be the test screenings. Because like we were saying earlier, then that all leads up to the secret screening at yeah. Sundance type of thing. Yeah. So, that was only, but that was like three weeks away. Exactly, ways, exactly. Yeah. Sure, sure. That was marketing trying to figure out how they could sit there like put this into overdrive really quick. So I found an article from The Atlantic from 2015. It's not written by David Sims. <laughs> it's written by Jacoba Urist, or Urist, I don't know. Um, and it's about the question of how much should egg donor, how much uh-huh. should a, the title of the article is how much should a woman be paid for her eggs? And apparently the ideal payment that some people were shooting for in 2015 is $5,000 to $10,000. That's not per egg. That's per, that's per the actual endeavor of donating an egg because something I did not know, this might be something I dive into, or I would have dived into if we didn't record this right after watching the movie. Apparently, this article is saying that to donate eggs, the procedure takes 56 hours. I don't think that's 56 hours on an operating table. Yeah, I think that's the process. That's the whole process. To from you know getting the woman on the operating table, harvesting the eggs, storing them, and getting them ready for for transplant. Or I don't know if I'm using the right words. But apparently, this article says that there was some guidelines from the American Society of Reproductive Medicine that capped egg donor payments at ten thousand dollars. Oh. And there's a lawsuit because the plaintiffs of the lawsuit argued that constituted illegal price fixing, violating antitrust law and free market principles. This is wild. And then, okay, this is good. It goes on to say, 
part of the um the the lawsuit states if the average payment for sperm donation was $75 for an hour's worth of work the committee committee members reason then a woman paid the same hourly rate should get $4200 for the 56 hours it typically takes to donate eggs so close to that 5000 sure. so and that kind of makes sense cuz um Sparky was trying to buy everything like what a brand new TV yeah. The well, gaming he, console. Well, he say fifteen thousand. He'd split like two thirds with her. He gets I, yeah, it was, he gets ten thousand. She gets five thousand. Yes. So she was. Mila Kunis was getting um, over the the legal limit for, for money for donating eggs. This is wild. I got to learn more about this. But but then the counter argument to the lawsuit was be, because oocyte donation entails more discomfort, risk, and physical intrusion than sperm donation, sperm donor reimbursement rates are reasonably considered to underestimate the amount that is appropriate for women providing oocytes. So that's why 4200 is kind of their, their bottom line, and they want 5000 to 10000 okay. okay. So they're pretty correct. Yeah, yeah, spot yeah, on spot. yeah. And I, the other thing is... I'm sure there's some laws, just like, you know, illegally, a kidney has no monetary value because you can't sell human organs. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that there's some law that says, you know, if you're a woman, you can't donate all of your eggs. Like, you can't prematurely put yourself into menopause or something. Yes. So I would imagine that, you know, maybe she's trying to donate for 15,000 as many eggs as she can. Not that I know what that is. This is a whole Rob, rabbit hole Rob, I'm going to go Rob, down tonight. Rob, give your, <laughs> give your disclaimer about what gender we are. When we discuss these things. Uh, I now identify as a woman, and I want $15,000 for my ex. <laughs> no, we are white men discussing this, so we, we don't have the most say in how much a woman should be paid for their eggs. Uh, and I, I think it's come up on the podcast. I, one time with some of my friends, went down the rabbit hole of how many female eggs would you need for a spoon of human caviar? And it's, it's a lot of human eggs because of the size of them. Like, fish eggs are a lot bigger. I have to dig up the calculations we did for that because we were like, what's the volume of an egg? And, you know, how much can you fit in a spoon? And it was really expensive, I think. Or it would be a lot of eggs, but now it would be really expensive, too. Maybe we should do that. Human eggs, human caviar in the oh, restaurant. I, I like that. We'd have to pay a lot for these women's eggs. I'm going to do more research. This is not we'll the last we'll, you'll we'll hear. Call that, we'll call that the Cinematis Melange. That's what we call it. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Oh, man. Could you imagine salting human eggs and then eating it? That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> that is wild. So I'm glad, I'm glad we got to the egg donation aspect. We also have to say that this is like the C or D plot of the movie is the Russian family yes. being angry at, uh, at Sparky, who's Vladdy in this movie, yes. for getting the cousin, his cousin to sell eggs and stuff like that. There's some you do not, stuff. you do not, Rob. I think the lesson <laughs> is you do not treat women like chicken. You don't treat your cousin like chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put that clip in because it's great. Can we say it. that line of dialogue is the most convincing like piece of the entire movie? <laughs> yes, yes. There's a more conviction like, saying that woman. A Russian any... immigrant would say this to that's, to them. That's what I mean. <laughs> that line is said with more conviction than any other like space gobbledygook that's yeah, said for the yeah. other like what. <laughs> 126 other minutes of the film combined. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Who did what? Shame on you. Wait, 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 wait. You're telling me you convinced your cousin to sell her eggs. Oh. Yeah. What the hell do you think she is? A goddamn chicken? She wanted to do it. She wanted to do it. It wasn't all my plan. You little shit, Flurry. She begged me. She wanted to buy some stupid telescope. The deal wasn't even very good for me. It's a curse. The family is cursed. I don't care what she wanted. You don't treat your cousin like chicken! 
All right, I got I got a fun experiment. For okay, you. okay. I found an article going back. It was written in January of 2015 called "The Riskiest Box Office Bets of 2015." Sure. Number twelve is the Seventh Sign. Doesn't matter. What the hell is that? Number eleven is. Jupiter oh, is that Sign. what Julian Moore's a witch? Yeah. Okay, and, and, I remember and Jeff that. Jeff Bridges is there. It's okay, like, like a okay. wizard or something. It doesn't matter. Number eleven is Jupiter okay, Ascending. Got, okay, Jupiter's on there. Number ten is Jurassic World. That's risky. Well, because remember, Jurassic Park three was disa- oh, it was an unmitigated disaster. Right, but mm, and I, I guess nobody Pratt- was really talking about Jurassic Park before Jurassic World in my spheres before Jurassic World. That came was one around. of those movies that came out of nowhere. Like, yeah, that's fascinating. That and that's like God, like the second highest grossing movie of the year. I mean, that's we do call him the Madman. He took a risk. I know. <laughs> I took a risk in how stupid it was. Can we call like like Jupiter ascending will always now be Jupiter ascending to me? Can Jupiter. we call it Jurassic World? <laughs> That's right. I'm talking about this movie. It's from the trailers. There was a lot of them. Was uh, it's Channing Tatum yelling Jupiter like that is literally oh, yeah. from my own point. He drops her or something. That is how I always like. You have your way of Jupiter. Mine is always you have to exclaim the Jupiter. <laughs> and she does. We should say she does ascend a lot. There's she a lot does. Of, she like, does. It's both a literal and figurative act that she does. Absolutely. She figuratively ascends yes. and she literally ascends and she descends at one. She point. does descend. Probably though, from start to like finish. It's a net gain of ascending. I don't think she descends. Up the ladder. She, up up, yes. up the stairs. Yes. She does ascend. There are some steps back, but she does ascend at the end of the day. Yes. And technically, <laughs> truth in marketing, is, truth in advertising is very rare. So, 10 out of 10? I, I've never seen Mercury Rising, but does Mercury rise? We have to hope. Is Mercury even a character in Mercury Rising? I have no idea what does that the ther- Does about. the thermostat go up a little? Is it's that the prequel know. to this movie, Mercury Rising? I don't even know. I, like I said, I've never seen that movie. I'm going through this list of 2015 movies, and it's kind of amazing that we've, like, talked about two of them they're on this list and like at least another two of them are on the list okay what do we got what do we all got? right number one oddly enough is the martian that's mm. the riskiest film in 2015 really which is actually the eighth highest grossing film of that year yeah that movie and it's, really it, well. it's probably the objectively best film I of 2015 like, seen that. Yeah. it's solid shockingly solid um the man from uncle with uh, oh. uh, what's his name, Henry Cavill and Army uh, uh, Army Hammer, the Cannibal. Yes, yep. yes, yes. I've yes. only seen that once. I need to rewatch it in my Guy Ritchie. It's goofy. Film. He's, I didn't Henry, really care for. Henry Cavill it. is doing a um, Cary Grant impersonation the entire done? movie. It's insane. Who's the woman in that? Oh, Alicia Vikander. Yeah, that's what. It, yeah, I, I remember looking into the, when I Tomb Raider. I was like, oh yeah, she was in that. Yep. All right, we have Fan Four Stick. Oh, okay. That's which which we will get. Yeah. If there ever was a movie that maybe should be also the three hundredth film. It's oh man, that's. But a good I don't know one. if I can keep my powder dry that long. Sure. I felt and this yeah is for one, another year and a half. Yeah, yeah, I know. And this is the one I think Rob will be the most fascinated by. Pan. Oh, the movie that I didn't know existed until you saw the preview. Until the, I saw the preview before the Jupiter Ascend- Jupiter Ascending. Yes, I literally, I swear, I have never heard of that movie before. Like I don't think I, I don't even think it was like maybe I caught a trailer and forgot about it. I swear I, I knew that. nothing about People that. People got film. mad because they got really mad at Rooney Mara for uh, whatever his cultural appropriation. Oh sure, whatever, okay. whatever controversy that would have been. But also, we also talked about on this list is Terminator Genesis. Ooh, okay. We've okay. dealt in 2015 quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fun okay, movies, right on, right on. So Jupiter, Jupiter ascending. I'm glad you said she ascends. I didn't want to miss that. You know I. It took us, well, how many hours did it take for us to finally corroborate the title? I can't say for all movies, corroborate the <laughs> yes, title. Yes. I mean, Candyman, is there a man giving out candy? Yes. Yeah. That's did we corroborate Yeah, that? yeah. Okay. And Friday the 13th, was there a Friday the 13th? No. Mm, according to IMDb, it's of on course, that tearaway oh, calendar, which we, didn't, we did not see It's IMDb, so it's always allegedly. But none of us were looking for a, a calendar in the background of that movie. <laughs> 
So as I got to the end of my, my notes, I, I actually do have some other things I wanted to mention that are maybe not in the negative column, but maybe for the Wachowskis, something that I, I thought they lost a little, a, a little, a little bit of the, the track of. And it's something that we, we talked about in the Watchmen episode. It's something that I know we talked about in the last three weeks of the Matrix episodes. Pretty much, like, 99% of the time, I hate speed ramping. I hate slow motion. It really bothers me for some reason. I think it's... You're going to get to a lot of that in The Matrix. Yes. Before, and and I think that it works in, for me in movies like The Matrix, for the most part, The Matrix trilogy, like, the, uh, like in Watchmen... Because it's doing it for a purpose. I think there's it's a... Hat Snyder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Watchmen, it, it might be on the cusp of it, whether it's for a purpose or not. But like in the Matrix movies, I know that there's a sense of... The Matrix is so fast and so... Like, you never have a chance to breathe. And I feel like the slow motion, the Wachowskis are using that in the Matrix movies as giving the audience a chance to breathe. You know, it's like the... It's like the when after RoboCop gets shot up and there's that moment of black silence. It's like it's letting you breathe. It's like the when when uh, Tom Hardy and, and Charlize Theron get to the the sandstorm in Mad Max Fury Road. It cuts to black and it finally lets you go. Okay, I can release all the tension I have. I feel like the Wachowskis were actually using like quick bits of letting you breathe with slow motion and some cool visuals for an effect in the Matrix movies. And Speed Racer. Speed Racer is a great example of that, where it's like great to see this stuff, and you can understand what's going on, and there's emotional tie-in to why they're using slow motion, you know, why we see slow motion beehive get thrown at another car and stuff like that. But this one, I feel like they lost the thread. This seemed to be slow motion just to show off, oh, Channing Tatum did a flip. Yeah. And that's what I had. I have a problem when it's slow motion just to be like, whoa, doesn't this look cool? It's those people who do slow, like, the video will start I in real it. time, I and then they'll go into slow motion because they did a cool basketball it's to, it's shot. To accentuate the, the, the action. And I don't, and that's what I hate. I don't like when it's used just for that purpose. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I want it to be done for some reason that's actually going to, to you know, give me something in the movie. And I feel like this is the, the one Wachowski movie that they didn't do it to that effect in. Because... They did it in Cloud Atlas, in all the Neo-Soul segments, because that's where most of the action in Cloud Atlas is. And I guess we should say, like, Jupiter Ascending is basically what if Neo-Soul segment of Cloud Atlas was the whole movie. Apparently that's, you probably read, right? That's where they got the idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, so, and so, you know, they do it for an effect there. I don't know why they lost the, the, um, the thread in this one, though. It's, it's a little bit of a bummer. The other thing that caught me a little off guard, which is a very, this is a Rob nitpick, I, I know you're going to think for sure. I have kind of a problem that when Mila Kunis is out in space talking to space people, they immediately understand English language colloquialisms. There is no... We should have more scenes where she says something to Channing Tatum or to Titus and they go... Or they take her literally. Or they go, I don't know what you mean. There's the dinner scene when Titus and her, when he like, is getting ready to ask her to marry him... And, you know, before they, she drops the vial of the 100 people to make the one vial of nectar, of spice melange. But he, he's saying something like, I think I know more about you than you know about yourself because you're the reincarnation of my mother. And Mila Kunis just goes, shoot. There should have been something where Titus is like, I'm not going to harm you, you know? He just immediately, though, knows that she's asking for, yeah. oh, give me an example. Yeah. Why would space people know, not even Earth colloquialisms, <sighs> English language colloquialisms? Okay. That's a nitpick. So, so you want you want them to get even more bogged down? Than yes. I want this movie to be even more convoluted. <laughs> that's, that actually the, that's actually what that is. I'm glad. I didn't think of it that way, but you're right. That's what I want. Probably. I want this to be more convoluted. I want more nonsense. I want, like, the space 
these people to be Amelia Bedelia. I want them to take everything seriously. And Mila Kunis has to be like, oh, I need to learn how to interact and communicate with these space people. Sean Bean, it makes sense. He's been stationed on Earth, you know, he can get that stuff. But Channing Tatum, all the uh, Abraxas people, the, the Aegis people that work with Channing Tatum, they should all have little bits and pieces of not understanding the way Mila Kunis works. And then I think it would have been really cool to have those scenes, and then there's some disbelief. Be like, oh, this is the reincarnation of the mother of the Abra Abraxas family or something? I don't know. I, I wanted it to be more dense. You're right, Zach. That, that is a total Rob nitpick, but it bothered me near the end of the movie, where I'm like, how are they all communicating so easily? And to a lesser extent, which I, I forgive in this movie and all movies, apparently English is the language of the universe. That's just oh, how it goes. Oh, that's Star Wars. I know, Star. exactly. I can't be that track. angry because everything that's does called, that. Rob, we speak but English. Yes, yes. Like, you could be like me and be the a-hole that like during the like, Disney thing when they announced Star Wars <laughs> thing. Bob Iger's like, that's going to be the most immersive Star Wars thing ever. And I'm like, that should be in a language nobody recognizes because that's what Star Wars is. Yes. I you know, I can't. I can't. You acknowledge I'm it, not, though. Okay, sure, sure. Um, to say something I did like, though, the wedding scene. Okay. They had a machine that makes the ring at the wedding. It's a tattoo ring. That's pretty cool. I That's think we should do that more often. <laughs> I think That's we should adopt rings. that on Earth. We should do... You don't buy the ring beforehand. You, you just make the ring at the wedding. Well, maintenance. You have to worry about losing it. Yeah. It makes, yeah, it more, yeah. makes marriage feel more permanent. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Before we forget, I want... Just shift gears a little bit. Okay. All right. There's a moment in this film where one of our bounty hunters whose allegiances are kind of... I, I don't know who they... Who yeah, they to. change every scene, of course. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what the character's name is, but I know the actress's name. Her name is Bay Duna, who is... Sure. She's... She, uh, yeah, the neo-soul. She's um, the savior. Yep. Yes. Her look in this movie... Mm. And I said this during the record as we were watching it. Yep. Lana yep. Wachowski saw this design and fell in love. <laughs> yeah, the, the blue... Crazy over Neon, the top blue, hair. purple, yep. like, yep. And done the exact same way. Absolutely. You know the only thing that's missing in Lana's wardrobe is the goggles. Yes, yes. Which she probably, she might wear out and about, you know? It's in a drawer, just waiting. Yes, exactly. Waiting for steampunk. Yeah, you're, I'm glad you, glad you brought that back up. Because when, you, when we saw her in the movie and you mentioned it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yes. you're right. <laughs> she could have played that character in this movie. That'd be fun. That would have been fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Cameo, like, 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 like a Hitchcock moment. Yes, yes. Okay. Did you have anything else that you wanted to say about Jupiter Ascending? I think we, we covered it in, in grand cir circular fashion, but I think we got Typical to everything Simon I wanted to fashion. mention. Yeah. Were there any other moments or any other final As thoughts right now, you wanted no. to say? As okay. of now, right now. Okay. Well, then before we get to our questions, I want to do my rankings. This is oh, going to change, I okay. think. I think this is tough. I think I can contribute this outside of bound. Maybe when we... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Maybe when we... <laughs> like, of course. Like... The, when we go back and actually record the Matrix trilogy episodes, maybe this will move around a little bit. But I think I'm pretty solid because I've seen... Now, only Bound and um, Jupiter Ascending are the only ones I've seen once. I've seen every other uh, Wachowski's movies at least two times. Rob is watching Cloud Atlas as we speak. I wish I was. <laughs> I fucking love that movie. So, number seven. Zach's going to get mad at me. But also, remember, I love all these movies. They have to be ranked, though. They have right. to be. I don't think I get... I, there's number really nothing I would get frustrated Number seven this. is Matrix Revolutions. My least That's favorite fine. is the third That's Matrix. Fine. And I know you're not, we'll you're get not unique that more. in that regard. Exactly. I hope you're aware We'll of that. get into that more when we discuss that one. But like I said, I still like it. It's a, it's a crazy goddamn movie. I, it's a wild choice, which I'm sure we discussed last week, to blind Neo near the beginning of the movie. It's a fantastic decision. No, that's the end. Oh, that's the end of the second one? No, it's toward the end of the, like, the, that's like halfway through the uh, second, third movie. So, okay, I thought it was a little that's earlier, That's when Hay and okay. Trinity go off on the, Jesus, bro, we just talked about these movies last oh, week. Oh, God, you're right. You noob! 
God! I have you have dementia revolutions in a week. <laughs> <laughs> you dementia-ridden so, podcaster, you. My number six, a great film. I'm gonna put Bound. Okay. My reason for that is that I don't know if Bound is worth rewatching. Bound is a is the most grounded Wachowski's movie, but it is a crime thriller. Like, it is very much, once you know what's going to happen, I don't think there's stuff to gain from rewatching it. I will rewatch it eventually, but I don't think I'm really going to get anything because it's, like, it's all about the tension and all about the suspense of, like, you know, the mafia, the, the two women trying to get the money, the cops showing up, you know, that type of stuff. It's, it's a very good movie, like I said, but I don't think it's as deep as a lot of the other Wachowski stuff. Number five, this was tough, Jupiter Ascending. Okay. Just because I've seen it once, I feel like if I rewatch it, this might change, and okay. the other four that I'm going to get to I love so much, but this was great. This is, I think, in the same sense as Bound, or in the opposite sense of Bound, I think if I rewatch this again, I'm going to get more from it. At least in terms of understanding dialogue more, now that I know some jargon and things like that. Number four, the original Matrix movie. Okay. I no, think this is, none of this is controversial. No, no, not at all. Yeah, I know, but I, I think like I'm you said it best earlier. I'm the one that's got the controversial earlier, ranking. And you said, and we said it best in our episode. The original Matrix is a little dry. It has, I we understand why it's so impactful yeah. and influential, but it is a little dry. You know, yeah. it doesn't have There's that. There's a lot of hold hand. There's a lot of hold handing it. it but it is really good. I have to say, I love I, the Matrix. Oh no. Number three. <laughs> The Matrix Reloaded. Okay. I love that movie yes. so goddamn much. As I'm sure I talked about, I gave all my thoughts two on that ago. two weeks ago. Now, this is where it got tough. But kind well, we, of all, we all know what it is. <laughs> number two is Speed Racer. Yeah, that's love a that shock. goddamn movie. And this number is the easiest one, one. Third, is Cloud To Atlas. me, third place was the most interesting one of this. Yes, yes. That was the one I was like, okay, I know <laughs> the chips are going to fall on this. So now, now the thing is... Cloud Atlas is one of the Wachowski movies that we're going to do later on, because we didn't do it in this series. We're going to get to it eventually. I don't know where it's going to fit in, but we have to cover Cloud Atlas. They didn't direct the entire thing. No. Tom Tickfer is also the director on that, but are we comfortable saying that that's still a Wachowski's movie? Yeah, they were producers. Okay, yeah. yeah. They had a lot of the thought behind it and stuff like that, but um, I think, if I remember correctly, it's something like they only directed... 60% of yeah, it, maybe 55 or yeah, 60, something like that. Um, and Tom Tickford does great work. I think he just he, he directs the Robert Frobisher segments with Ben Wishaw, which is some of my favorite stuff in the movie. Well, of course, the more uh, elaborate stuff is there. It, yeah, the, the neo-soul, I know they do, and I think they, they do all the Tom Hanks to the true true in the future and stuff like that, where Hugo <laughs> Weaving plays uh, the embodiment of insecurity or something like yeah, that. that. It's the true true. <laughs> Jeez. Zach forgot about it. I didn't, and that's the truth. Rob, Rob, Rob lives in the Cloud Atlas universe, I, and I, I love that movie so. Halle much. Berry, uh, doing playing an Asian at a certain point, and a Jew. Movie. She plays a Jew at a certain point. So yes, yeah, so Matrix, Revo Matrix Revolutions, Bound, Jupiter Ascending, The Matrix, The Matrix Reloaded, Speed Racer, and Cloud Atlas. Those are great movies, and I love them all. It's always great to find a filmography you know longer than Henry Selick's, where I love every single movie. So I have some slight changes to my Wachowski rankings, especially now after rewatching all of the Matrix movies. I still love all these movies, don't get me wrong. There is a, not a single Wachowski's film I do not absolutely adore and would watch again at any moment in time. But I, I do think that my ranking has changed since revisiting um, all of these films. So my new updated ranking... Number seven is now Jupiter Ascending. Once again, uh, not something that I dislike. I uh, just don't really 
I didn't really feel the attraction to it as much as I have some other Wachowski movies, but that may well be because I haven't had enough time to to live with it. When I record this little correction to throw into this episode, I think, you know, we are we are basically um, three months since Zach and I actually recorded it, so I've had a little more time to stew over it, and uh, I have not rewatched Jupiter Ascending. So my number seven is Jupiter Ascending. My number six is now Bound. So I have rewatched Bound, and like I said in this episode, while I don't think there's much to gain from rewatching Bound, its exercise intention is so well done that it is worth rewatching just for that emotional state it puts you in. And I really appreciate that. And Joey Pants is fantastic in that movie, and I could watch him over and over and over a lot more than I could watch Mila Kunis and Channing Tatum in Jupiter Ascending. My new number five, and this is the only uh, one that's going to be, um, the last one, I should say, that's going to be different from my my rankings I gave in this uh, main, main recording. My number five is now The Matrix Revolutions. Uh, And then number four, The Matrix, number three, The Matrix Reloaded, number two, Speed Racer, number one, Cloud Atlas. Now, when I was thinking about this, it it actually brought something to my attention that I don't really think I had thought of before, especially rewatching the three Matrix movies for the, uh, the past three weeks of this podcast. I don't really see The Matrix as three films. I see it as a trilogy, as um, as three films, you know, all strewn together. And of course, as you've heard, I not only see The Matrix in that way, but I see it with all the cracks and crevices filled in with the Animatrix and Enter the Matrix and things like that. So I guess what I'm saying is these rankings that I've just given, both, you know, in the main recording and just now to update my rankings of the Wachowski movies, this is what I would have to do to rank them as individual films. Like, if you if you ask me to separate The Matrix, Matrix Reloaded, Matrix Revolutions, this is what you're going to get. But I think if you group together The Matrix Trilogy, that would easily be my number one. I think I would say number one is The Matrix Trilogy, and then Cloud Atlas, and then Speed Racer, and then Bound, and then Jupiter Ascending. But I that's, you know, that's something that Zach and I have talked about off mic before, you know, is Kill Bill 1 and 2, is that one movie or two movies? Is Dune... When Denis Villeneuve's Dune Part 2 comes out, if that happens, even though it's announced, who knows if it's going to happen, is that uh, one movie or two, that type of thing? It's it's very interesting to me, and um, I I just uh, wanted to throw that out there. Okay, back to the episode. I think next thing is our questions. Probably so, lost a good filmography. So, Zach, what are, what, are, what are your thoughts? Where, do, where What's your... You're fine. That list is fine. What are your thoughts on you, your rankings, though, for well, the Number one is... Ma- I, I haven't watched Revolutions in forever, but, like, Major Revolutions, yep. Speed Racer... Sure. Bound. <laughs> Placeholder for Bound. When everything else, like I said, like, I'm different than Rob. Like, after, like, I, I know what I like, everything else kind of just kind of, like, I can tell you what I really like and what I don't like. Sure. There's no sure. other films I genuinely dislike. I mm-hmm. like everything they've done, except for Bound, because I haven't seen it. Yep. Um, no, like I said, Matrix Revolutions is fun, because I just, I just like, and it's so funny, I just remember coming out of that movie in November of 2003. Yeah. And deliberately lying about it, because my mother wanted to go see it, because I wanted, I wanted to own the DVD, even though I didn't like it. I yeah. I liked it. I didn't like that at the time. Oh, interesting. Okay. And it's grown on me because I told you, I, one of my favorite cinematic moments is to this day, Trinity in the club with the Merovingian. He's going through this entire oh, elaborate, uh, like this is the like Wachowski's version of Indiana Jones shooting the um, the, the swordsman. Yeah, yeah. Where like the Merovingian goes on this like five minute diatribe about like the eyes, the, the, eyes the Oracle. Oracle. Oh yeah, yeah. Though, and she goes, we don't have time for this. And puts a gun to his head. Yes. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's wonderful. And it's great. 
And the fact that like, the first like 30 minutes of the movie is just Neo like, in a train station. Yeah, In a band yeah. train station. After how everybody was just waiting for this massive conclusion, which you do get by the end of the absolutely, movie. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, the Matrix has its problems. Like the fact that like, it pretty much relies on the same gag that we see like in the first two films with Neo fighting um, Agent Smith. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But no, the whole idea like where like, like Neo goes and confronts the... Uh, the well, we call it the hive mind of the machine. Sure, yeah. And it's like we don't need your help, and he's like, "I so I've made a, 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 a egregious mistake, and I should be killed right on the spot." And I'm like, "Like I love that," and I'm like, yes. "Okay, somebody being so confident in their like a bit like just in their beliefs and their abilities, they're mm-hmm. like, then fine. If I'm wrong, kill me. It means no difference to me then." Yep. And they're like, "Like because you have your deal, or like human, yeah." And it's like, and like Graham Smith has gotten out of your control, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love and again, it's like Wachowski's nonsense. It's said so, so, so matter of fact that yes. People, People are so used to the, uh, oh God, even back in 2003, the bombastic nature of everything. Mm-hmm. Where now, like, everything has to be boiled down to this huge, huge conclusion. Yeah. Where, again, not to go back to our favorite punching bag of the Avengers, where it just can't, where it's like we have to have the battlefield, one on one side, one on the other. Yep. Yep. Oh God. Yeah. But that's where also like the witch houses get very gratuitous too. Like we're like we've already seen Agent Smith and Neo fight how many times in these movies? Sure. And we get another thirty minute time just punching each other into oblivion. Yeah. And the best part of that is just how it ends, where like he he like like what's it uh him. And yes, it's like, it's like, yes. Is it over? It's yeah. like it, it, it's where Hugo Weaving is actually pretty good. Where yeah. he's, he's not just playing an evil robot. Which he when he screams, I think it's why at the end of the Matrix Revolutions. That is awesome. Because <laughs> like, I can. And like, and that's what, and that's where Keanu Reeves. You gotta give him credit for being Keanu because only he could deliver that. Every Absolutely. other actor would try too hard. He's just very reserved. Mm-hmm. No, Revolutions is great. Yes. Then even then even the very ending with the Oracle and uh, the Architect, where it's like, how long is this gonna last? He's like, you promise this will last. As long as it can. Mm-hmm. And like, this is great. Like, this is great. Like, oh, the, it's, it's philosophy. And that's where people can throw the architect kind of out with the bath, like the bath water. Yeah. And it's like, no, this is great. Architect is wonderful. <laughs> I can't wait till we get to the recording the Matrix Reloaded episode because my quote at the start will probably be the, the entirety of the architect. Be, and once again, Rob will say, I'm not Griffin. I'm not Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, Rob, this is the Griffin thing to do. Oh, he probably yes. did the exact same thing. You know, honestly, if you go back to he the Matrix, you're like, he, probably he probably did the exact did. same thing. But it ended with the word podcast, or Rob will just do the Where entire thing. Yeah, we don't do that. Yes. So, yes. It's going to be great. I will probably have to listen to this before we do the Matrix movies, but I will actually edit it after we do the Matrix movies to maybe cut out some overlap. Or we keep this as a weird time capsule of September 8th, 2021, when Zach and I were together. So, that brings us to our questions. I think this is an easy oh, yeah. one. This oh, is yeah. such an easy one. Cinemodities, I wrote down in all caps, absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is a movie for this podcast, oh, yeah. like we were saying. And late night, 100%. This is the type of convoluted nonsense that I, I want to have somebody in my clutches for. Just like Southland Tales, just like a little less or so under the Silver Lake. This is something that, you know, people need to be inundated with. And I will hold that's the a, torch that's, for That's a nice verb, inundated. Yes. That's, that's an yes. appropriate word. So, uh, so we're in a grand cinema. What do you think for late night? Oh, That's okay, absolutely because okay. this is like, like like we talk about like Halloween three season of the witch, which is one of those films I'm always terrified of because I think it's so just bizarre. Yeah, because um, it's a franchise killer, mm-hmm. which is a very potent thing. <laughs> um, this is like on that same level though. But like, imagine like if Doctor Chalice, whatever her name is, I yep. forget. Yeah, I don't uh, the, the, the fifteen year old girl that he brings to like an abandoned town. And the only reason I know, remember Tom Atkins plays Doctor Chalice is because she says, "Where do you want to sleep, Doctor Chalice?" <laughs> <laughs> he does say her name, doesn't he? Like, he's like, he's got the stupid question. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty Blank. sure he does, yeah. The thing about it, imagine that movie, but it was by, like, who are popular actors in the, like, 80s? Like, like who would that be? I don't know, like, Warren Beatty and somebody else. Jeez, yeah. Kathleen Turner, maybe. Okay. Um, imagine, like, that's what this is. You have the sugar coating. 
it's there. Yeah, yeah, you're At right. At least as Channing Tatum and Mila Kunis are still pop culture celebrities. Yep. You've got your sugar coating. So it's like, it's the thing that's going to make the... You uh, can't blame people. He's going to lube it up. Yes, yep, it is. Absolutely. That's great. And that's what okay. it is. It has... It ha- and that's the kind of thing, probably the, the true part of a, like, uh, oh God, the blockbuster disaster part of Cinemodies, mm-hmm. and that you need that sugar coating. Yes. To dupe the normies. Absolutely. You need that. Like with Fan Force, think it's going to be the brand. It's going to be the I brand. would say same thing with Batman v Superman, right? Yeah. Yep. Borderlands is the only one I guess no. Yeah, where that it, it doesn't have, have the sugar coating. Because that didn't have anybody of note in it except Hugo Weaving, but he wasn't and they even, sl- And they you know. plastered Peter Jackson's name over it. But by that point, exactly. by 2018, Peter Jack, God, that's almost 10 years removed from the Lovely Bones. Yes. And yes. where that kind of, where he spent a lot of his cachet on that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. Mortal Engines is a weird one, too. Like everything else, it's a weird one. Absolutely. absolutely. It's odd even in the Cinemodis <laughs> realm. <laughs> yep. Well, then I guess that brings us to snacks. And, oh, boy, there's some good snacks in this one. Well, Rob already has the The, true the human caviar. That's going to be in there, of course. Um, so I think just, just from, like, you know, maybe combine these two. Maybe make them, like, one, like, location in the restaurant. Because we already have some, like, medical facility or something for, sure. for us or the workers or whatever. Infirmary. And some, at some point, infirmary's been in the spreadsheet. Exactly. I would like to, well, one, include that, you know, an egg harvesting thing. So we can actually harvest some eggs to make the caviar. Do we try to make the Cinemati's melange? Do we try to actually harvest? Is that what we're going to call it? I have that, too. I would like to try and harvest people for immortality. Okay. But really, I'm kind of... I don't know if we have the recipe of how to make 100 people into immortals, or make into immortal juice, whatever it is, the melange. I kind of really just want that medical table that we see twice in the movie, where, like, I think, like... You turn the, into blue goo? Uh, well, just, I, just the table itself, where I, I like... I think it's a dragon person's laying back, and then we see the mother laying back in it. It's just like a medical table where a bunch of syringes and blades Go can get you. really close then to you your like face. Then you, like, blow up into blue dots. Yeah, yeah. I just want that medical table for something, you know? And maybe anytime someone goes is to the infirmary, they it, have to I, lay on that table. May I please bring up the idea? I, I, we haven't talked about this movie yet, mm. but it is a huge part in my favorite movie props of all time. Okay. We have the... I think... I didn't know there was more than one. There is another. Okay. We have the medical table in Jupiter Ascending. Yes. And there's the medical tanning bed of the future in Elysium. Oh! I'm even thinking... They're um, opposites. One cures you... One dissolves you in the blue dust. I'm even thinking the um, the uh, medical table that uh, cuts out the the oh the and thing Prometheus. In, in Prometheus, yeah, God. yeah, yeah. Wow, that's an entire. I could be its own series: medical tables and movies. <laughs> medical table series. We got. We, I'm gonna put we've that got, in the spreadsheet when got, I think of that. We've got two so far. We've got Prometheus. And we've got this. And Elysium is somewhere out floating. Oh, in the yes, distance. absolutely, absolutely. I guess also speaking of the infirmary, um, get rid of like conventional bandages or anything. Maxi pads. Let's have maxi pads. Okay. Maxi pad field, field dressing. Exactly. There's no reason why we're even in common workplaces today. If you have gauze, you do not need that. You have it for oh, both. God. You have it for medical wounds yeah. and injuries, and you have it for women for their yes. for their time of the month. That is such a ridiculous line from Mila Kunis, where she's like, "Luckily, this car is owned by a woman," and just pulls out a maxi pad from the glove compartment. Well, that, do you remember the scary movie three? Where like I think it's one that uh, Regina King is like bleeding from the nose, and like oh god, what's oh, her name? And if she like, pulls out like a tampon. Yeah, yeah. That's a gag. Yep. It's scary. Which is a total <laughs> connection. Very similar to Scary Movie Three, which parodies The Matrix Reloaded yep. with George yep. Carlin. Mm-hmm. It's been out there ever since. Killing. Just like Pootie Tang. <laughs> we, we mentioned that in the Pootie Tang episode. Pootie Tang reference in this. Oh, that would be wonderful. <laughs> I think the only other hat... Well, of course, this goes without saying. Um, we should in, incorporate in the restaurant as a... 
a like complaint filing system, whether it be against other customers or against like workers, and it can go for any workers could complain about other workers, customers complain about workers, a, a human resources it's, bureaucracy. Yeah, yeah, you know, it'd be the yeah. This would go in the human resources field. Tax grievances. I want people to be able to file tax grievances. I don't even know what a tax grievance is. If it's act, it has to be a real thing because it pops oh, up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I just Google. Just type in Google for tax grievance. <laughs> I just would love. To have a customer be like, you know, I'd like to file a tax grievance. <laughs> okay, say that the straight place. I love that phrase. A tax grievance occurs when the property owner feels they are overpaying on their property tax or that the value of their home is less than the town has assessed. Yeah, I've done that. Information is then collected to determine whether or not a tax grievance can be filed. Yeah, okay. I mean, I've done that before. Right on. Right I have first hand experience, Rob, tax grievances. So you are you saying that you right. have filed a tax yeah. grievance before? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's why I that. Yeah. I think that, you know, everybody should write please, in and say, we, Zach is cool. <laughs> but can we please introduce the plot thread of if you want to be able to go through the bureaucracy, you have to start bribing people. Oh, of course. And we're the ones that accept the bribes. Bribes are a necessity in the Sin Moderns <laughs> restaurant. For tax grievances and for many other things, I think. Absolutely. For edible food. <laughs> for real food, you have to bribe the waiter to be like, so what can I actually eat on this menu, you know? Well, you can eat anything. It's whether it's digestible. Or not. Exactly, oh, yes. It's just like exactly. a 20. It's like, okay. I like that. I like that people bribe the waiter and say, what can I actually eat on the menu? And it's this weird monkey paw thing where they, they, they're like, you said edible, not safe, safe to consume, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> And then I think the only other one I had was from a quick line at the beginning in, in I guess, Russian, we're hearing them speak in. We hear, when we see the subtitle in Russian, one of them say, I have a latka for you, bitch. <laughs> so I was thinking, let's just put lockies on the menu and call it, like, a latka, lockie for you, bitch. I also bitch. noticed there was, they had, like, like, a giant, like, oh, God, like, dish of just sausages. Yes, or yes. Like, Very stereotypically Russian, I guess. <laughs> so those were all I had. What did Do you have? Do you know what nationality the Wachowskis are? Uh, I believe Polish. Okay. I believe Polish when I looked up. So they probably have some level of that. Exactly. So, so just because of the name Wachowskis. We can't, we can't cancel them and, for that. And the Chicago thing, because I know there's a lot of Polish immigrants in Chicago. Yeah, we can't so. cancel them for that. No, no, not at all. Um, so what did you what did you think, Zach, for snacks? Well, had, okay, the Maxi Pad field dressing. Yes, we like that. Yep. We have that. Uh, the uh, the Cinemades Melange, as we're calling yes, the... Uh, yes, yes. Do we want to keep it at, you need 100 people to make a vial, or do we want to, like, inherently just be like, let's do 300 for a vial? <laughs> maybe it's, maybe it's inefficient, but why the fuck not, you know? I have the idea of just, like, I think we should, I think we should be the ones, obviously, we're in control of the Cinematis Melange. Yes. And we should, like, how do we want to do it? Is it, like, bathing in it? Is it snorting it? Mm. Is it a suppository? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You want to, you want immortality? Bend over. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's pretty good. I don't know. I mean, how much do we charge for the Milan? Exactly. That. Ooh, I'll probably. Do we export it? Do we keep it for ourselves? I'm do thinking keep it for ourselves. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I was even thinking, you know, if we do make this melange for immortality, we have a good, you know, bank of people. All the I people know. trapped in the restaurant, you know, can't find their way out. We just scoop them up and do whatever we got to do. Put them in the Pope thing to make them blue goo. You know, that type of the Pope thing. Uh, it's great. I mean, I think I would keep it. The sister Tuppence Middleton takes a bath in it. Yeah. That's probably the most efficient way. Efficient way. Isn't it dirty though? Like, doesn't it lose its power? Like, when you it's kind of like any sort of pool. When you drain it and like like purify it, that's a good. If that's yeah. the case, just have a pool of it. Let people like soak it up. Sure, sure. Yeah, we don't really know. We, I guess we might have to do some the, test runs. What or are the logistics of the melange? Yeah, we'll have to make some melange and start do some test runs. Like, what what if you know you have to bathe in it to 
keep your, you know, like, that's how it gets in your skin and keeps your cells young. Because it is, they are achieving biological immortality. They can still get murdered, and, and Eddie Redmayne presumably dies from falling we from a large we, height. We have to hope that he doesn't. We need him back. Uh, well, of course, of course, you know. Um, but, I mean, what would happen if you just drank it? You know, would it work the same way? Would, like, your organs be young, but you might still look old on the outside? What do you think, a suppository? What does that do to you? We need to run some trials. What if you start having sex with it? Does it create life? Sex with a liquid? Yeah. Can you do that? <laughs> I don't know. So once, okay, considering at one point we see an or, we see the one brother type orgy. orgy. Yeah, only good news in here. <laughs> in the uh, non-gravity uh, space orgy. Yes. At some point, a certain biological male fluid has gotten into the melange. Uh, I imagine. Ooh, okay. What happens then? Just to drain the whole pool? Is like the equipment having like a thing of ice at the restaurant and there's a broken glass? She's got to get rid of it all? That's a good question. I think we gotta run trials. Can we have tests. different colors of the melange? Can we oh. dye different colors? Yes, I hope so. Christmas time, we dye it red. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween, we orange or of something course. like that. It's the orange melange. Easter, be pink. Ben Affleck's birthday, I don't know, blood red. <laughs> <laughs> ben Affleck colored. Ben Affleck colored. <laughs> Someone once said to me, they described something as donut colored, and I was like, what the fuck is that? Exactly. I was like, oh. I was like, I've seen a lot of different colored donuts. What does that mean? They're like, like, you brown? know, it's like fried dough. Donut colored, and I was like. No, oh. no. I was like, I reject what you're saying to me right now. Pick another object. <laughs> oh, that was Alexa. She was wild. She had weird things, weird ways of saying things like donut color. <laughs> Any other snacks, Zach? Um, For Jupiter? Jupiter? I don't know. I, I what, about, what about we call it Jupiter ascending? Like we pronounce the C, but we don't pronounce the J. We just fuck it up. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know. I feel like, it's like, I don't know. Like, we got to talk about the telescope. Oh. Maybe, maybe we have a birthing chamber in a shipping container? Yes, we didn't talk about we that. We talk about the prelude to all this. Like, this is like a weird movie. Like James Darcy gets killed just because of a robbery. He has a pregnant wife. He's like, don't touch my telescope. <laughs> no wonder why she wants to sit there and do that. Ever since she was like, like a fetus in the womb, she's being taught that her life is worth less than a telescope. Yep, yep. Oh, her father's man. like, you can have the pregnant wife, just leave the telescope. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. He, he does seem, James Darcy at the beginning seems upset when he has to take a break from looking at things with his telescope to rub Vaseline on, his, on the pregnant, pregnant wife's stomach. <laughs> yeah, maybe, I don't know, um, with an infinite void, a telescope would be good. We never really oh, yeah. talked about which dimension it's infinite. Uh -huh. Maybe we have a night sky sometimes that people can look at, you know. Anything's possible Anything's with void. Possible. Anything's possible. Exactly, anything's possible. Do we have, do we, okay... Bear with me here. Cigarettes. We have, we have cigarettes. I'm glad you didn't cigarettes. Do we have spacecrafts in the restaurant? And if they do, who, can we have elephant guys pilot them? Oh. He's pretty rad. I don't think we have any spacecrafts. We just have, like, the, you know, helicopters, and maybe there's, like, a tram or something, or a trolley car, I feel like we've had, um, like, uh, ground-level transportation. I feel like transportation should be its own tab in the restaurant. Oh, yeah, should. it probably should be. Um, that's actually a good thought. Thank God I don't have to edit this for 110 days. <laughs> But, yeah, let's throw some spacecraft. Maybe the thing that, um, you know, Duna Bay is riding, that, that little, like, land speeder sure. or whatever. Maybe oh, Rob, we forgot the most important thing from this film. Okay. Rocket boots. Rocket, oh, rocket boots. Why doesn't everybody in the world have rocket boots? Universe. Universe. It should be, like... It comes with a, a pad paper. A, a, a living creature's right to have rocket boots. Eddie Redmayne needed rocket boots at the end of the movie. Many people falling. In he this also movie. needed like a vocal coach as well. <laughs> yeah. Rocket boots. Have okay. I like that. Maybe rocket boots, rocket boots in the restaurant. Not we for the sell? customers. No, we don't sell them. I think 
for uh, it's an exclusive. That could be like our version mm. of like like an i like a god like an iPhone oh, or AirPods geez. rocket boots. Okay, that's like our that path idea. to being in the black. Rock. I was saying I was thinking we should keep it just for very key employees like oh. us. Like you know, maybe no, some how about of the this? higher how about this? ups. How about this? We sell the rocket boots. Okay, we can, like provide them to the employees. It's like working a construction site, making them buy their own gloves. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. When I we worked at a deli them. once, I had to wear non-slip shoes, and I had to buy them just like that. We make our employees buy part of their uniform. Yes. Perfect. I'm sold on that. Okay. Rock, fucking rocket boots. I wish that's one lore. I wish we had explained more. I wish they said something like, "Oh, like uh, to make a comparison." I dislike um, Michael Rooker in Guardians of the Galaxy. He seems to be the only one with that arrow that he can whistle with. I that's wish they not... said something that uh, Channing Tatum was the only one with rocket boots, and they're special. Something. I like how they took away his wings, but the rocket boots he can keep, which are 100 <laughs> percent better. Yes, <laughs> they're way more versatile. They're harder to hit. You can't. You know, it would be difficult to rip them off. To any At no extent. point anyone's trying to aim for the rocket. Boots. Exactly. There should be a point where, like, what's his name? Name, uh, I was gonna say Timothy Chalamet. Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> Eddie Redmayne should like shoot the boots. Yes, shoot Go, the boots. going back to Monsober <laughs> 17 months ago. Shoot the boots. Shoot the boots. Shoot the boots. <laughs> <laughs> and then the dragon guy would have been like, Yes, my lord. <laughs> we will shoot the boots. <laughs> I like how there's also a hierarchy of the dragon men. Yes. They're like the yes. first one is told, like threatened, like, oh, if you don't get this done, like it's gonna be your head. Yep. yep. He begs for mercy. Poor dragon man begs for mercy. Yeah. And he gets turned into Melange. Yep, yep. And then we get another one. <laughs> With a leather jacket. With <laughs> a leather jacket. <laughs> this movie is utterly wonderful, man. Can we talk about a little bit real quick? I know we're at the end of this with the logistics of this, like like deal making. Um Eddie Redmayne yep. kidnaps Mila Kunis's family. Yes. Is leverage, so she will sign over the rights to the Earth. Yes, I can't she will abdicate said. her royalties, so he'll yes. get Earth and whatever else she owns. I would so. imagine for the same reason why kidnapping someone is a tax grievance. I would imagine kidnapping royalty's family is also some level Ooh, of a crime. Sure, I would imagine. Oh, and then even when um, I think what Eddie Redmayne like slaps or starts to choke Mila Kunis, his little helper is like. Is this wise before the abdication, sire? You know, and it's like so clearly there's, there's rules. There's really they intense rules. They're criminals that they believe in the rule of law. <laughs> yeah, they do shady ass things, but somehow the rules still play. Yeah. So why can't? So the same reason why that like, oh, I am going to murder your family unless you abdicate the throne. Mm -hmm. Why not just literally be like, it's mine now, bitch. Like I'm gonna lock you up here forever. That's a good. It's mine now. Like no one's gonna hear. Anyone says you yeah. align with like, like you align with me. Like they, they made it pretty clear, kind of. They made it subtly clear, very like implicitly, that Eddie Redmayne and the mother were very close. Yes, yes. Why couldn't he just lock her up in a chamber? And be like, okay, I, I, like, I know it's a movie. Agree. Like I know it's a movie, sure. but considering this movie gets so bogged down, literally in bureaucracy, mm -hmm. even with the marriage stuff with Titus. That that seems very much we have to follow these rules. There's it rule. Be it's very weird. you know much just like like you said, throw her in a cage or something. But, like that. Kind of, but this is the thing where even like David Lynch Dune, because obviously I've never read the original Dune, mm -hmm. even gets around this where it's just like okay, the Emperor doesn't like the Atreides. Like have the Archons pull back, yeah. throw the Atreides in there, and we'll just sit there. It's a way of just kind of like wiping the slate clean all at once. Exactly. And it's like are there rules here? Yeah, but okay, who's going to enforce them? Yeah, I'm the Emperor. It even you even bring up a good point with we. I don't know if we're told what's the time difference between uh, mother. Uh, uh, Abrasics dying and Mila Kunis being rebirthed. How old is Mila Kunis? It's got to be twenty years. Exactly. So it's at least that. But is there is there a time in their, period in their, in their that chronological occurs? lifespan? It's like the equivalent of like an evening. It's like oh she died. Sure. And like yeah, Eddie Redmayne looks yeah. at his watch. He's like oh and she's back. The already. sister says something like I, like I'm fourteen or, or 
yeah, 14 millennia old. And she's like, you'd be surprised how fast it goes. So in, in their context, yes, it is pretty This is quick. literally nothing. He literally murders mother and yeah. like he turns around and she's right. It's like that, oh God, you probably know that meme where like uh, Mo is throwing Barney out of the ball. Oh and yeah, Barney he's is right, right there, yeah. That yeah. is literally what is happening to exactly. Eddie Redmayne. He must exactly. be just more confused. Maybe that's why he makes such like like bad decisions. Is he's just confused. But I, I'm, I think what I'm thinking the most about is why is there even any talk about their inheritance? They seem to know that a genetic reoccurrence will occur, and when the genetic occurrence reoccur happens and is found, they're just like, oh, now she has control of Earth. But isn't that something they've established, though? That's something that does... But they say that this has happened before. Yes. But the mother did not leave explicit directions oh. in this instance, right? Isn't there something like I, they that? They do say that. And also, she doesn't have her inheritance as the genetic occurrence until she goes bureaucracy. to the bureaucracy. But this is my question. This is almost like a legal question. This is why I want to talk to the Wachowskis about this. Yes. It's the idea that, like, <laughs> let's say... You have a parent and a child. The parent dies, bequeaths everything, and let's just say for the sake of argument, five years later, that parent turns out to be alive. Sure. Well, they disappeared, something, they come back. Yeah. What is the legal recourse yeah. to that? What, I, I don't know. Question. Can the court, unless it was appraised at the time of death as to what the estate is, like, I have no idea. Like, in all honesty, this movie should just be like, all this happens, and Eddie Raymond's just like, it's mine. Yeah, that's like, what you'd like, expect from you. this type of movie. But I, I, like I said, I kind of love how convoluted and bogged down in this legal thing it gets. They should be showing this in law school. <laughs> this would lead to great conversations between Spice lawyers. Yes. <laughs> because they'd be like, who owns the this spice. industry? And clearly there's some competitors that are making it. And, like, you know, this is, but this is the fun thing. Though, is like, oh, like, at one point, Mila Kunis is like, how can any one person own the Earth? It's like, it's yes. property. Exactly. And the sister says, the she's like, it's just another planet. Yeah. It's like... You own land. Like, as I said, I remember back in, like, what was it? You, like, you learned about, like, the plight of the Native Americans. Yes. From yes. The Shining. Yes. And they Thank teach you. <laughs> they teach us very explicitly. I like, remember when my sixth grade teacher came in with the Calumet flowers and started telling us all about... About Jack Torrance and Wendy yeah. Torrance and Danny. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great, Rob. One day, like, here, like, for every reason, like, you just, like, you retire, you just want to be, like, a high school teacher, you become, like, a, like an American history teacher, <laughs> and, like, okay, we're going to talk about the plight of the Native Americans, you just show The Shining. Yep. Like, the yep. principal gets phone calls asking, like, why are you showing The Shining as part of the curriculum? <laughs> and you just go, you show, like, you just pass the Blu-ray of Room 237 across the desk, yep. and you're like... Yep, Oh, yeah, you're like, give this a watch. <laughs> but, like, it's that notion of, like, like when the, like, Europeans came over, the, the Native Americans had no idea what was happening, because, like, how can you own things? And then it was, like, the equivalent of owning the oxygen. Yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But to me, Lacuna is like, you want property. It, everything is property. Exactly. As, as an American, as somebody who lives in the 21st century, everything is property mm -hmm. to be owned. Mm -hmm. 100%. Like, this should not be baffling as a thing to you. Yeah, yeah. Especially for someone who, you know, works as a cleaner, cleaning people's property. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And she doesn't, and she, that's one thing about even what's really fascinating about this. She has like, there's no like, oh God, classism in this. Very little, very little. Yeah, like yeah. it's there, but like it doesn't hit you over the head. Like exactly. in the same way, like like what the Wachowskis would do for V for Vendetta, where it's sure. like Bush, Iraq. Yeah, yeah exactly. Where Alan Moore's like Jesus Christ, yeah. couldn't Stephen you done Fry getting killed because he has a picture of uh, uh, William but, Hurt as the Queen? Eats, he eats butter. That's why he dies. Oh yes, the butter. You have Natalie Portman. You have butter. Where'd you get it? <laughs> Oh, I, I still no, that was, no. That's V who has the butter, right? Oh, that yeah, V has I'm the sorry. butter. I'm I can't believe movie. I can't believe you have butter. Where'd you get it? I remember the first I time I ever train. saw. Yeah. I stole it from I, I stole the first time I ever saw John Hurt's train. Yeah, the first time I saw V for Vendetta, I was watching it with some some people, and one of them, like in the beginning of the movie, was like. Natalie Portman is so hot in this. And one of my other friends retorted, especially when she shaves her head, right? <laughs> I thought it was great. 
Well, because then she wears the little girl's costume and points to like impress like the religious official. Yeah. And literally everybody all at once just went. <laughs> yes, yes. All right, Zach. Well, we did it. 200 episodes. We, we hope we make it between now and 200 I hope this has to end. <laughs> this is going to be like the, the truly do, lost we episode. We do not want... We do, like, one thing we don't want to do is dip... Cinemodies in the Cinemodies melange. Definitely, definitely. We do not want this podcast to live forever. It will, it will end eventually, of course. It exists. It will live in the annals. When Zach and I have children, we will explicitly state they cannot continue. Yes, Cinemodities. that'll be in the will. We have no heirs for Cinemodities. until it gets reincarnated. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I guess with that being said, since we're recording this so early, it's kind of weird. Um, thanks for being with us for 300 episodes. Thanks for being us through this whole year, which included the 2004 year as the the majority of. It. We have zero idea of what we're doing next. Yeah, it, I, I think the have. only thing that could possibly be on the docket is the Matrix Resurrection. Which, which at this point we do not know if it's even being released in 2020. Yes, and it's still a giant question mark. So this is going to be a great time capsule when people listen to it. You know, maybe we only have some thoughts. Maybe earlier in this month we said what our next series. I like the idea. It's probably but, the beginning of this series. We will be telling people. We'll be hinting at. In last week's episode, you will have more of an idea of what we will be doing than we do right now. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, should we show some ideas out there as to like we, maybe for the end of 200 episodes we go through some of the series and see if any of that oh, comes to fruition. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, we got a good bit in the in the spreadsheet. This do you think? Not long do you enough. think in 2022 we'll actually do a director series? We'll have to do a director. I mean, I don't know what director Rob, it'll be. I don't we're know going if, on our fourth year, and, we, and that was like the first thing in the spreadsheet was David Lynch and Stanley Kubrick. Dave, yeah, and I don't still, know if we'll do those. We might do some more obscure stuff like that Henry I Selleck? like, like like another like another Henry Selleck. That's like so another, small though. Sure. Well, I think of a series, it's got to be at least four. Yeah, who, who else would we do? Who other directors? Zach's already said he doesn't want to do Aronofsky. Oh, God, no. I never want to go through the Schumacher movies again. Uh, That's your own fault. Uh, who else? Who else? I don't know. Tarantino. I, Tarantino is a possibility. That's the obvious one. Exactly. Because we've That's never the done obvious Tarantino. one. Uh, yeah, I don't know who else we, I'd really want to want to do. Uh, I don't have any thoughts, at least top of my mind. Um we, I mean, we've also, though, had some good series that we've thought of that are not directed. Oh, still, I think one day, maybe it's not next year, but sometime, the um, the revisiting series. Oh, it would yeah. be great to revisit some things yeah, like Southland Tales, Wonder Chosen, which won't be really revisiting, just doing more episodes of Wonder Chosen. But definitely would circle around to some of the ones that we discussed originally. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, what else we got? What else we got? Uh, oh, I've, I've said before, uh, I said earlier this year, um, I would like to do... The Roll Doll adaptation series. I think that's some fun stuff. I've also thought about doing a video game movie series. There's some really weird stuff we could talk about in there. Uh, don't you want to talk about Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time? I think that's a yes from Zach. <laughs> and we could finally do Final Fantasy VII Advent Children. I know you've been waiting to do that. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, oh a, a director I've had in the spreadsheet for a while that I, I don't even want to pull the trigger on. Miyazaki. What's the point oh, of talking about the Miyazaki yeah. movies, you know? know? That's just a, oh, these are great and everybody thinks they're great type of discussion. I still want to do, which Zach will probably never let happen again, to go back to TV shows and no. discuss the short-form 11-minute shows. Nope. Then, okay, Zach, it's, I'm fine... It's just giving the Hunger Force thing. I'm that, fine with not doing that, but we need a way to work in The Shivering Truth somehow. We have to talk oh, about The Shivering God, Truth God, one day. next year. I can guarantee that won't happen. It's going to happen eventually. It's become, it's become a, almost a gag now. That, like, that's been on the list forever, and that we'll, we'll never get sure. to it. Um, I know in the spreadsheet, before you took your hiatus, we were planning the 2000 summer blockbusters and that, the 2010 summer blockbusters, well, but now the say, anniversaries thing, have passed. But one thing I will say will happen next year, not, there's not going to be a 2002 uh, fort year. 
Yes. But it will be its own series. There'll be there'll be at least four. It's probably May. If I had to guess, May 2022. Is this our new tradition? Every year we do the 20 past the 20 year anniversary oh, movies. Okay. That's, that's, that's what 2000 was going to be until I had the emotional rise. Exactly. No, 2002 will happen. And we'll go through like okay, we'll talk about some stuff from from two thousand. Yes, it'll just be one one month though. It will yes. not be a, a fort year. Not something even a fort month. something I've been interested in. I think we both in for a while, but we were talking about how it's going to be very disenfranchising. The incomprehensible masterpieces series, where we have things like after last season, Wicked World, Exterminator City that I put on there. Okay, uh, that's always interesting, but that is that's going to be a tough one. Oh, I like the Zach in the spreadsheet has. We're going to space movies. <laughs> <laughs> Like stuff too, like there's like the weird Disney movies thing where you have like oh god, Return to Oz, The Black Hole, Black yep. Country Bears, yep. Inspector Gadget. Inspector Gadget's actually up there with one of those movies like should like destroy careers. That series, the series that I was just careers. about to say, that is a really good one. I really want to do that. Um, oh, Wild speaking Wild of directors, when you said movies that should have ruined careers, I would love to finish up. There's only three more. The Matthew Bright filmography. Because it's Freeway, Freeway 2, and Tiptoes, the movie where Gary Oldman plays a midget. <laughs> I would love to finish that up. Oh God, Freeway. I forgot about Freeway. And we get some more Reese Witherspoon. Colossal Flops, Waterworld, Ishtar. Oh, we will have to do Waterworld and Ishtar. I feel like point. at some point we talk about Miss March now that Trevor Moore is dead. Oh, that's right. Yeah. R.I.P. Trevor Moore. Yes, Ben and I talked about that on the Patreon, but we have not talked about it. We, this is literally four months after it happened. We're saying it now, but yes, R.I.P. Trevor Moore. That was a that was a loss I took hard of a, a celebrity loss. And I guess rest in peace, Michael K. Williams. That just happened at the time of this recording. Yeah, there's some there's still some good ones in here, and we'll think of even we'll think of a bunch. We we kind of you know. Let that muscle fall by the wayside and weaken this year because we didn't have to choose a series for. Did you really just put Final Destination franchise and list every single one? Yeah. I'll just write Final Destination franchise so I can cross them off when we do them. Oh, Jesus Christ! I like, I like crossing them off though. But what if we only do like three ben or something? Stiller we don't do the rest, and I have to cross ben off three. Stiller direct. Oh, I'm not letting that happen. You better hope I have another like, like emotional trauma. <laughs> yeah, I, I would only really want to talk about Tropic Thunder. I think Arctic Lightning. Arctic Lightning, of course. Movies we wish we could have seen at the time of their release. Yeah, that was an idea you had. That's a good one. There's another one, too, about the idea that like movies people love, but like we think are like abject garbage. Movies that should be hated yes, series. Yes. Oh, speaking of that, that's it would American be great Sniper. to revisit um, Unexpected Love movies. That's a, that's yeah, a good... That's, that's, a, that's a good... That's an evergreen. Well, now, yeah, now that we have Ben, that'd be interesting to get other people... Or LaShawn even get other yeah. people's opinions on that. I mean... And also, if you're at the bottom of the spreadsheet, Zach, whenever I can find a copy of Hot Dogs for a Go Gone, yeah, know, we're going to do a bonus know, episode on it. That's we never, have to. That's never going to happen. But oh, well, yeah, I know. I'm resigned to that. There's the cra- <laughs> so, one series I just added recently was Crazy That It Exists. Okay. The first title is Jupiter Ascension. <laughs> <laughs> but that's Fan Four Sticks, Sucker Punch, Wild Wild West. Sucker Punch, yeah, yeah. I, I rewatched Wild Wild West recently before my HBO Max thing like ran out. Beautiful. It's pretty ridiculous. Kenneth Branagh is a bisected man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ted Levine can't hear in the movie. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Kevin Klein and drag. Yes. Yes. Will Smith literally about to be lynched. Yeah. Oh God. I haven't seen that in a while, but man. That is a trip. Oh, as I always say, I haven't seen that movie in the Coons age. And down. yes, I'll put the clip in. Yes. What's the word? Nice of you to join us tonight and add color to these monochromatic proceedings. Well, when a fella comes back from the dead, I find that an occasion to stand up, to be counted. Miss East informs me that you're expecting to see General McGrath here. Well, I knew him years ago, but I haven't seen him in a couple.
raccoon's age. Well, I can see where it'd be difficult for a man of your stature to keep in touch with even half the people you know. Contest. The last series I thought of was um, crossovers, like Robert, uh, Roger Rabbit, Robot Chicken, Wreck-It Ralph's, Ready Player One. The idea of like, oh, like movies that do crossovers. Interesting. Like, okay, okay. You know, like, yeah. I don't think I put in the spreadsheet, but when you mentioned that, I know Ben has talked about, um, or Ben on the Patreon has talked about um, doing um, like team-up movies. Like, not the Avengers, but something like that. So, like, Mystery Men. Uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So like those those big team up movies, that and that and that's a that that, that's good fun. Yeah. So yeah, who knows where two thousand twenty two is going to take us with cinemodities? Um, if anybody has any recommendations, feel free to send it to cinemodities at gmail dot com. Of course, we will we will read them. We might not take them into consideration. Uh, if you pay want for pay pay for it exactly. If you want to actually make requests though that we will honor, you can pay for that at the cinemodities Patreon. And, as always, check out the uh, Cinemati subreddit for more information about the show. So I think at the end of this, Zach just ran away from me. I, I will say at the end, uh, I'm thinking of, or we both are thinking of, how to end this episode. How do we end the 200th episode of Cinemodities? I pulled up the Jupiter Ascending soundtrack on IMDb. There's only two things listed. And one of them is Yukogato Budetneptianosti by Ethan Stoller, and the other one is Fanfare for the History of Planet Earth by Ethan Stoller. I'm tempted to look up when I edit this what those sound like, and I probably want to play one of those in reverse. Probably the first one. You Kogato Buddha Neptianosti. When Zach gets back, he will give me his thoughts. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. I this morning. I... <laughs> that's on my Spotify playlist. <laughs> Okay, that's it, Zach. Any final thoughts on the two hundredth episode? Are we? Uh, are we? Are, are we out? We did it. May this podcast please end before uh, four hundred episodes. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that yet. I probably will by the time we reach this episode in real time. <laughs> so I cannot find the Ethan Stoller music used in Jupiter Ascending. I don't know where they are in the movie, since I don't really know what they sound like. So instead of uh, what we set up in the episode, I decided to use a different track from the score in reverse. Um, I picked the one that just stood out to me from Michael Giacchino's score. Uh, Flying Dinosaur Fight with Guts bonus track. That's what you're about to hear in reverse to end this episode and this month on The Wachowskis.